Okay, we're recording there. We going on here? We are. Yep. Okay. Well, welcome to a Crafty Radio New Year's Eve show. <laughs> I mean, I'm so stressed about not getting the stuff hooked up that uh, need a minute to decompress. Well, we should mention that uh, we are now being joined right now by Steve and Tom. Steve is from Ohio. Tom's from Delaware, and of course, we have your friend, friend Dave Vaudrey. Dave. Best man at my wedding. May have heard of him on, if you've listened to the pre or post show, but uh, we have not heard from him on the show yet. No. And, uh, give me no. a glass, Dave. We are drinking right now a really old chub, huh? Well, I figured we'd start out. Old chub nitro. <laughs> <laughs> not worth your sobriety on New Year's Eve? Is that... <laughs> yeah, everything's worth your sobriety on New Year's <laughs> Eve, right? <laughs> I can get it in Ohio, so there's no problem with that. So, <laughs> so we did have this on the show. Um, I don't know. I just kind of want to start a little bit before we go on into. No, uh, I understand. Yeah. So, um, but we enjoyed this quite a bit on the show. We thought the nitro. There's not many beers. I have the opinion that the nitro enhances the flavor, and I think this one was really good on nitro. And uh, this will be the second time having it, so I'll give it a try. Here. Okay. So the other beers that Jeff pulled out is uh, McKellar. It's alive. Belgian wild ale with rhubarb. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking I've forward. had the regular, not with the rhubarb. Yeah, we haven't had a ton of McKellar on the yeah. show or here because it's uh, not distributed by a primary wholesaler here. Yeah. This stuff gets mulled across state from Philadelphia um, by a couple of the bottle shops that do that kind of thing. This is from East End here in Pittsburgh, the Bayardstown Big Bottle Beer of Vivit Rattus. No, don't know what that means. And Lost Abbey Red Barn Ale. That's uh, that's where their saison, right? Yeah, I think it's a saison. I don't know. I just grabbed three. We decide to switch it up or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, can go grab something big and malty if you want. Do you want to show off the the liquor that you have? Oh, the it's actually <laughs> over behind the bar. Uh, the the William L or the W L Weller. Yeah, he got me. Yeah, and I was drinking that the other night. That's good stuff. I'm glad. Thank I'm glad you. it's good stuff. So here we are, New Year's Eve, 2014. What do you guys think? Year in review time? Is that what we're doing here? A day, what else are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, let's introduce Dave a little bit more, I think, maybe. Oh, well, we need to introduce uh, everybody. Oh, introduce everybody. Okay. Well, Dave's here. His microphone isn't turned up yet. There, say something. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Still not. Hey, hey, pretty good. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So Dave grew up here. Uh, in Pittsburgh with me and uh, went to college at IUP, which is a little bit outside of the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, and then, and, half. Yeah. and then he uh, joined the army and has been everywhere but Pittsburgh. Yeah, I currently live about an hour north of uh, Kansas City at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. So I'm just back here visiting family and stopped over to see Jeff. So I get out there a couple times a year. Or so okay, yeah, a lot of Boulevard to drink out there. So <laughs> that is true. Good yes. barbecue too. Excellent barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Dave brought a whole bunch of Boulevard, some uh, Free State. What else did you bring? Uh, tall grass. Nah, I, I couldn't find any tall grass. I, I had that the last time I was in Kansas, but I couldn't find any in, in a hurry this time. Uh, there's some good. stuff from Indianapolis. Uh, I think Sun King and uh, another small brewery that I stopped at when I was there for work. So. Okay, cool. Yes, thank you. And uh, he listens to the show. Even the post shows, and so he, he, like he said, he feels like he knows Greg. He and, uh, <laughs> I and, feel sorry for you. Um, 
it helps pass the time. So, <laughs> Steve, uh, you were with us. You were here last year as well. Why don't you? Just, last couple you, years, actually. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Why don't you just uh, reintroduce yourself to everybody? Uh, travel around the country doing barbecue. So I'm like mm. I said, I'm in Kansas City a couple times a year. Uh, I've actually hit a couple of the different. I don't know if you guys caught or the uh, brew dudes, the Scottish guys. Uh, actually hit a couple of oh, the brew breweries dog? even before the TV show hit them. Okay. So uh, Tom hit M- Miss Billion River and uh, outside Harrington. So yeah, I've hit a couple places this year. Sounds. Yeah, Miss Billion's great. They're not too far far down from me. I don't know if I'll be going there in April this year or not. It's to be determined. So. And the other person you're hearing from right now is Tom, who is joining us, I think, for the first time? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, Tom. And we see a nice collection of beer bottles behind you. <laughs> Looks awesome. Yeah, thanks. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we uh, get into the whole rigmarole of the show? Uh, pretty much, uh, I'm a beer geek. I've uh, been doing rate beer for... Uh, quite some time, I guess around 2006, started actively taking notes and keeping track of everything I tried. Uh, on Facebook, I do uh, video beer reviews under the uh, Tonight's Beer Is name. Uh, and then, oh, so uh... see, now I know a lot more about yeah. you, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there's this, you know, anonymous Tonight's Beer guy is we've had a fair amount of yeah. conversation with. And there's this there he is, guy sitting on Hangouts. Awesome. The same guy. Okay, great. Yeah, we. I, I always uh, enjoy your, your correspondence. It's always good to get... Because uh, get, like you, you recently treated us about the pinner, right? Yeah. 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 We completely missed the whole weed tie-in. And, yeah. And I know that... Um, um, oh, what's his real life name? Uh... <laughs> What's his real life well, name? Because he, he has his, his Twitter handles like like not even it's like the letters name? and numbers. It, it's like letters know. and numbers, right? Um anyway. <laughs> John John DeForio, right? He um sent the tweet where he's like, you know, he's said he was talking to his speaker, right? And he's like, You can hear that, right? Oh <laughs> right. So he was probably I'm presuming he was saying, They're talking about a weed thing, you know? Because yeah. we did a beer called Pinner. Um, from Oscar Blues last week and we didn't know where the name Pinner came from they called it a throwback IPA and we thought that meant like a, a recreation of something old but it means throwback it's lower in alcohol chug it you know that's kind of what the throwback meant so we were way off base and and Tom here is the one who you know informed us of yeah. so many things about that beer I'm, I'm never I'm never sure when I go to respond to that kind of stuff if you guys are going to take it as being like okay okay we know we were wrong or something like or no I, i'm know. always looking for corrections i i think you know corrections are very valuable so i always take that um and, you know and, and i was going to comment on that uh, the next show we did mm-hmm. uh but you know, now i'll comment on it here i mean it, it's um i think i still may do it on the next uh, official show we do but uh yeah to 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 make up for our our mistake uh, so, so it's always good to get right. correction on that. I, I find it, it I, I guess it's because, you know, they're in Colorado and 
there's a lot of weed going around well, Colorado now. So and, they're, and they're in Asheville. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot of weed in Asheville. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, it seemed like something that was. It didn't seem like something that a Google search would reveal, right? Yeah. You know, so I didn't even think of Googling Pinner, right? Because mm-hmm. it seemed like something. I don't know. For my mind, I was thinking like something that was. You know, when I think of Oscar Blues, I'm thinking of, you know, the outdoorsy mountain Colorado Asheville type life, right? So I thought it was a bicycling, like a mountain biking thing or something like that. And I guess maybe it still is a mountain biking thing, but um, I didn't even think of Googling it. And I'm sure if you Google Pinner, you, you'll probably figure probably, it out right yeah, quick. Urban Dictionary or something will have it on there. We, uh, did somebody join and leave? That was what that. That's because it's a public. Is a Hangout, yeah. so we're gonna have a bunch of looky loos looking for <laughs> looking for some chat roulette. Yeah, we weren't what they were looking for. No. no, they're looking for some chat roulette action. I think. I don't know. Does anybody want to show their dicks? Because <laughs> we might get more response. Not enough beer just yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a dick off. <laughs> wow. Okay, we're getting started early on that one. All right. So, 2014. Uh, is anybody else glad it's gone? <laughs> uh, working in payroll, I am not done with it just yet. <laughs> be another couple weeks for me. I'll be glad to to send it off. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's been kind of a. I mean, it, it's been a decent year for me, but like the world, it's just been a sucky year. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it again. I make the point all the time about how arbitrary these things are. You know, it's very, it's year. very arbitrary for me. Like when you're asking me about 2014, I was talking about David a little bit earlier. For me, it was the year uh, where the cyber criminals kind of weaponized their arsenal. You know, where they're you know doing the target. Well, target was officially 2013, but they're doing these hacks: the Sony hack, the yeah. Heartbleed, the you know all these hacks. So for me, when you ask me if I am happy that 2014 is over. The first thing that comes to my mind is I am really scared for 2015, computer security-wise. No, let, let it be 2014 for another 12 months. <laughs> I mean, I'm just – I think it's just going to be worse next year, you know, mm-hmm. and because a significant portion of my time is tied up with computer security-type stuff, you know, it's just really going to throw a wrench into my life. So w- that was the first thing that came to mind when you asked me if I was happy to see it go. I'm more scared to see 2015 come. Do you think that there's going to be a change in the way – I mean, I've said many times on, on the pre and post show, privacy's over. you yeah. got to get used to it. That goes not just for people but for businesses too. Uh, is there? Do you think there's going to be some acknowledgement of that and a little bit more uh, – a little bit less kind of overt security measures because, because it, it's the, the cost is going to be too high – at a certain point to to even really defend against that sort of thing. Well, I mean, it's kind of slippery, right? I mean, well, not slippery. What's the word I'm looking for? Saying privacy is over for a business where most businesses exist because they have some intellectual property that they can make money on, right? And if they're not able to protect their property, then what's the point of being in business, right? Uh, Well, (laughs) privacy and property are not synonymous, but that's kind of what happened with Let Sony. Let me interject here real quick. Yeah. That it was Sony and play, and uh, the Xbox taking over down during Christmas. 
Right. Watch it be Netflix the next time, and then you'll see people <laughs> jumping through the skin. <laughs> that's the, that's oh, true. I can't buy my. I can't go pick on Amazon. Sorry, pick on. I can't go to Amazon and buy my stuff today. That's when it's going to get real, and then. Well, I think I, I don't just know. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, at least not in the same way, because the real problem with, with the PlayStation and the Xbox hacks was a centralization problem, whereas Netflix and Amazon are much more decentralized, and so they won't have the same kind of uh, DNS you know, just attack issue. Yeah, I mean, taking North Korea and Xbox Live offline and taking Netflix offline are completely two yeah. or three different things, right? So... But I but I get your point where yeah I mean if someone's Netflix isn't working but you know for a certain fraction of Christmas morning gift openers having Xbox Live not work I'm sure I can't it's... activate my my brand new kids <laughs> yeah. thing yeah I'm going through the roof or imagine a 12 year old boy who wants to play um, game of the week type thing well, and the real latest can... murder simulator is yeah exactly <laughs> I couldn't think of the name off the top but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know... Halo. Always insert Halo. The latest Halo. You're fine. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be... Halo shoot people's arms and heads off edition. There's going to be a YouTube meme of 12-year-old boys flipping out because they couldn't get on their you know video. I've seen YouTube... I've, I've seen they flip out of much smaller things than, than Xbox stuff, so it doesn't really surprise yeah. me. Right. Yeah, no kidding. But, Jeff, into your thing is that with those, I do. I switched this year to ADP to do payroll, they were down all day Monday. It's year end. People are trying to do payrolls for yeah. Friday for December 31st. I mean, they had people working there till 9 o'clock. One of my company codes, thank goodness it's only one live check. It didn't get. It didn't make it. It's going to be a Friday and not today. So, I mean, it's thank goodness it's just one. But, yeah, it's, it's getting worse. Are we then – does that portend a trend towards decentralization? Because that – uh, will help if you have that sort of graceful degradation process as opposed to a single point of failure. It's the it's the it's the yo-yo effect. Is that is the computer started? Is that you were hooked up to a server to a mainframe? Then the PCs came back, and now we went to cloud. I think we're going to go back. I think it's going to be back to it's hosted either internally or on a specific computer or a laptop, so that. The, if something happens like that, it doesn't happen again. That that mm-hmm. everything Netflix goes in waves. Down for seven years. Yeah, it's waves, but it's not. It's not exactly the same apple we had before, or same orange we had before. Well, no, right? I mean, just like the, the, the cloud is not the same terminal. Yeah. Uh, mainframe access we had before, but but also when you had mainframe access, you didn't have to worry about the distributed denial of service attacks taking down your service, right? Well, you you didn't have to because people hadn't thought of it yet was really the problem. Well, but they were also on private networks, right? So you, you'd have to infiltrate the network, then DOS the server. What was the right? first worm called? First worm. I don't know. But that was, you know, that, that took everybody by surprise because mm-hmm. nobody had considered it. Right. And, you know, that's really, I think, the the thing that's going to get people is the stuff that nobody really considers or that somebody considered, like, in a sci-fi way or, or like, somebody wrote it on a message board. Maybe you can do this, but no one actually thought about doing it and, and, you know, took the time and effort to do it until somebody does. Right. So, so the, I didn't mean to hijack the conversation <laughs> to make it all computer technology. <laughs> I was just giving you my first impression, right? Here's the question, though, for you regarding that. How far do you, how much do you think the NSA is into your computers? 
<laughs> How far do I think the NSA is into my computers? I think they're sitting nearby, network-wise, but I don't think they're in the computers. Well, I mean, they're not like little people inside the computer. I don't think. Like, I don't think they. This transistor. <laughs> but I, mean... I don't think they have circuits in the chips. No, no. But do computers. you think that they have have processes running hidden on some of the computers in in your office? No. Okay. But they could easily. But we're just. I work for a company where. 2,400, 2,500 people in North America. None of us are on their radar. I mean, we're not sending money to the Middle East. We're not sending wire transfers to different companies. I mean, we're not the target. Could they be? Yeah. It's just one of those that sure they got in bed with Microsoft and Intel and Nortel and everything else, Linksys and everybody else. It's just how much do you want to put out there? Well, Greg, I mean, Dave, earlier you talked about how bad the government is at keeping secrets, how bad people are keeping secrets. (laughs) Could you imagine the NSA with partners with Microsoft and Intel and all these people and and not being known yet? I mean, yeah, no, putting a circuit into a chip. Yeah, them putting something into the chips, but but you can keep a secret if it's a small enough group. And I think that the NSA. I would not be surprised if there's a worm out there that nobody knows about, but it's running on a lot of people's computers that they don't even have any clue about, and it's just there sort of sitting and waiting, and is there in case the NSA sends a signal to activate it or something. Just it, it could be. Sitting there. It could be. So on the bright side, we have almost no windows in our office, right? <laughs> so you know that's going to be the first operating system that they have their worms for. I'm not saying they can't have a worm for a Unix-based operating system, but you can but yeah. it's all about it's okay. uh, Windows 8 is or Windows yeah Windows 8 is so secure that you can't even do anything with it don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> Tom's yeah. kind of bored about this whole tech conversation he hasn't said a word since we started it alright well let's get on to something other than <laughs> tech beer uh, alright well let, let, okay let's let's go for it let's talk about the beer stuff what beer trends have you guys noticed in 2014 Slay whales or go home. That seems to be the trend I've picked up the last couple months. Slay so much... whales or go home? Yeah, I mean, the the beer geeks are, you know, it's all about getting those white whales, getting those rare beers, you mm. know, beer muling clubs. I mean, there's been so much press on that lately. Um, there's, you know, talked last week about how there's 41 beer podcasts. A couple that I've checked out recently. All they do is drink whales. They don't do any... Thing. They don't do any shelf turds, which is the other term. <laughs> the other term in the muling groups are things that sit on the shelves and don't sell out immediately, or shelf uh-huh. turds. Shelf turds. Dave, did they just give you a glass of foam? Yeah, yeah basically. basically. <laughs> what is this that you poured us? This is the Bairdstown Big Bottle Beer. Um, this was a bottle Scott gave me. I forget what he said it was. <laughs> I think it's a wheat something but i'm not sure doesn't the bottle does not say what it is well okay so tom as a as a rate beer aficionado do you notice this are, are you more going for the 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 big releases the big whales or are you just trying to go all over the place what do you notice in your pattern i'm 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 still going all over the place uh just because the 
going after the whales. It just gets too expensive now. Before it used to be, you'd go into the store and you could buy a bunch of beer with like, let's say you had a hundred dollar gift card, something like that. Get a bunch of things, and then you get that one twenty dollar bottle. Now you go in, and half the things that look interesting are twenty dollars. This is true. <laughs> it's right. so I try and spread it out with getting a couple crazy things, and then just trying things that look interesting. Like one, I never would have found the um, Blue Moon put out Chimp this year. It was one of the best beers I had this year. You wouldn't think that would come from Blue Moon. Yeah. We've, we've had a couple interesting ones from uh, the Blue Moon Brewing Company. Right? I still love that Thai um, tongue Thai basil. That yeah. was that was great. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if that's a full fledged trend, but there's been uh, several. There was an article that went out. Um, I don't know about a month ago. Did you guys see this one about um, about uh, these these trading groups, right? Where they have these Facebook group, private Facebook groups and stuff, where you know they'll have a spreadsheet and like, okay, Funky Buddha is releasing beer X, you know, and we have an operative in Orlando. <laughs> operative? And, no, I mean <laughs> they have a member in Orlando who will. For some of these, they hire guys off the street to stand in line to buy bottles for mm-hmm. them. You know, these kinds of things. And so he's able to secure 21 cases of of Funky Buddha X. And then you know, they ship them across, you know, and people, you know, pay for the beer. They add an extra for shipping and whatnot. You know, and so there's a huge gray market, black market, or second market for yeah. for these limited releases. And uh, since that story was published, um, I've seen several follow-ons and other conversations about it. And it's funny because right before the story was published, someone here in town invited me to a private Facebook group. And while it's not 100%, um, you know, this this beer muling type type group, there's definitely an aspect of... Beer of, muling. That's what they call I, it. I'm, because it's like drug muling. I mean, yeah. I, get, I get the... It's, it's just, it's funny to, yeah. to have that association. So, that like, when I was reading the article, I'm like... Wait a second. Was I just invited to one of these ones? But it doesn't seem like more so they're just kind of posting pictures of their whales instead of, you know, actually trading whales. Unless there's like a subculture to this group where it's all the the trading. You need to get behind the velvet rope there, Jeff. Yeah, I think so. No, I, I, like you said, this stuff's too expensive. I couldn't imagine, you know, you know, trying to get beers like this, right? You're going to pay 20 some dollars for the beer. You're going to need another 10 or 15 to pack it and ship it, you know. What so you're this, Jeff. What the heck is it? I haven't tasted it yet. Grapefruit? Yeah, it tastes... I mean, there's a lot of hops to it in there. But I don't really get, like, an IPA... Um, no, it's like a hoppy... Um, it almost... It's, kind of Belgian-y hoppy triple or something like that? Yeah, it doesn't really taste like a triple to me. Let's see what Google has to say about it. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. <laughs> it almost tastes like a wheat something, but mm-hmm. there's there, there's a little bit of funk to it. So going along the lines of the the whale beers, do you think breweries are pushed into the okay? Here's my three or four or five staples, but I've got to brew four beers a year for the. For the whale, for the yes, not necessarily seasonal, but I need to put out the special beer. I think that it is um, part of some brewery's business plan. Well, to, I, to, well, to get noticed, to get this, you know, to have this 
national re- desire, even though even there are local. I, I think it's I, I think it's necessary now. I think it's it's at the point where craft beer has become so large that you go to places and you see shelves of stuff that that you've never seen before and you don't know what the heck to, to do there's you know there's there's stuff that you've never seen before and and you don't know if this place is any good is you, you don't know if this this IPA that you've never seen before is any good or this uh, brown ale or whatever uh, and then you see these big bottles and that scene that's almost like it pulls you in in a way to to have somebody give your brewery a chance without having them go for something that they're not like a six pack of an IPA they may not like or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this beer is an American pale wheat, but I think it has a little bit of uh, wild. It, it, it's not like the gusher like we had last yeah. week, right? But I do think it it's, could just be it, the hopping though. I think it's turning a little bit Belgian-y because of something's in the bottle along with the beer. Um, but it doesn't taste, you know, I'm not getting acetone. You know, I'm not getting things like that. I think it's just the hops. I bet it's using like a Simcoe or something like that. Yeah, there's a there's a big um, grapefruit, grapefruit pith yeah. type flavor on it. But it is really highly carbonated, too. Uh, Jason's joined us. Jason, welcome. you got to unmute yourself. If you want to talk. If you want to talk. He's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... What were we talking about again? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, big bottles, they they entice a person to check out a brewery, I think, easier than um, a whole bunch. Because, you know, sometimes I, mean, I see this. I see this. I go into a, a place and I see this new brewery I've never seen before. And there are all these different beers from them. They're all in six packs and I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? what the heck? I mean, some places they allow you to do bottles and, and do that right. thing, but not every place does. So a bomber is sort of a is a way to test out a beer and sort of their, you know, their kind of uh, mini grand cruise in a way. They're, they're seasonal grand cruise. I think it's sort of a necessary thing now that the market is so big. Okay. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, when I was mentioning these whales earlier, right? Not necessarily the size, right? It's more of the release in the, you know, the beer that's put in it, you know, it's a sour or a barrel. Right. Yeah. But, but I, I think at the same time, they're not, the stuff that you see in, in bottles are not just an IPA. It, it's something different. It, it's They're trying to put out something that will get people's attention. The and, idea of a limited release or scarcity draws people into yeah. buying it just because they know it's it's limited, which then draws them into the brewery type, type idea. Right. And then, you know, make it interesting, make it sour, make it wild, make it have some, you know, throw chocolate and peanut butter in it is, is, is something that we sing a lot yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, some some dimension that, that you don't that you don't see on the standard releases. Yeah, but there's in that article about the the um, the beer muling, you know, there's some breweries who you know, their intention is to create a buzz to be thought of when you think of the funky Buddha the brewery Russian River right and they actually work with some of these groups to get the beers out there you know so you know it's, so what's so your I think opinion it's part of the business. what's your opinion on that I'm not as negative as many people um because not I mean I've long since learned you can't taste every beer right so I mean just because you can't get the beer because like other ones right like Bourbon County Stout right when Island puts out Bourbon County you know these guys will drive to every store in the town and buy. Actually, they'll pay the like the one the story the article talked about how they paid ten percent over retail 
to ensure the beer never hit the shelves. They bought it out of the back room at these retailers, right? Uh-huh. You know, and then they shipped it off to all their group members all over the country. You know, so that's kind of frustrating, right? That it came to your retail store but never hit the shelf. You know, but... Well, I, I guess, the, you know, you mentioned the, the extra marketing. I guess the question I have for everybody is... Um, does this extra marketing thing that is playing around in craft beer now, does that lessen your enthusiasm for craft beer in any way because it of the um, the the quasi sellout factor in a sense? I don't think it I don't think it really is a, a sellout factor in particular for these things, right? Because these things you're cater catering to some of the highest end Beer but people, you're right? doing it so, in a in a slightly you're doing it in the McRib type yeah. way, you know. The Nathan McRib. has joined us, and Nathan, <laughs> you know. So you're saying, you know, they're doing it in the McRib type way, right? Where it's only out for a limited time. Get your McRib well, today. It, it's not just that, but they're doing it in the in the Guinness 1789 type mm-hmm. way, where it's like, hey, look what we got. Look at this special thing. We're going to make it cost money, and we're just you know we're going to put in a special bottle and stuff like that. Right. But, and so there's a little bit of like. Oh, it's kind of iffy marketing. Do you, you guys well, uh, have any thoughts on this? My, I mean, just one thing is it's not Guinness 1789. It's, it's excellent beer, right? So. I don't know whether Guinness 1789 <laughs> is excellent or not. I haven't tried it. But I know that the marketing thing is kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just wondering if that is an, if that is an effect on any of you guys. Not too much. Yeah. Uh I mean, when when I can get the stuff that that is crazy, it's great. And like Jeff was saying, I I know I'm not going to get to get everything. So it's the ones I can't get. I'm not too upset about because everybody's putting out great stuff, even that's not those uh, crazy special releases. I mean, with the growth in the market and the number of brews that are out there, it's it's no different than what you're seeing in, across other industries. Sure. If you're not putting out the latest, greatest thing that's grabbing everyone's current buzz because the attention span of the consumer is so short, then you fall by the wayside because you're. this isn't the, the early 80s when there was a very, very limited number of breweries. I mean, the market is ballooned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everywhere well, you go, every every city you go to, there's a list of nine or ten breweries or brew pubs that are available. So how do you stay? <laughs> do you do? How do you stay on top of just your local market, let alone yeah. something across the country? I mean, there's one thing. There's so much growth right now that you mentioned. You know, the ones that aren't putting out the best are falling by the wayside. I think there's so much growth right now that there's enough demand to support most of the breweries that open. Right. So you know, at some other some point further down the road, there could be a contraction, and then you're going to get some thinning of the herd. But as of right yeah. now, I see a lot of people being able to fill the demand. Yeah. Now, whether it has staying power, you know, we'll see. I mean, they just put out a report, the Brewers Association did, where it, I think the uh, first quarter growth of 2014, I think it was the first quarter of 2014, was 18% growth. That's that's uh, tremendous and, of course, unsustainable. That's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, that, that can't sustain itself in the long term. Okay. What we got? We got... Uh... Jason left and rejoined. <laughs> checking, He's checking place. up with the stuff. Um, what are we drinking now? This is Lost Abbey Red Barn. Yeah. Okay. 
you know, Red Barn's available in town, or Lost Abbey's available in town now, and the price points aren't too bad on these. Nate, what are you drinking? Um, kind of uh, committing heresy. I'm drinking a Madeira, actually. Not heresy. <laughs> Where are you at again, Nate? I'm in uh, I'm in Verona. Um, so yeah, just kind of on the other side of the city. I'm I'm I am at One Drop Soup on Twitter. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. I was just gonna ask, do I know you as by some other name? But <laughs> right, yeah, that's that's me. So it's yeah, it's, it's uh, good to talk to you guys. Basically. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. You, should, you should come down sometime. Just join us for. Did you uh, find that homebrew shop you were looking for? I'm sorry. Did you find an open homebrew shop that you were looking for? Uh, no, you know what? But I had, to, I just had to uh, settle with what I had. I have. A, I'll just show you. I got a a boil going now. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> so, He's multitasking. All right. <laughs> brewing, so brewing a New Year's settle, beer. Settle, settle with the kit yeast and uh, just do with, uh, yes, just do with what I got. Oh, it'll it'll happen. It'll be all right. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. Thanks for the concern. That's always uh, I don't know. <laughs> people pay attention to. Your, it's nice to know people pay attention to your tweets, right? Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. Very considerate. <laughs> this is the the Lost Abbey Red Barn. I forgot how good this was. This is uh, a saison, a really spicy saison with um, a lot of character to it. Uh, not not a huge amount of funk, but it's got um, decent hops and, and it's got uh, a lot of like. A lot of spiciness to it. Spiciness, there's like some honeyness to it. Yeah. Um, you know, spicy comes back, right? It, it, like, if you're not paying attention, you might actually think it's kind of like a Christmas beer, right? Because the spice hits you so much up front. But then, you know, when you start thinking about it, it doesn't come across that spicy. Speaking of Christmas beers, that's another trend that we've noticed, especially near the end of the year. I mean, it, we're, we're so close to it. But pumpkin beer is arriving in June. <laughs> Christmas beer is arriving in, uh, you know, October. Uh, and just really dominating for a long time the tap lines and these just uh, big nutmeg bombs and all these other things in there. See, I didn't see the the Christmas beers this year. Whether I'm used to them, but the spicy the 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 the, the spice flavor was less this year than prior years. I don't know what your guys' thoughts were on those or not. I think my opinion is uh, similar to yours, Steve. I. Yes, the pumpkin beers were bonkers this year, the quantity mm-hmm. of pumpkin beers and the, and the duration of the pumpkin beers. Because in previous years, there might have been a bunch, but they all sold out quickly. This year, they made enough that they lasted through Thanksgiving, yeah. and then they had to have a fire sale on pumpkin beers. But uh, I Every place I would go to, they would be like, oh, we have pumpkin beers on tap. I was like, no, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> as far as Christmas beers, I didn't see anything close to the... The crazy freak show that the, that the pumpkin beer or the pumpkin beers had this year. Maybe I just wasn't really paying attention. I didn't have a lot of Christmas beers. That like Anch- um, a friend of mine gave me Anchor Christmas from four or five years ago, and that was really good. Mm-hmm. But um, there's an article on Anchor's blog about aging um, Christmas yeah. sale, and they were talking about how uh, five years is probably as you can do it longer. But the brewers say you know yeah. after five it starts falling. I think out. it was a 2009. It was fantastic. But um, I, I don't have Jeff's superpower. We should we should give them a tour of your. Actually, the cellar's kind of bare. I mean, there's some stuff in there, yeah. but it's not stocked up like it has been in previous years. The fridges, the fridges, yeah, cool, the though. fridges stocked. <laughs> we we've been receiving a lot of beers from from people. It's it's been very. Uh, 
been exciting and, and kind of daunting in a way. We look at that and we're like, oh my God, what do we do? We, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, the shows recently have been... Um, we have a lot of trouble figuring out what the heck we're going to do on the show. Uh, I tend to not like so much the brewery verticals. I like sort of mixing it up. And then we do... do we gonna, are we going to do a style show? Are we going to do uh, this kind of show, that kind of show? And it's just... It, it's And getting... Beers in first out, first in first out, you know, because yeah. they're sending us beers to review. We want to review them when they're optimal, when they're fresh. We don't want to let something sit around for too long and languish. We like to have a bit of a theme. Um, a couple weeks ago, we had a kind of a quandary because we've said we'd never want to do an IPA show again, and we had like eighteen IPAs yeah, sitting. Everyone there. makes four IPAs now, so what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, so I think we managed that one pretty well. We didn't get a you know a, a burned out palate like we have mm. in the past. But you know that's the hard part with doing. You know, you would think, oh, how hard is it to do a podcast about drinking beer, right? But you know, we try to do the best show we can. So well, perhaps part of the thing is that in, in the shows where we had burned out a burned out palate, the IPAs were all very similar. And we're not noticing that anymore. We're noticing very distinct yeah, that's a good point. differences in you know in just what you know i think there's i think that might be another trend of 2014 you know is the breweries not just having their ipa yeah but having three or four ipas and i'm not sure that that just came on specifically this year but it seems like it hit a critical mass this year where you know oscar blues has three ipas you know and i don't have a great lakes uh yeah great lakes has four sam adams has a has three two or three right i mean yeah rebel and um yeah, Latitude 48, Latitude, and yeah. then they have um, the Lantern one or something, right. you know, so there's, yeah, there's a couple others. And there's such a distinction in the different hop profiles, you know, um, that you can do that. You can have four distinct beers. It's, that's an interesting question. Have you guys, any of you guys, have you noticed any cool new hops? I mean, the, the one thing that, that the, the one hop that, that I noticed the most was from Duclaw, the the... Men, whatever it was, the the vanilla Mutuica or whatever Mutuica from New Zealand. Have you guys noticed any cool hops? I had a real, I had a real hard time getting into the New Zealand hops at first. I'd had some of the stuff from Roundabout. I've had Green Bullet, I think, and I, and I couldn't get over the melony, like the, the kind of weird. Like I really like melon and cucumber are some of my least favorite flavors, so I had a real <laughs> hard time wrapping my wrapping my tongue around that. But then over the summer, I had. Um, Another one from a New Zealand brewery, Epic um, Hop Zombie, fantastic. It was really, you know, it had um, this really kind of fatty character to it, mm. um, almost almost buttery, but not you know not in a not in a diacetyl kind of way. It was just like this 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 buttery mouthfeel. And I uh, I've tried that in um, I've noticed that in a couple other like uh, Galaxy um, like Wrist House's Galaxy uh, double IPA that that I've really kind of you know sort of found a little bit a little bit more of a niche with the, the New Zealand stuff which it seems like every it just seems like everything that comes out that's new I have you know I, I have some sort of inbred resistance to it at first like mosaic got <laughs> at first um, just tastes like bubble formula to me so um, yeah some of the right some of the you know south south what southeastern hemisphere stuff is uh, yeah, really coming around. Greg has joined the chat. Hello, Greg. Hi. 
Okay. Uh, Hello. <laughs> hey. How are you? Um, so, Steve, have you noticed any interesting hops? I've not to to really yes and no. I've not paid attention to the specific variety or, or breed, but uh, Abita, Raw Iron IPA, Giacomo. They've yeah. uh, I think there was another one in there. Uh, Sierra Nevada. Their celebration this year was the dry hop. I mean, that yeah, it's to to expound upon what you guys have been saying is that everyone has been doing the IPAs but they've all been throwing out different varieties of it to keep it fresh and new that that the people coming into craft beer was okay I've drunk Bud Light and Budweiser okay I like the hops now just keep giving them to me is that the breweries decided to say okay you like this we'll try this one this one this one just keep drinking my beer I think that's what we've seen I don't think it's sustainable is that that you can't have four IPAs coming through the shelf space and and brewing capacity is that they're going to be limited down um, I just picked up a six pack of New Belgian and I can't think of the, the brand of it but it's an IPA no, it's not Ranger. It's a different one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've, there's, I mean, there, stories are always going to devote their more of their shelf space to, to the big sellers, and IPAs have always, at least around here, have been you know big sellers. And for for most areas, I imagine that they're the big sellers because they're still the, um, I don't want to say crown jewel, but they're still kind of the 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 shiny object that, that people are attracted to when it comes to, to breweries for, for a lot of people. Kind of the workhorse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's I mean people are the brewers are finding so much more expression from different from different hops too. Whereas I mean year you know, years ago it was like you got pine and citrus and and it was sort of just all coming from, from sea hops. And I mean with with all these different varieties they sort of busted open this this you know, kaleidoscope of uh, of character coming from from different hops. I think, you know, especially in the states. I mean, this is this has become our niche too. You know, as as far as what what the U.S. has to offer the brewing world is is you know that there is such a such a huge versatility um, in and you know an ingredient that like heretofore was sort of utilitarian right um so i see i don't know like i mean just like you know just like germans might be able to find all you know all these all these nuances and, and variations and, and lager which to art you know i don't know which to most american palates probably seem sort of homogenous um it's 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 sort of the same with us where you know um if you to the un, to the uninitiated it's just it's just bitter and punishing um you can find all sorts of little you know little pockets of of aroma and flavor and expression um so is it that there's there's a huge amount of new hops coming into the scene because of demand for new varieties and ipas are some of the best way to express that the to you know for a brewer to to play around with the hop and then express that hop in in a way that uh um that really does highlight the hop is, is that kind of part of this uh, part of the locomotion behind this yeah yeah I mean you know it's um, like 
Anybody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like, and again, you could, you could, you could make the parallel or the analogy with, with, um, you know, chilies. I mean, in, in America, yeah. like, chilies, chilies have a pretty limited, uh, you know, pretty limited employment. Um, whereas, just you know, depending on depending on where you are in the culture, like, there's there's a, a ton of you know, there like there are forty different words for snow. Um, basically, you know, like if, if you were in a culture where, where chilies are really um, employed, and I think, and, and you're right, I mean, IPA as, as a canvas, um, when you, and, you know, you can even vary the canvas as far as what the malt, like the malt bill is, but IPA as a canvas has really been, I don't know, really so, and, and I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of places that can go yet. There's not sort of it's not sort of this one Socratic ideal of what, you know, right. what a good hobby beer is. There's still a lot of potential there, a lot of combination. I'm with you. Hey, Steve, are you on Twitter? Yeah, at Steve Grinstead. Okay, I, that's I thought it was, but uh, it wasn't auto-completing for me here. Uh, so, uh, Greg, uh, we haven't talked to you at all. Um, where are you from? Uh, I'm in Maryland. Maryland. Just outside of D.C. Oh, okay, so... So Greg's Twitter handle is actually Greg, so I know right away who he is. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so basically right where I grew up. And, and his avatar is his real face, so that helps too. <laughs> I, I, try to make, I try to make it easy for people, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to get an idea of where everybody... Everybody so far is on the East Coast, so we're all, we're all in the right time zone for celebrating in two hours. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what are your thoughts on, on 2014 beer-wise? Um, I think I think toward the end of the year, we had a lot of um, big hype into to the barrel-aged beers. Um, I, you know, I, I am more of a, a beer novice, so I, I, I really enjoy listening to you guys. But, um, yeah, yes. I, I feel like there was a lot of barrel-aged stuff coming out. Um, I know you guys were just talking about all the sort, different sorts of the hops that were coming out. I, I really don't uh, have much to add to that. Um, yeah, Your opinion just is just as valid as ours, so whatever you see yeah. is is important. I mean, my my only my only thing is I, I always hear you know people will talk about these different beers and say oh you need to go get this one and you know by the time I get to the store, I, you know I can't get any of them. But there's still there's still plenty of great beer out there. So I, I don't know if it's if it's you know people trying to grab these beers to trade them or, or what, but it's. You know, I'm I'm as you know as I'm trying to come up in in the the beer world and try these different flavors. You know, I I can't because they're just not available. That's that's interesting. That because um, we were talking about you, you missed uh, some of the discussion before about the going after the white whales of brewing and that there's mm. this um, there's a subculture of people who are grabbing these before anybody else can get them um, and then distributing them to their friends and you know I think that maybe that started with Dark Lord and that kind of thing with um, Three Floyds makes a makes a beer called Dark Lord that's only available one day a year and it's a big it's a big white whale um, yeah. and uh, sometimes it's good sometimes it's not so it's not as good as it could be <laughs> wouldn't it be a black whale <laughs> sorry well, I think it's becoming less of a subculture too, and more of more of the mainstream. I mean, now is you know, now is craft beer is is getting big. You have you know, you have more and more people who are not who are not hardcore, but a little a little more casual enthusiasts mm-hmm. who are looking you know, 
they've heard about KBS and they want to grab it and they've heard yeah. about Bourbon County and they want to grab it. And so, you know, they don't, they think, they think it's enough to just show up at the store um, the day after it comes out and like, you know, lo and behold, it's right. It's, it's been, it's been, yeah. or they, you know, or they, they get a little savvy and they camp out and do their thing. I mean, it's getting, I don't know, the pool's getting, pool's getting crowded. Are we getting to the point where we have now Tico Miyamo beers? I mean, we have these uh, <laughs> th- these things that are just, um, you know, th- they're reported on, but no one can ever grab them, and then and we're going to see fights in the streets about them? Well, you saw what you saw what happened with Hunapu Day last, what, spring, summer? No, I didn't, actually. It was, yeah, and, you know, Cigar City's Hunapu release i you know i don't i don't know if they oversold tickets or uh i mean there just was not there was just not enough hunapu to go around and people were pissed and you know they had i don't know (laughs) they had uh not the riot police called in but it's a little extreme but i mean you know it was was, uh it was a scene it was a scene and, and cigar city vowed never to do that again so it's you know people are people people get unruly Greg, what's your Twitter handle? I can't seem to find you right now. It's uh, G-F-I-U-M-A-R-A. F-I-U. That's where I was messing up. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. So just, just to add that, I was actually in, um, I, I for the most part, I, I have to go into uh, Virginia a lot of times to buy uh, somewhat decent beer. So I go to a Total Wine down there. And I happened to be there maybe a couple months ago, and it just so happened to be the release day for the Hardywood uh was it gingerbread stout? Oh, and I just yeah. walked. I just walked in, and there was there was a line, and I said, "Well, you know, I might as well get in this line." I'm, I'd never heard of this beer before. I've heard of Hardywood, um, but I got in the line and, and picked up a couple bottles, and you know, I haven't I haven't tasted them yet. I haven't had a chance to. But I remember I, I remember liking gingerbread stout, but I don't remember like thinking it was something worth standing. Yeah. In line so for. the first time we did it on the show, John Daigle sent it to us, yeah. right? And yeah, this beer had all kinds of hype behind it, and I would definitely say I was underwhelmed. You know, it did yeah. not live up to yeah. the hype. The Ultra it... Brothers give it a hundred. I say drink it. You got two bottles. Do one now. See what it's worth. I mean, then if you don't like it, sell the other one for fifty bucks. <laughs> that, that reminds me, Tom. You said you were a rape beer guy. Uh, rape beer versus beer advocate. Go. I just, uh, I thought rate beer was a better, uh, rating system and just looked cleaner when I started. And that's just what I went with. And I guess it was easier to use it in the beginning because it was easier to search if you weren't a member. So I would just look Uh up stuff. And sometimes with, uh, beer advocate, I would go to look stuff up and, it would kind of be like you don't have access to this. Oh part. yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. that was there for a while where they would bug you about it. I remember that. Yeah. So then when I finally decided to jump on board, it was it was pretty easy to go with the one that was making things easier for me. <laughs> right. I have not been. I mean, so I used to be on Beer Advocate, right? Yeah. And I hadn't been on Beer Advocate in a very long time. And then I saw a tweet about you know something about the forums. You know, like how bad. The people are on the forums, so I thought I'd just. Check Anytime it out. you leave a forum on moderator, which I'm sure they do, right? Because well, no, they're, they well, they're they more focused on their magazine now than anything else. I imagine. I wouldn't say it's unmoderated. I think they probably still, 
you know, delete posts with little explanation as to why and things like that. You yeah. know, they're pretty totalitarian. Uh, Totalitarian. Is, yeah, that word about it. <laughs> and um, I would say dictatorial more than yeah, totalitarian. But, you know. So I went in and just like looked at some of the, the topics, right? Oh, and Jason's ready to talk, are you? It's Jason Alstrom. No. <laughs> You're made. No, uh, my one thought on Beer Advocate is there's a lot of misinformation out there that's taken as fact. And uh, as someone working in the industry, when you see it, it, it almost becomes kind of a joke where a lot of folks I know that on the brewing side or in the distribution side really just um, actually start avoiding the site because of all the uh, conspiracy theories and misinformation out yeah, there on yeah. what's going on. So the info wars of beer sites. <laughs> What's that? The info wars of beer sites. It'd be fun to watch the Austin Brothers do like a uh, Alex Jones like podcast. What's going on in the beer industry? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing I liked about Rate Beer is I, I didn't see as much of that uh, kind of negative feedback. Yeah. And I honestly, the the sites are what you make of them and, and you get what you what you put into them. But you know, I think with all those sites, you got to take them with a grain of salt as yeah. far as the what's going on with the beers or why limited releases are only available in certain stores or um, things like that. I, there, there's a lot more the metrics behind why a beer goes to a place than just, um, oh, hey, I picked out the guy that I liked. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I use Beer Advocate anymore, and I guess right beer in the same vein, is for a couple reasons. If I want to see a quick list of all the beers a brewery has put out. Right. Or yes, that, if I'm tasting a beer and it doesn't make sense or it yeah. seems wrong, right, I'll look at the reviews and see if other people are saying it tastes like what I'm tasting right now. I think that can also be useful in, in a somewhat Rotten Tomatoes way in the sense that you can get an idea for if a, if a beer is generally liked or disliked. I, I don't think that going by the actual ranking is good because, I mean, they rank, you know, super high alcohol beers and they still rank, you know, IPAs higher than other, you know, higher than a great Pilsner or something like that. So you're always going to have that issue. But you can get an idea for whether a majority of people are liking this beer mm-hmm. or a majority of people right. are not liking this beer. And, and you can, you know, you can use the sites to sort of say if you're, if you're at a place like, is this beer decent? You can get right. that. Use it in a use it in a vacuum just for that beer. Don't ever look at the top fifty list. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd I'd agree with that, Greg. Except I'd sort of you know add that it's like the majority of a a kind of fringe, you know, a lunatic a lunatic fringe, <laughs> an extremist, you know, an extremist sect. Yeah. Um, well, if the extremists are into it or not. I found it interesting, and I don't know how long they've been doing this, but I found it interesting on Beer Advocate where they, well, back when I was using the site, you would have to write a review. You couldn't just rank a beer. Right. Right. And you would have to, it'd have to be so long. It'd have to be like uh, 200 characters at least or something like that, right? So you'd have to actually put some thought into something before you could actually, you know. Could you just bang on the keyboard? <laughs> check off that beer. And uh, last time I was, last couple times I've been in there, I see that most of the beer rankings their rankings not reviews right and you have to scroll quite a bit before you find someone who has described mm-hmm. the flavor of the beer and i wonder how much of that was driven by things like untapped right where if you're just right checking you just in. you're putting in well i i think untapped probably is one of the big trends of this year where yeah there were beers that i tried to look for on rate beer that no one had rated the beer might not have even been entered yet 
and yet there were 50 people on untapped who were said they had it yeah, one of the one of the things about untapped that that actually makes me a little angry is that um because it's more social, they, they limit your tasting notes to 140 characters. Yeah. So even if you had something good to say, you, you can't say it. And if you want to scroll through, you know, untapped ratings to see what other people thought about the uh -huh. beer, you're not going to get anything. Yeah, sometimes you get like, oh, it's very good with the band I'm listening to right now at this venue. Yeah. You should check out the band. <laughs> well, but you can temper that with by looking at only your friends and not the global thing which I sort of like that because, okay, Joe Smith I know on Untapped, he sort of likes the same beers I do. What did he rate this beer? Well, he didn't like it, so yeah, I'll go with the, the one he did like and pick it up to see if I like it versus the – I have no idea on Beer Advocate who Joe Schmo is. <laughs> he gave it five stars. I, right. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll pass. And that's it's kind of the blessing and curse of social networking, right? Is is that you can you can compare yourself pretty easily to people you know, but at the same time you're you're almost limiting yourself in a way to to a uh, a select opinion that may still not really agree with yours. It's 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 a push me pull you. I. <laughs> You know, I, yes, I was the guy who would check in on Foursquare and sometimes tweet about it. <laughs> but, oh my god, I still do. I wish Twitter had a filter system so I could filter out anything with an untapped URL. I almost never care that. about people tweeting their untapped check-ins. And, yeah. and I know Greg felt that way about some of my Foursquare check-ins. <laughs> but uh, well, now I appreciate I Greg. I? Now I appreciate Greg's point of view. I just <laughs> I will unfollow. If someone does like eight untapped check-ins in a row and they generally don't contribute too much yeah. uh, um, positive conversation on Twitter, I'm sorry, but they get unfollowed. So They're just chasing badges at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's the other problem I have with untapped is that there's no way to, to easily just enter in the beers you've had before. Um, because there, there, there's a sort of collector's mentality to any of those apps where, where you're like, you you want to put down, they, mm -hmm. they give you badges and stuff for how many beers you've had. So you want to put down, oh yeah, I've had this and this and this. And I started with Untapped and I started to put in, I put in like, you know, I don't know, 30 or 40 beers. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is just getting absurd. And then they're like, oh wow, you got a badge for having 20 beers in a day. It's like, no, I didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd add one thing on Untapped that, um, you know, with my group of friends, we use it as, as, as a fun source. It's not about um, ticking beers, but um, it's a way to interact and see what it, what everybody's drinking. Um, you know, not all of us uh, live next to each other, so we can kind of see what's going on. Um, well, obviously, we interact in other social media forums, but it, it, it is a fun way there. But for, for people looking to track their beers on there, um, it, it can be useful, but I personally, I don't. I don't rate beers on there, um, but it is nice to know if you've had it before and kind of know when you had it um, as you go to check it in. So there's some functionality behind it, but yeah, I, again, I think with any uh, social media application, you gotta you gotta take it uh, you know, not too seriously. Maybe I should give it a try and just uh, yeah, never, I mean, never tweet my check-ins. Yeah, I think, I think that that's important. Is is keep keep your social media on on the platform it's meant to be. Don't. Mm -hmm. Don't push it out. And I understand the one I understand is like Instagram to Twitter because you're, you're if you're if you're not an Instagram like 
taking Instagram every mm-hmm. two seconds, then every then you may like want to share something on Instagram. It's an easy way to share it. At the same time, you also want to share it on Twitter. The thing I hate almost as much as untapped check-ins are the people who send their things through hourly. Right, because it's like a monetization platform for for your tweets. Oh, and, really? And, and it's but it's so it's like it's like when you're trying to load an Instagram on your phone, right? It's just so slow. I'm like, I get, I get pissed at Instagram people, right? Because if they had done a Twitter picture, it would just be there. And meanwhile, I'm waiting like 15 seconds for the Instagram yeah. picture to come up. I don't know. Instagram seems pretty nice for me. Let's open up this guy. You want to go there? Yes. Hey guys, I'm going to sign out because it's time for knockout. So thanks for uh, all right. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Nate. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year's. Oh, Nate, thanks for all the donations. Uh yeah, yeah. You can thank my wife. That was my Christmas present. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Take care. All right, we're moving on to a whale, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) it's the McKellar. It's alive with rhubarb. Rhubarb. I picked this one up at House of a Thousand Beers. Um, it was $20 for the beer there. McKellar's not available natively in Pittsburgh. So this is one of the ones where they drive out somewhere in or near Philly and buy it there and bring it back. So Dave, have you had many sour beers? Any sour beers? No, I haven't. All right. Actually. Well, you're in for a treat, hopefully. It's I mean, funny. McKellar was one of those breweries. You can that have more. I knew I but, liked yeah, get me started. But until I went back and looked at, uh, like, which breweries I rated highest on rate beer. That's a lot of what I use rate beer for is the keeping stats on my own stuff and looking to see which ones I rated highest. I was shocked to see that McKellar was probably the top, and I had never realized they were probably my favorite brewery until that moment. And I was like. <laughs> Wow, you, yeah. Until you checked yeah, out the that data, makes a lot huh? Sense. So the aroma on this one, it's not like blisteringly sour in the aroma, right? right. I was expecting yeah. something a lot more sour aroma. It smells kind of like a barley wine, like first first sniff. I don't know. I'm getting strawberry notes. Strawberry and rhubarb mm-hmm. are usually uh, compared uh, to each other. I know the regular It's Alive is kind of their homage to uh, uh, Orval. Oh, so it's, it's a little more funky than sour. Usually. Okay, all right. Well, anything I mean, that's, that's uh, one without the fruit. Anything that's um, like Orval will be a friend of mine because I, mm-hmm. I definitely like the the kind of funky. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, it's got the fruity taste, but it has a nice a lot of funk to it. It has a little bit of that leathery stuff. Mm-hmm. Some sour, not a lot of sour. It's not how they say it's not like tart of darkness or anything where you know it's ooh, that's a right, lot of right. sour going on. Um, but it's um, but it's there. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's not what I was expecting. Yeah, you know, when you hear people talking about a sour beer, um, they they can get much more sour. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll crack one for you later here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's definitely enjoyable. It's not it's not what I was expecting. So yeah, the the fruit and the rhubarb. Um, Really play well in this, and there's a nice malt backbone too that um, mm-hmm. that helps uh, helps bring them along. It's sort of a, a toasty, uh, yeah, toastiness. Greg, do you do a lot of sour beers? You said you're, you're relatively new in the game. No, I um, I haven't had any sour beer. I've had one or two. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, it was like an it's called like Red Red Monk or something like that. 
I'm trying to think if I can. Or sour. Monk's Cafe is that the one? Monk's the Cafe. Flemish Red? The yeah. Flemish Red. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of a, a Flanders. So that's gonna be a little. It's been a while since I've had that one. I remember the first time I have it, had it, I thought it was really tart, right? Yeah. And then I had it again, and it seemed a little bit lighter, not as tart. So um, maybe my palate got a little more accustomed to the the funkier, more tart beers. Or I mean, you know, it is a wild yeast product, mm-hmm. and those can vary. Yeah. So you never quite know what you're going to get yeah that that one's brewed by um brewery von steenberg i believe yeah. right so they're the ones that do golden drock and bornum and a bunch of all the bottles that shape like a bornum bottle mm-hmm. or golden drock bottle they do all those beers and then they do other one-offs so they do for the monks cafe they do that one uh there's a belgian beer place here in pittsburgh called the sharp edge and they do a belgian ipa called over the edge for them so there was one from um Allagash, uh, Cool Ship Red. Is that would that be considered a, a sour? Yeah, the cool. I, I, I did have that one. Okay, I mean I'm not familiar with that one. We don't, fortunately, we don't get Allagash here in Pittsburgh. They pulled out many years ago and never came back. Um, so I haven't had any of the cool ships. <laughs> did I make a sex joke? Well, I don't know. <laughs> not, I mean, not really, but but it could be interpreted that way. Um, so I haven't had any of their cool ship beers, but those are spontaneously. You, you like using the word "pulled out," is, is this... <laughs> you know? It's it's Jeff lexicon. <laughs> so it's spontaneously fermented, right? So they use the yeast that are floating in the air around the brewery. They, if if you go on YouTube, you can check out their cool ship room if you're not familiar with theirs. But it's a big stainless steel tank inside its own building with windows. And they open the windows when they pop the hot wort, hot beer, it's still wort at that point, hot wort into the cool ship, and they let it get inoculated. And then they pump it, you know, into fermenters after that. So they don't pitch yeast. So I don't know how sour their cool ship beers are. They could be more bretty like this, right? They could be a little more leathery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say. Any uh, Anyone listening have any of the Allagash cool ship beers? Nope. Okay. Nope. No, I have not. Jason, you mentioned you worked in the industry. Do you want to share uh, any of that? Let us know, like... What you do, where you live. I don't even know where you live. Uh, I'm in Minnesota. We've actually talked before. Um, I'm on the distributor side, so um, I work with the breweries and the retailers. So, um, So you're in Central? Yeah, I'm in Central time. Okay, so so it's still 9 for you, 9.20 or so. Yes. I like how... You know, Tom made a little bit of noise when he got up, so it switched to his camera so he could watch him leave. That's, that's the beauty of the Google Hangout. <laughs> that is a wall that Tom has. That's yeah, that's sure. awesome. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, Anyone make sure it's on a green screen? <laughs> I'm kidding, Tom. I'm kidding. I was going to make a joke for Tom, like, you know, when are the owners of the beer store going to come back and find you squatting <laughs> in their store, like, doing a podcast? Time to leave. Yeah, there's bottles all over the basement. It's the, uh, instead of the man cave, I call it the beer cave. <laughs> what's, what's the, well, I don't know if you have the most interesting bottle, but what's, the, what's one of the ones that you really like back there? <sighs> are those all full, too, or are they, uh, are they used? No, no, these are all empties. Okay. Uh, they, the cooler bottles are on the other side, so. Uh, okay. Maybe next year you can sit over there. <laughs> yeah but I, I always like those uh sam adams the uh kind of for the barrel series oh, the barrel yeah, room yeah. ones yeah bell looking uh bottle 
Speaking of the the Barrel Room series, one of the best beers we've had of the year. Definitely the best beer we've had of the year. Yeah. And one of the best beers ever was their um, Cosmic Motherfucker Grand Cru. That beer was amazing. That beer... Uh, did you guys... Did any of you guys get a chance to try that? No. I I was going to try and get to the Philly uh, event for it, but uh, I completely forgot. And by the time I looked at the website again, it had been two uh, weeks out. Uh, yeah, we got lucky. They sent us the bottle. And... Yeah, I mean, we we were. I mean, we we appreciate that Sam Adams makes good beers. We've always done that, and and have made some pretty exceptional beers. Utopias are are, are pretty amazing, but we didn't expect that. We didn't expect to just be blown away by it, and we were. And then we had another time, and we were still blown away by it. And that's. That's why, you know, it was, was it Lou who, who wrote about that? Where, you know, the, you tried the first time and then you tried the second time and that really cements whether it's He might awesome have said that. Or, yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that KMF is the best beer I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, do you expect Sam Adams to make world-class beer? Yes. Do you expect them to make the best beer you've ever had? No, not 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 so much. I mean, not yeah. with Russian River and the brewery right. and Funky Buddha and those kinds of guys out there. But I mean, Cosmic Motherfunk Grand Crew is right up there with some of the best beers from those guys. Now, do you expect them to make that again? I mean, if yeah, if, you, I think... if you're saying it's that if you're saying it's that good, why why don't they just make it all the time? It's a production thing, right? It's yeah. going to be expensive to make. It's barrel age, so you're going to have a, a capacity with you know your barreling program, right? It's barrel age. It's it's, it's at least two years old. Um, it's uh, they use it for mixing into to a lot of their other beers, so they don't. Gen- you know, it's sort of a mother beer that they don't generally. Yeah, release. yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's right. So they they'll do expect to see them do other barrel aged and funky things, right? Um, and then I think the Cosmic Motherfunk Grand Cru is only going to come out occasionally. Yeah. You know, when they uh, you know, are able to stock up on it and how, you know, and it's, you know, it's the McRib. Get it while it's installed, you know, get it while it lasts type <laughs> thing. So I, I, I do wish they would have bottled it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it would have been easier for, for other people to get a hand. I mean, I understand what they were doing and they were, you know, good taking it mm-hmm. around. But if they would have bottled it, it would have been easier to, to get in the hands of other people and. And then also hold on to, mm-hmm. um, you know, we we luckily because you know we we have the whole media cred thing. We got we got a couple bottles, but uh, it's it's rare, it's yeah. it's rare to find to, to get one of those. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I thought it was it was interesting. They had um they had the event here in D.C. and I I started following um, some of the bars that were going to have it um, on Twitter just to see when they would post it, and they never posted it. You know, it was like they would post. They would post about you know, like, oh, we have Bourbon County Stout or whatever. We got, we got this, we got that. But when Sam Adams KMF comes in, there was nothing, and I completely missed it. Oh, that uh, sucks. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's not their fault. It's my fault for not putting it on the calendar or something like that. But I, right, couldn't believe they didn't post it. Well, it is, you know, their fault for not pointing out, you know, that just be just because of the Sam. Part of it may have been a little bit of sort of Sam Adams prejudice. So it's Sam Adams beer is not going to get as much as these other uh, uh, whales. But I, if if I were a bar owner and I were, you know, looking 
more less towards my overall province and more towards what I'm you know my responsibility quote unquote toward, towards the beer community I would be like you have to try this guys come out and try this I mean that that's that's the way I yeah. felt you know it, it's the way I feel when you know I I taste you know any beer that's, that's that amazing and even if uh, even if it's something from you know like even like I, I told everybody to if they could get their hands on that, uh, we mentioned the Blue Moon, the Thai thing, because mm-hmm. even though, yeah, it's a chorus product, but still it was really good. Uh, you know, gee, check that out if you, if There's you like There's that Crimson Crossing well. that we had too, right? That one bottle, Crimson Crossing, which... Which was that? That was the cranberry... Oh, was the wine cran- ones, right? It was in the big 750 bottle. Uh, I think it was a cranberry... We had I, I had it twice, right? We had it once on the show, and we were raving about how good it was. And then I had it again later, and the bottle was so much cleaner that I almost wonder if the first bottle we had was like a happy infection. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I had it a second time, it was kind of boring, and it didn't have all the tart complexity that it had the first time. I'm going to go grab something else out of the fridge. What do you guys think? Go for it. Along the same lines, did anyone have any of the Sierra Nevada, the beer camp, the collaboration beers? I ended up at a bar in Indianapolis or suburban Indianapolis with a beer camp event. I lived outside Columbus. I had to specifically Google and Twitter and Facebook, and the only events I could find were one or two. There were like 10 in the area, but it's the bars themselves that failed to promote the event. So is it the brewery? The distributor or the bar or the location's fault for not posting correctly or timely. I, I guess it's a combination of all of them. I mean, is that going to jump in here? I, I think yeah. some places want to hold those beers back for their loyal, regular customers, and that's word of mouth versus uh, bringing in the masses and potentially alienating some of their people that come in every day and buy those beer, those types of beers on a regular basis. So I think there's some of that is just not wanting to bring the masses in so that their core customers get that first chance at it. But how, how long do you wait for your core customers before you then announce you have it? If you know you're going to sell the beer in a day or two, what's the point of announcing it if, if you want to make sure your core customers yeah. get it? I can I mean, see that. It's all about turns on the tap. And if you can charge full margin with no extra effort and turn that tap in a day or a couple hours, why put any extra effort behind it? That's true. Yeah, you're keeping your loyal customers, and you're not bringing those flash-in-the-pan guys in who are going to come just for that one day and leave. So, At the same time, I've had I've had a situation at, at my liquor store that I go to where they had posted on Twitter, oh, we got, uh, I think it was uh, Firestone uh, Velvet Merkin and I said, I want to pick up a bottle of that. So, I, you know, I go to the liquor store, and I'm looking on the shelf where the Firestone normally is, and it's not there. And I'm like, oh, maybe they have it in the front on a special display. No, it's not there. You go to, you go to ask the guy, and they, they didn't even have it, you know, out. It was in the back somewhere. You had to specifically ask for it. And that was, a, that was the first time I've actually seen that. It's like, well, if, if, if you're going to have a beer, let it out for everyone. Don't, don't make it so I have to follow you on Twitter and, and do this and that to get, to get the beer. Just put the beer out. Yeah, those it, again. It goes comes back to that rare thing, though. I mean, you know, when there's a limited supply, 
um, getting it out to everybody is, is always going to be an issue. And people are still, and there is now the basically brewers are brewing limited supply stuff because that's what works. Yeah, I know, but I don't think I don't think normal people are gonna come in off the you know off the street and spend fifteen twenty dollars on a single bottle of beer. I mean, you are we normal people? You're... <laughs> 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 I, I, you know, if someone someone who's just coming in who is gonna get you know a six pack of of you know Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or something is not gonna go in and spend twenty bucks on on you know like a Goose Island Bourbon County or something like that. It's it's just not gonna happen. You diss on my twelve pack of of pale ale i'm sorry no, i'm not i'm definitely not <laughs> no I, I mean i i missed the beginning of the conversation but i think i caught up and you know we talked a little bit earlier i think it's before you joined greg about you know when we started talking about these whales right and and how the industry is growing and there's so much demand that it not only does it support most of the breweries that are opening right now but you know it's also supporting these breweries put out these high price point beers. There's not very many people who can afford to drink a twenty dollar beer every single night, you know. And uh, twenty dollars of beer, yes, but a twenty dollar beer, it seems like it's a different thing, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're drinking right now the uh, the Lucky Bastard from Stone. Uh, is that the older one? This is the one that just came out that says "Drink by January first, 2015." So, um, oh, okay. It says uh, "Drink me now, don't sell her." Yeah, I, I have the one from two years ago, uh, and that was prior to them putting the big drink me now on there. <laughs> Dirk me now. Dirk me now. I, I mean, oh, okay. yeah, I know, I know they, <laughs> you can see that it's Dirk me now, I, and they uh, also don't salalar or whatever it is, so they're, they're clearly, uh, hey, they're, they're yelling at me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I noticed I had one of these the other day. I bought I bought two, one for the show, one for me. And um I drank it the other day. I noticed the expiration date of you know, drink by January first. Oh god. The entire back of it, you know you know how Stone has its huge, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs. It's all misspelled on the back. Yeah. It's all yeah. <laughs> Can you put that in English for us, please? <laughs> well your brain's pretty good at putting it back together. Yeah, so yeah. So this is um, that's actually a, Shannon information theory is that there's actually yeah. <laughs> just getting into some back to way back to science stuff, but that English has a certain amount of information in it, and you can actually rearrange things, and because of mm-hmm. of the the level of information that's that's in it, you can rearrange things and, and not lose information. Right. So it's a it's a blend of arrogant bastard, double bastard, and oak aged arrogant bastard, and then dry hopped. Is what we have in Lucky Bastard, and Lucky Bastard also went into that um, crime and punishment that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, crime and punishment. Oh, I think I like I like crime more than punishment, right? Yeah, yeah, they were very good beers. Again, we keep talking about whales tonight. <laughs> I mean, we paid twenty five dollars a bottle for those, yeah. and they were less than a seven fifty. Um, I bought it because I wanted to get it on the show. Yeah. And um but those were they were pepper beers. It, really hot pepper beers. And they were so good. The, you know, one of the things they have in the Lucky Bastards is yellow beers is from what's these? I'm pretty sure Stone makes some yellow beers these days. Fizzy yellow beers. Fizzy yellow beers. No. 
Isn't a triple a fizzy yellow they beer? Make, they make a fizzy chocolate orange porter in the gusher we had last week. Yeah. Oh, I just I just had a good bottle of that last night. Mm. I don't know if you listened to last week's show yet, but um, we yeah. opened that and it just gushed right out. It was very disappointing. Yeah. It's basically I was plastic. cautious uh, <laughs> opening mine after your experience. Okay. I think I'm still on pre-show on that one, so I've not made it there yet. <laughs> Well, you'll see that there's a picture of um, of of the stone in the, beer in the but post show. I, the I severely messed up trying to tell you about mass, so I, I listened. <laughs> I listened back. I was like, "Oh my god, what am I talking about?" <laughs> so uh, don't you know? Just skip past that part. <laughs> you don't want to hear just me try to try to explain something to Jeff that that I don't even have a full comprehension of. So it was like me trying to. Uh, <laughs> me trying to work my way through my understanding at the same time trying to tell Jeff what was going on and it was just awful if any just... of you are curious about that trick that we describe about um, coating the glass for the aroma we're on video might as well oh, do yeah. it right? so what we do is we tilt the glass like this and just kind of turn it and and that's what we do that's the trick we learned from so Anheuser-Busch they they taught us this and you see it gets more of the you know you get beer all over the surface area of the glass which then gives you more aroma coming out. So, hopefully, and I'll we're... never sell a beer that actually uses that. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? They'll never sell a beer that oh, actually uses. Oh, oh, that needs it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, mean, what they, I mean, what they were using it for, and we didn't, re- we never really well, posted so you can on the audio. Smell for... Budweiser. Yeah, because <laughs> they they were comparing Budweiser from twelve different places, like all over the world, and they were. They were trying to compare them to the to what they have defined in their mind as the standard Budweiser. So they they were looking for tiny, minuscule differences, and they're ranking them by that. And um, I mean, it, it, it's it's an amazing process to be able to do that, but it it almost seems like well, you you do that from Budweiser though. But it, it, it was still, I mean, the the lengths they go. It, it, it was an amazing thing to to see. I mean, they have all the breweries competing against each other to who can brew the best Budweiser. Yeah, I brewed the best Budweiser. <laughs> Woohoo! I mean, technically, it's, it's an achievement. It really it is. is. It is. Um, and for what they do and how they do it and the skill that they do it, I'm impressed. I mean, for them to be competing from the however many breweries they have to all be the same with you know different water i mean it's yeah it's impressive oh yeah you can't come away from it's impressive you can't come away from an experience like that not being impressed by them it's it's an absolutely impressive operation and uh it's not the beer that we like but it's uh it's certainly an exceptional operation they have you know but it's, it's they gonna... started. They started heading down the path to make yeah. good beers, and then the Belgian company bought them, and, <laughs> and it went away. But the thing is, like AB InBev, they do make good beers. No, uh, InBev does, right? I mean, they, they make Hoo Garden, yeah, which is a good beer. Yeah, but what else? I mean, <laughs> like what has Anheuser Busch done that's been noteworthy other than those? You know, when we were in St. Louis, we were going through the Research Pilot Brewery, which is where they train their brewmasters, and it's this. It's a microbrewery. It's like on six floors. It's yeah. built vertically. It's insane. But um, we were in the fermentation cellar. And they three, had... three, five hundred. Was it five hundred gallon 
barrels of high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> I remember that. When we were up on yeah, up at the very top where they had like the grain mill and stuff, they actually had barrels of HFSC and, mm-hmm. and other nonsense. But when we were in the fermentation cellar, they had these little seven half barrel fermenters and they had tags on them. And one was called like autumn but like it said it had or it said it used Orval yeast, yeah. right? And like, can we taste that? And they like no, you know. And we never. And they're like, we'll taste some interesting things later. And they never cracked yeah. open anything. Yeah, they they, they had a whole room full of um, all the pilot beers that they had done in like for the past three or four years. And they showed us this room, but they wouldn't open a single one for us. They wouldn't let us try any. And so we were like, it's an impressive operation. But man, we'd like to try some of this stuff just because. I mean, it's interesting. You you said you guys have made, you know, I, I think I asked them what was the highest ABV they made. They said like twelve percent. They they made a barley wine there. I want to see what the Budweiser barley wine tastes like. I, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I want to check that out. That sounds. Interesting. I want to try the Budweiser or Vol- Vol- yeah. beer. I yeah. Mean, but they, it won't sell half a million barrels. They're not going to put it out. Don't yeah, worry about it. That that that's exactly you know you know I talked about that before. It's it's not that they are. Uh, f- it's it's not that their brewers are incapable of brewing a beer; it's that they are incapable of of producing something on the level that makes economic sense for them. So they're not going to do it. But at the same time, they bought Goose Island or controlling interest in Goose Island, and the Kentucky series came out. So I mean, they're they're making money. Yeah, by I mean, what, what they found. They, they, I mean, I think that it, part of it is that. You, when you see the the massive scope of their operation, you right. start to realize it makes more sense for them to invest in a small brewery, yeah. than to do it themselves, right? Right. I mean, changing that massive operation to do sm- relatively small batches of beer is much less cost effective than simply, all right, we're going to invest in this in this brewery that's already making. Well, they you got know, Goose Island, but they also yeah. just bought Ten Barrel, right? Yeah, so. And I don't, and I don't think that Goose Island beers have become worse because of that. And I doubt Ten Barrel is going to change. I, I, I think they're still going to make good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that this is, you know, Budweiser's way of of getting around the fact that they they simply have made these massive infrastructure buys that they can't just turn into craft breweries. You should see. You should see these. What was it fifty six hundred barrel conical fermenters that they have built? <laughs> they built them on site. They basically have this huge steel ring and they weld it to the next steel ring and lift it up. They weld it to the next steel ring and lift it up and weld it to the next steel ring. They build it upside down so they put the cone on top and then once it's built they flip it over and it's um the things like the building that they were in were just like five feet bigger than these fermenters, right? Yeah. So it was really hard to judge the scale of this thing. But it was they were huge. I mean, picture something that's seventy five feet across 60 feet across and 130 feet tall. That's kind of what these 5,600 barrel fermenters are. I well, think. I mean, just remember that the entirety of craft beer just recently went over Budweiser. So Budweiser is producing the entirety of craft beer. The, the single brand of Budweiser. Yeah, one single recipe is the, it, it covers the entirety of craft beer. You throw in bush light and you're... <laughs> yeah, you've already... You know, and, and and Bud Light is huge compared yeah. to Bud Light. Bud Light's their biggest brand. So it's just, you know, it, it's it's amazing the 
the scale. And you realize then, well, you just can't brew 500 gallons. <laughs> you can't. Right. It's not even a decimal on my spreadsheet to mm-hmm. get out of here. <laughs> to, to jump in, guys, uh, <clears throat> full disclosure, I work for a distributor. We sell Anheuser-Busch brands, and what they've really done with Goose Island is um, with their scale, they've given them, them the ability to buy their better rate. Yeah. Um, they finance the ability to put in a 100,000-square-foot barrel-aging facility in Chicago. Um, really what they said was, like, just do what you do as Goose Island, and we're big dad with big cash to support what you want to do and hopefully grow market share that way. So I think as, as 10 Barrel comes on and some of their other acquisitions with Blue Point in New York, um, I think they're they're on the same path. I, I haven't noticed a difference in the Goose Island beers. Mm-hmm. I defy you to tell me that, uh, Bourbon County Stout is a uh, lesser beer today than it was uh, pre-acquisition. I just think that uh, over time there will be more available. It'll still be limited because you're going from you know a handful of states to to 50 states, and at the end of the day, barrel aging, uh, you know, in, even in a hundred thousand square foot facility, you still can't put out enough beer to fit demand. So yeah, um, it, I think it, it's a fun time. It's interesting to see that they've. From my experience, um, have you been in Goose Island distributor before that? Not seen any major changes other than I can actually get product when I need it. Um, is it has been fun. So, I mean, um, have they done some different beers? Sure, have they? But reality is, they've let them do more of the stuff that they do well. And basically, it's you know, Big Daddy Warbucks showed up and financed more fun for for the guys in the front line. Yeah, I think, you know, if it's getting the capital to do a barrel aging program yeah. or, you know, dramatically increase the barrel aging program, you know, the the question always comes back when it comes to, especially InBev, right, the bean counters. I mean, they slashed throats in St. Louis, you know, to cut the fat, right? Yeah. So, like, what is the return on investment that they're asking from Goose Island, right? And that's where we worry about corners getting cut or, you know, those kinds of things, right? Like what is Imbev demanding back from this investment that they put into the brewery? But I think that this kind of thing is is inevitable as craft beer grows, because I mean, you see this when, when something gets to a, you know, certain critical mass, other companies that that are larger will, will start to buy in and, and, and try to diversify themselves. Now I wanted to add one more thing. When you're talking about a product like Bourbon County, you can basically set your margin, right? I mean, that's a high margin product. I mean, sure, it costs a lot to make with the barrels and whatnot, but I mean, look at the demand for Bourbon County Stout, right? The demand, you can name your price and pretty much get it, so. Yeah. I tell them, give me everything you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this year in Delaware, last year, the um, Bourbon County was the first time in Delaware, and we had all three varieties of the four packs and I think one of the uh, 22s, they were all around 18.99. And this year they came back, it was only the standard Bourbon County and they were up to $25. Everybody still bought them. I'm going to put it. It was almost. Sorry, good. Uh, it was almost like last year they gave us the little taste 
Um, <laughs> give you the first hit for free. Like, oh, first hit's that, free. Now you get the real price. <laughs> I, I'm going to put out a prediction, and I don't know what's going to happen next year, but I bet it will happen the next three years. Some really big brewer is going to be purchased by an even bigger one. Like a stone or a rogue or something is going to be purchased or you know, have a majority control by a Coors or, or a... Um, or an ABM Bev, and that's just that's just the way that things are going. I don't think that's a that that's a bad thing. I think it's just because the industry is growing, and like I said, they're they're going to diversify. I, that's a, that's yeah. a big call. I, I I have a hard time imagining a brewery of that scale, of you know, getting acquired. But um, well, I could. I mean, I guess I could see it happen, right? But it, it's hard to like put together the chain of events to make that happen. I think that I, I that's think a cheaper route for them. it makes more financial sense to, to buy somebody that's strong uh, in a regional manner as a big brewer and then scale them up to a national right. level versus buying somebody that's already pseudo-national and trying to, to grow from there. What, what you're trying to leverage is buy, buy low and sell high. And if you buy somebody that's a strong regional that's got a, a great following, um, you can scale that up to a national level and instantly, uh, you know, well, yeah, but but my point is is that there's going to be a, a point where these you know a place like Stone and Rogue is going to be big enough that it's going to be more of a partnership than it's going to be an acquiring. It's going to be an actual. Uh, it, it, it's going to be on the level of we're buying them to 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 increase uh, our our reach as opposed to we're we're buying them to grow them. Well, what about what about founders? Didn't they just get a um, a deal with some somebody overseas? San Miguel, Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Founders is no longer a craft brewery right. until the Brewers Association exactly. adjusts their definition. Mm-hmm. Which, who knows? My, yeah. I mean, because uh, if I remember right, the um, owner of the Founders was at one time on the BA board, but I'm not <laughs> not sure about that. I probably should look that up before I say that out loud. Um, you can say it out loud if I want to be correct. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they're 30% owned by a company that is in the alcohol business that is not themselves a craft brewer, which means they cannot be a craft brewer. If it was 20... Jeff, Jeff I think the number is over a third. I think it's like 35% is the... Actually, the it's 25, It's 25%. Or the, the, the definition is 25%. So if they were 24.9%, um, they can still be a craft brewer because of 30%. It's not so. I wouldn't be surprised if the definition becomes thirty-one percent. Like how they um, they keep massaging the definition to keep Samuel Adams Boston yeah. Beer Company as a craft brewer. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they care about losing founders or not. But you know, it's 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 arbitrary. At what point in time does it become beneficial for the founders to start brewing the San Miguel line? In distributing in the U.S., that you couldn't have economically shipped the beer from Spain, for instance, and distributed nationwide. Where now I've got a brewery in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I can distribute nationwide from from there and and cover North America. It's, it's an interesting I don't have to ship it across the Atlantic. It's an interesting question. However, I would tend to think that the founders' beers are higher margins, and they're probably operating at capacity. You know, as opposed to t- using some of that capacity to make, you know, a, a, a Spanish macro kind of beer. Well, but they had the others in there. They had the, I forget what islands and stuff, but they had some other stuff that was in there that could have, that falls in that line. 
that you couldn't traditionally find in the U.S. And along the lines of the white whale is people are going for stuff that they can't find. It could be. I, I can't say one way or the other. I, I would be surprised if, if I see founders using some of their capacity to make you know an import, you know, a domestically produced import brand. I, I think the bigger motivation is for the people that start these small brewers and, and scale up over time is either A, um, the uh, retirement aspect, you know, like uh, um, John McDonald from Boulevard or um, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. John Hall from Goose Island as far as a, you know, cash out on their, their long-term life investment. Or the other part is they just don't have the access to capital that they want at the rate that they want. And they look at, you know, an, an outside party coming in and buying in, uh, I think, which is probably more so the case with founders, which is giving them the ability to scale up the brewery, add more capacity um, with somebody they feel they can trust that will invest in the brewery and let them be what they are and um, take the profit from that. You mentioned Boulevard, and I think it's really interesting how, you know, when Duvalmore got U.S. Duvalmore got bought Omegang, right? They fell out of the definition of craft brewer, right? But I, I never did the real research on this, but I, it seems that they spun off Duvalmore got to Duvalmore got USA before they bought Boulevard, and Boulevard never lost its craft brewery um, status at the Brewers Association's point of view, and also very quietly, Omegang became a craft brewery again. You know, so they somehow they it seems like there's some kind of ownership spin-off thing to get. I don't want to say game the system, but you know, well, I mean, they... there definitely is game the system because we talked about uh, a while back how they game the system in order to keep Sam Adams. Right. Well, that's it. They're brewery. gaming the system for this arbitrary definition, right? When the maintainers of the definition have tweaked the definition not to lose the two million barrels of Boston beer, right? So, which is now no longer half. I'm happy to see. I mean, not that you know, not that not that it looks like that was great, but I was happy to see that Sam Adams no longer accounts for half of all uh, craft beer. It now accounts for about a third. Do you guys like how we're like rotating through the bathroom break here? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's it's not like in Germany where they have where you just piss on the floor, right? <laughs> what are you <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think that there's. Um, Something about what I was talking about. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> exactly. I think I pretty much nailed it right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all politics. It's all it's all business. And at some point, you know, I mean, we we enjoy these breweries beer, but it comes down to money, right? I mean. Ev you're never going to read a brewery story that didn't start with, oh, these you know two friends got together and were brewing something that right. they love. <laughs> right. But at the same time, they need to make money. They need to put yeah. food on the table. Beer is well, the, the catch of that is is that there were two billionaires decided yeah. to make a brewery. I would love to see the story like, oh, these two guys saw there were a lot of beers that were happening, so we decided to make some beers because we thought, hey, we could make some money doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends that work for Jack Daniels. Their company motto is never make enough. Never make enough. All, exactly. Leave them hungry, mm -hmm. thirsty. Mm -hmm. Then you can charge what you want for yeah, it. That's right. true. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, that's, an old, that's the old showbiz adage. Leave them wanting, always leave them wanting more. 
Uh, so yeah, I, I totally can see where that comes from. What do we have here, Jeff? A little sour beer for Dave. All right, <laughs> Castle Goose Fond Tradition. The old. Uh, oh. This is not the original Goose because that'd be Cantillon, right? But this is. <clears throat> well, I don't know if Cantillon was the first Goose. I don't think you could really track it back that far, but uh, or Huse. Yeah, I even watched the video of, of Jean, Jean Van Roy say say goose, and I'm still not sure exactly yeah. how he said it. So, <laughs> goose goes, whatever, just drink it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, since you said goes, yeah, goes made, is 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 something different. I mean, the, you know, actually, it made me think of something I wanted to say earlier, and we had changed topics, and that was we were talking about like IPAs and how everyone's making IPAs. I was going to make a joke about how the American Amber is the lost style and it will make a resurgence like a goes did. A goes, yeah. Those. When was the last time you said, hey, I had this amber from, uh, had this new amber from the brewery? <laughs> you don't Not see a lot year. of brown ales either. I mean, you, no. you see more like, you know, you see. If you see brown ales, you see gimmicky brown ales. This is a brownie brown ale or a peanut butter brown ale. Mm-hmm. You don't see just a plain old. I'm trying to make a you know standard you know brown ale. You're you're picking on browns, and I'm trying to. I cannot remember. I had a darn good brown ale this year, and I, I think brown ales are great. I think brown ales are are a great beer. It's you know especially when done right, but it, it just seems like people aren't making them anymore. It's because nobody orders more than one. Yeah. That uh, Goose Oof. Island uh, <laughs> Christmas one, the uh, I think it's festivity this year. There, that, that's the one thing that changed when Budweiser took over. Instead of just being Christmas ale, last year it was Sixth Day, and this year it was festivity. I, that's a brown ale that's kind of elevated to the next level, but they don't really say it's a brown ale too much on there. So, Dave, this is a goose. It's an unblended lambic, so it's spontaneously fermented. Lots of acetic acid, or maybe not acetic acid, yeah. lactic acid in it. Yeah. Lots um, of acetic, too. I mean, it's, it's... We can't see his face when he drinks it. <laughs> <laughs> it's his first truly sour, sour beer. beer um, the aroma on this one, it's a combination. It's a little bit of like, when you open up a... The package that has a fresh pool inner tube in it, you get a little bit of plastic that's like that. But, yeah. But then it's also like a, a bit of limestone or gravel or something yeah, like that. and that combined dust. with feet <laughs> okay but, the feet got him <laughs> sorry <laughs> you say feet i'd say there's a little bit of like a washed rind cheese in there a little bit of limburger or something like that but... you know you're kind of talking six <laughs> and one half dozen the other <laughs> i haven't tasted it yet. i'm just smelling it but it tastes like it a really mm, it, it's it's actually clean and crisp with that um, that sort of acetic thing going through. It kind of tastes like um, like it kind of tastes a little bit like a salad dressing almost, like like a vinaigrette, but with a little bit of uh, of I don't know, a little bit of like a, a a weedy and 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 somewhat barley combination there. There's a little more lactic, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you find yourself sal- salivating, Dave. You know, is your taste budget or your salad? glands just like being really juicy so you know this is your first truly sour beer when i was <clears throat> excuse me when i was working at netapp you know i'd travel a lot and i would take people out 
we go to beer places, right? And I'd kind of take them to a tour. And I would always finish off the night with something like this or a Flanders. And you would think most people would hate it. But in my experience, you know, most people who are drinking beers, who like wines, who drink, you know, coffee, adult flavors, they tend to not dislike the sour beers. What do you think? I think I think it's pretty good. It's not, you know, I was a little concerned when you made such a big deal about it. Um, <laughs> well, but, it's pretty sour, but you're you're ready for it. So yeah, I I think if I started out with this and yeah, at the we, night, it would definitely be more absolutely. of a hurt off. But as you as you build through the beers, I think it it definitely comes along mm-hmm. and uh, falls into place. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh no, um, absolutely, because it, it it it's a yeah, it's it's a character of the. These other beers have had similar mm, characters, yeah. so it, it it follows along. It's like you're just sort of accentuating the sour part, mm-hmm. but there are other things in there you can pull out. Yeah, and I I think uh, when you say sour beer, I think people have a an image in their mind of what we consider like a sour candy, yeah, or something like that, and that's really not what what the beer is going for, what you're getting from it. Uh, but that's what I think most people have in mind mm-hmm. when you say that. Like a warhead or, or a sour like a patch sour, kid, sour yeah. patch kid. Yeah, no, that's that's the idea. That's what most people have in their mind of. Yeah, I mean, sour. Some, sometimes you'll get that. Some are going to be. I remember having a couple bottles of La Folie, where it's a mix of sweet tarts but super acidic, and it actually <laughs> like feels like it's like wearing away like the linings of your cheeks. <laughs> yes. you know? your cheeks feel a little raw after you've had it. Well, Fort was like that too, wasn't it? From Dogfish? No, Head? Fort's just a sweet raspberry. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm so. tr- uh, we had the Festina Lenta. Right. Okay. Is that the one? Yeah. Festina Pesh is the Berliner Weiss. Festina Lenta. Did we have that on the show or did I have that on my own? I think you might have had that on your own. Yeah. I, I had that at Homebrew Club meeting, I think. Um, yeah, we have. I mean, other than the, the Berliner Weiss, the Festina Pesh, we haven't had anything too sour from Dogfish. Um, oh, um, well, uh, they're. Um, what was it? When we first started, they still had the. The beer that I never that, that I was really disappointed they they, they left behind. What had that? Where are those fruits? What am I thinking of, guys? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't given us anything other than no. It, it's, um, it's like talking with my wife and trying to figure oh, out what she's thinking. God, I'm <laughs> trying to remember what it was. That it, thing that did the stuff. Uh, it's they're they're a red fruit. They're they're sour cherries. No, not cherries. Um, red fruit. They're kind of smallish tomatoes. Cranberry. Not cranberry. <laughs> Raspberry. Raspberry. Oh, current. Current. Oh, current. Oh, They they had, and that was I. I don't remember it that well, but I remember yeah. it being pretty sour for the time. It was, if I remember right, that was more of a, a cranberry tartness, right? Uh, or uh, current tartness. I think it was tangy. I don't think it was a, a wild sour <laughs> lactic Excuse type me. beer. Like I said, it was sour for the time. Yeah, it was it was sure. a, it was more sour it was than it was ever used it was to. Very it was good. I really that. good. Yeah. Have, but, have you found that they've continued to try to up the sour on them as time has gone by? Kind of like the reality well, TV. Well, they don't produce Okran anymore. Yeah. So I'm talking yeah. about in general I mean, I don't for the think... style. I think if anything they, they've lessened it. If anything they've they've blended I, I, I it think, down. I think also I think well I think souring is is uh, something you get accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So it it all nothing is you know it's like if you eat a lot of uh, peppers right capsaicin isn't as spicy to you right. I think as you get a palate for sour beers. Yeah. I'm wondering if I had a La Folie today whether I would feel my cheeks raw or not right. I don't know if it would still have that same well, effect. Well, let's get one. <laughs> I don't actually don't have a Luffley, or, or maybe I would open it tonight. Um, 
I was a little disappointed with the La Folie, uh just because you guys had been talking about it so much, and I finally got to try it uh, this year and talking about the whole peeling off the, the cheeks. But I guess that was probably one of your earlier experiences with it, the yeah, Sours. It was. it was that too. And again, you know, I, 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 I still want to point out that agricultural products like these, um, you know, especially ones that, that... Especially ones that are, yeah, not using Saccharomyces cerevisiae, right? Yeah. Because well, those are the thoroughbred horses, you know? Yeah. They perform to do what they do. When you're talking about something much more finicky, these are the, the jackasses, the donkeys of, of the of the fermentable things. So you're not going to get the same product every single time. Yeah. It was still a great beer. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like the, oh my God, this is going to be crazy. Oh, it's a sour beer. Well, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> a really I, good sour beer. But I mean, prior to having a La Folie, I had had things like Rodenbach Grand Cru. Mm-hmm. I've had I had a, um, a Cantillon Goose, Petrus Albrun. Albrun. I I had probably had another Cantillon or two, and you know, compared to those, that the the La Folie that we had was definitely cheek eating. You know, ripping away the lining of your cheeks. Uh, but again, that, I haven't had that, that kind could of, even be a bottle to bottle situation. Yeah, I haven't had that kind of experience in a very long time where it's been so sour yeah. that it's you know ravaging my mouth. Yeah, ravaging your mouth. Well, I'm not allowed to say mouth rape anymore. So. <laughs> I like, I mean, ravaging your mouth, pulling out. I mean, it's all <laughs> sour. This I'm, is good. The, uh, you guys only... talking about the sour? I I figured I'd go with one too. Weyerbacher's nineteen. Oh, what oh, is that one? Their, that's their. Uh, it's a wheat uh, brewed with mango. It's a sour. Their anniversary one from this year. I don't think I've had it's that. It's kind of no. an imperial sour because it's over ten percent. I don't see. We did that Weyerbacher anniversary show <laughs> now last year sometime where we did like four or five. Yeah, the vertical of of that decadence was so yummy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have held on to more of that. I had, I think I made it two years with the decadence. Okay, I think I ended up with three bottles in the end, and we yeah we just had one like last year. So, it, but it was it was very oxidized, but it was still a very good beer because I mean it was the kind of beer it was yeah. could handle the oxidation. I wonder if that do you, do you have any extra? I don't think I have any anniversaries left. Because um, I, I was wondering if you had any more, and you told, told us was so oxidized. Maybe you could like wax up the, the uh, top. No, so I don't have could, any more decadence. We're done. So no, I could, think like, but would that work? Would that? When you're talking about ox, here's a great question. I don't know if anyone listening has any real good scientific insight, <laughs> but you know, you have a cap on the beer, and you have oxygen infiltration through the cap, right? When you wax a beer. How much of a difference does that really make? You've only stopped what's already in there. Yeah, yeah. No, nothing more will get in, but whatever's there is still going to take place. Does, does does it stop? I mean, because look at the kind of seal you have on a good cap, and then you just put wax on the bottle. How like microscopically? What kind of bond is that? You know. Well, I mean, to be totally honest, you're you're, you're starting to deal with with things at a, a different level, and things can get in there it, it's not likely but it can happen you can get you can get tunneling you can get things like oxygen actually going i'm not through. even talking about quantum effects right but um, i mean but, but, like, but it can happen what's the porosity of wax and how much does it yeah. enhance like but yeah wax is not 
a, a complete solid, right? Wax mm-hmm. is not, you know, com- absolutely uh, unporous and absolutely impervious to oxygenation. So I, I suppose, you know, if you have enough of it, then it would be. If you just, you know, had a huge blob of wax, then it would be. But if you had a... Um... Yeah, well, I've just never seen any kind of research on yeah. the effects of waxing. Mostly it's an aesthetic thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's more of an assumption that, than it is a something that's been tested. It's just, oh, that seems that seems like it's thicker than normal. That seems like it should keep the action now. But does it really? I mean, how permeable is wax? I mean, does anyone listening, any of you guys online, have any kind of experience that you think wax makes an appreciable difference? Or were you just... De- I was... Go ahead. Uh, the only two that I have that are wax that I tried to age for any extended period of time i still haven't tried so i i guess i can answer maybe in a couple of years but you can just send them to us and we'll let you know how <laughs> i was at a local brew pub a local upstart and a person from rivertown brewing not the one in pennsylvania the right. one in cincinnati <laughs> those guys have been doing some hired... sour beers right they recently hired a lab technician, and that's who was visiting, going on a beer tour in Columbus, Ohio, and said that canning for some people may not be a good thing because you think you're not letting oxygen in, but you've increased the area the oxygen can get to. So that's what oh. got me thinking of it wasn't necessarily the oxygen that's getting oh, into your okay. Beer. It's the oxygen that got to your beer before it got capped. That's fascinating. That's a great point, right? Because when you have a bottle, the headspace, you have, you, have, you know, 3.1 square inches, a little bit less than that of, of surface area. And on a can, you're going to have know, seven or eight quadruple. square inches of... Why? Why would you have more in a can? Because the bottle's next. So if the beer's because saying, the can the oh, lid doesn't go on the can immediately, right? But the surface area of a bottle is only this much, right? right. And we talk about how uh-huh. surface area, like you want to store your beer standing up because the surface area is only this big. Where if you lay it down, it's going to be this weird oblong long thing, right? Right. But with a can, the surface area is going to be. Well, the can pretty much fills up to the top. I I, I no, haven't seen many that, 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 that have that have oh, the ones that are filled up to the top are a pain in the ass because they CO two into it to keep the oxygen out, Greg. Right. Not all of them do. Yeah, I mean that that is true. I'm, I'm assuming that yeah, you 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 push you know you, you push it through a CO two jet so that you can pour out you know the CO two will dis- displace the yeah, oxygen. Typi- you know, typically the good canners will they'll purge the can with CO two. They'll fill fill the beer. Then they'll squirt CO two on the beer to cause it to foam up, and then they'll right. put the they'll seam put the cap on and seam it on the foam. So then you don't have much oxygen in there. Right. But if it's CO two is heavier. Than if oxygen, it's a small so, tabletop yeah. system, yeah, you might have a lot more oxygen in there. And um, Steve, I never thought of that before about how the you have much more headspace or surface area it's, on the head um, on a can beer than a bottle beer if you're not getting all the oxygen out. <clears throat> It's not the oxygen that's got in; it's the oxygen that was there before it got capped. Right. Hmm. I didn't think of it either until a couple weeks ago. So, as long as you keep it cold, it shouldn't be that much of a problem. But yeah. well, there's not very many canned beers I, I I 
declares seller-worthy, seller right? Yeah, right, that's true, that's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, sure, I'm sure that'll change. I'm sure there'll be exceptions. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that yeah. you know, that's... I, I was talking to somebody, uh, I went to a, to a New Year's thing right before this, um, and uh, I was talking to somebody who I didn't know who apparently is involved in glass work, and I told her, you know, that I did, did the podcast and um, talking about... Um, she, she's, she's, she does a lot of bottling. I was saying how I think cans are great, and she says uh, cans are lined with something that turns you into hermaphrodites. Now, <laughs> of, of course, there, there's a, you know, there, it, there's a hyperbole there. there. There's a there's a chemical, the polymer that the cans are lined with, uh, in, in certain huge concentrations will turn fish, will turn some fish into, will give them sort of hermaphroditic features. Uh, you know, you run, you're not going to notice that unless you like drink 30 cans a day, but and scrape off the lining and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, there is, you know, I did mention that cans. I think are the best way to transfer and you know and hold beer for a short period of time. For a long period of time, I'd always go with bottles. I, I wouldn't trust a can for more than six or seven months. It's, I, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, probably the most seller-worthy beer that I've had in a can is 1050 from Oscar Blues. I'm right. trying to think of a more seller-worthy can. And even the 1050 doesn't... I don't know. Again, this is kind of going back to prejudice. I remember when we first got Oscar Blues in the market, right? It was the first craft can beer we could get. And Greg and I were at a local six-pack shop, uh, D's, uh, for those. Oh, actually, no one's local anymore. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I knew about Dale's Pale Ale in a can, and I knew it was in Pittsburgh, and I knew I wanted to try it. But I didn't know that I had these blinders on, that whenever I was scanning the shelves and came into a can, I would just gloss over it because I was conditioned to think yeah. cans only had crap beer. And you spotted it, right? Yeah. So then we had Dale's Pale Ale on the show. Um, but yeah, I missed it. I mean, I, I looked past it probably two or three times before, you know, you pointed it out that it was there. So I don't... I think cans are a great container for beer. But maybe I still have a bit of a prejudice because I haven't seen a cellaring application for cans. Um, and I, like, I tend to think that that 1050 that I had... I tend to think it wasn't something that I wanted the seller, and I'm not sure yeah. if that was prejudice or if that's I don't know. Has anyone tried cellaring cans? I don't have Jeff's superpower. Do you think the breweries acknowledge that kind of idea and haven't put anything that they would expect someone to sell or into a can yet? I, I, I think that's probably that's, part of that's it. part of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been around the country a few places now, you know, obviously, and I, I've seen more cans on the shelf than ever before. In fact, um, last month I was in Indianapolis, south of Indianapolis in Columbus. I uh, went to a small brew pub, and all their beers were canned. They didn't sell anything in bottles at all, which mm -hmm. surprised me, but made it much easier to put it on the plane on the way back. Sure. Because I had to go buy another bag <laughs> to, so I could get it all back to Southwest from what I purchased that night that, before I flew. Um, but I was surprised because... I was not used to a brewery, a smaller brewery that put everything that they had into yeah. cans. Um, and so there's a couple things, right? I mean, if you're going to buy the canning line, why buy a bottling line, mm -hmm. right? Maybe you're going to hand bottle some things. But there's 
Also Can lines the, are cheaper now, right? I mean, mm, depends on what you get. Um, but there's also mobile canning. There's yeah. guys that have canners mounted around, on the back yeah. of the truck. Mobile canning don't. with the, the, the labeling process has became more economical. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so, you're, you're paying a surcharge per can as opposed to a capital expenditure. It's CapEx versus OpEx. It's just like going to the cloud, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking all your IT stuff to the cloud is trading your capital expenditures for your operating expenditures. And that's exactly what global canning is, too. <laughs> you and your science. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> it's more economics, I think. I know, I know. I'm just joking around you. But no, I, I, I think that... I, I I do wonder about long-term exposure to the polymers inside the can. I, I, I wonder about that. I wonder how that affects a beer. And you know, you don't, they don't have that inside. I would love bottles. to see, you know, for cans that are meant to be cellared, I would love to see a wax-dipped can, right? Just, just as an indication, right? Not that it makes well, any we recently effect. Had a, okay, we recently had a chocolate-dipped beer. <laughs> would chocolate be better than wax in keeping the oxygen out? Probably not, right? Because right. it is all crap. Last week on the show, if you guys hadn't watched it yet, uh, Saranac sent us uh, a sample of their chocolate orange. And they sent us four bottles. And one of the four bottles, they actually put saran wrap around the bottom part of the bottle and then dipped it in the orange-flavored chocolate. And then they put a little fancy thing on it. Yeah. Um, so the, what did it taste like? The the beer was a very good beer. No, the chocolate. The chocolate tasted like those chocolate oranges. I don't know if you've ever had those. You know, it's kind of a Christmas yeah. tradition, right? The chocolate right? Was, was decent, but the beer was was really good. But the beer didn't have the a beer, huge amount of orange yeah, chocolate. Yeah, that was a weird thing. The, yeah. Dave had one earlier yeah. tonight. The beer was a really good Baltic porter. I enjoyed it a lot. And even when I had it a second time, I was still not picking up like anything that was like chocolate orange. Yeah, you know, other than the chocolate notes that you get in a Baltic porter. So. But whatever whatever they did with the chocolate and orange, it, it helped make that what it is. So I guess, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, compare we only had the comparison to the spoiled uh, stone one, so we didn't really have an idea. I would say don't change the process, just change the label, <laughs> right? <laughs> just call it a Baltic Porter. Yeah, instead of misleading you with the with right. the names. Well, I mean, it, it, I I could taste the bits of orange and chocolate that were did there, you? but they were but they were really minor. They yeah, were they were far away. Uh, and and I don't know how much of that was psychological, right? Because and we were eating the yeah. orange chocolate. We were eating the orange chocolate too, which definitely influenced. Which most us. people aren't going to get. You know, we we mentioned before that you know, how your psychology plays so much into these things. I mean, understanding what a beer is, understanding what's in it, tells you so much more and gives you. Uh, if you're not eat, and, and they could lie to you, and you'd still taste it. And that that's the interesting thing about psychology is that. Your brain will just will, will will find something there, even if it's not there. If somebody tells you it's there, and you and you believe it, we're back. We're finishing off the McKellar. It's alive. This is mm. tasty. Mm. It's good. It really is. We have some more McKellar that I bought. Yeah, yeah there's a couple more. I bought a few. I just went up to um, a VE Vintage Estates over in uh, Ohio, <clears throat> and. I was looking for the the super whiskey that Jeff <laughs> Jeff likes. Unable to find it, but I bought I brought a few things down uh, and a few a couple of McKellars and and that Stone thing. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to trying those. I also bought two Tart of Darknesses. I shared it with Nick the other day. Okay. And I have another one in my car that I meant that that um, if you want, I can pull it out. I'm just, I, I kind of want to, no, uh, you don't have to save it for... I think we actually have one. We do? I think we still have one. Yeah. Um, the entire darkness is really good, but... Um, <laughs> I want to share it with Nick, and I want to share it with... Uh, for. Uh, this this Saturday is uh, Damien's mother's birthday party, and I'm uh, going to try to see what they think of that. Um, it's sort of the I was saying it's the closest I can get to KMF without having KMF. Right, it is not the same. KMF is much better, but it has a similar kind of vibe on 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 some sense. It has a uh, the the sourness and and some of the tastes mm-hmm. are there. It's like we need another beer. We do need another beer. All right, I'll go find something. <laughs> Twist my arm. <laughs> what are you guys drinking? How how are you guys uh, up? Let's see, Jason. What are you on? Jason, uh, Lift Bridge Brewing out of uh, Stillwater, Minnesota. Their biscotti ale. Biscotti ale. So it's like a. Does like it taste? A yeah. Like a... Hmm. Left for three. I gotta try that. That sounds never, interesting. I actually, never had that one. Uh, right. Good luck. I think they're only in Minnesota. How about you, Greg? Uh, I had a a lot of champagne and uh, some Sophie <laughs> earlier today. I'm drinking water right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> water. Sorry. The beautiful brew. Tom, what are you at? Uh, well, I started with the New Belgium Frambozen. Uh, went to the Founders Dark Penance. Ah. The Black IPA. Nice Spanish uh, beer. <laughs> little Mad Elf. Oh, yeah. We have one of those. And working on that uh, Wirebacher 19 now. Yeah. And how about you, Steve? I just finished up a Dark Horse Brewing uh, 4 Elf. Mm. Nice mm. little winter warmer. Can't drink too much. Uh, got a <laughs> long day of day job stuff going on tomorrow. So. You have to work tomorrow? Uh, yes. Oh. I, I'll tell you a work story. I, I was at work today. This is the first day, and I've told, anybody who listens to, to the to the pre-year post knows that I've been off the, the last couple of days. It's been great. But I had to work today. Had to. I mean, I could have called off, but I, I didn't. But I, I came in today, and, like, after the first couple hours, the fire alarm started going off. Beep, beep, beep. And it turned out they were testing the fire alarm. And I was just like, I'm going home. And so... I just worked from home the rest of the day. It was so, it was just it was annoying because every every fifteen minutes the fire alarm went off and the people who were like in offices were fine with it because they could close their doors. I was I'm not in an office yet. <laughs> Maybe it's hopeful for, me to, hopeful for me to say yet, but I'm not in an office yet. <laughs> where where are you? Storage room B. Where, where are you no, at? I'm just I'm, I'm out in sort of the 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 big you know the area where where most people are. There, there's not it's farm. It's not a cube because because uh, I know, I don't have like cube walls around me, but I'm just I'm sort of in the corner, but um, uh, it's it's all open. But it was just like, and I don't mind that. I actually like that more than the cube because it, it's you know it just it feels more open and, and I'm uh, it feels less like people can sneak up on you and things like that. <laughs> but uh, it was just it was annoying. So I was like, I'm going home, working from home, and it was it was. And they're fine with that, so that was not a problem. But it was, 
which is one of those weird, weird things that happened. I only was at the office for four hours today. I What'd see. You... I saw that you got to use your uh, Doc and Marty. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> action yeah. Action figures. Uh, Jeff got me as a, as a present uh, Doc and uh, Marty from Back to the Future, which. Uh, if you guys have followed, you know. Little action figures, yeah. you know, just like G.I. Joe's, but they were from Back to the Future, so it was Doc, yeah. Brown, and Marty. And if you, I don't know if any of you have seen any Rick and Morty, or even better, have seen the progenitor <laughs> to Rick and Morty. I set up a a, a, a Doc and Marty scene. Uh, oh, you want me to lick your balls, Doc? So... <laughs> Sounds with, a lot more with, homosexual than the, the uh, than the yeah, scene actually. This, is. The scene is not weirdly. It's not like it's not homosexual because it works. <laughs> no, how else to explain it? But every time he licks his balls, it does actually you know do the function it needs to do. So yeah, it's almost eleven thirty. <laughs> <laughs> What have you got for us? I can't us? believe we didn't get the ball looking three hours ago. <laughs> Can we, can't we just tune in Netflix and start it ourselves? If um, you if you want to look up, um, what is it called? It's called the the Real Adventures of Doc and Marty M H A R T I, and you can find that on YouTube. Uh, and it was the progenitor to Rick and Morty. All right, so what we're drinking now is my Perry that I made, my pear cider. Okay. So we uh, picked pears off a pear tree down the street, fermented it out, and this is my Perry. It's about 5%, 5.2%. Here's what it looks like. It's a, kind of a yellowish green. It's a little foggy. Looks like Le Fin de Monde. <laughs> Yours is weirdly. I mean, Mine's here's big. here's stratification. Here's well, an example of stratification for you guys. <laughs> there's Jeff and there's mine. You can see one's clearer than the other. Yeah, you got a little more <laughs> of the yeast uh, used. Uh... So for this one, I did two. I did one that was spontaneously fermented. I did one that was pitched with a yeast. We kind of made this cider off the cuff, so I didn't have uh, any yeast specifically purchased for it. Um, but I had yeast from a mead kit, so this is the more beer dry wine yeast we used on this one. It is dry. It has definitely a pear flavor to it. Um... I don't know that I can offer much else <laughs> beyond that. It's just well, it, it, it's not, a, you know, it's not a flavor profile I'm used to. Right. I mean, good thing we're not reviewing it, right? Mm-hmm. Just drink it. I just want you to try it. I'm sure Dave's never had a Perry before. I have not. So <laughs> now you've had a Perry. A Perry produced on. Helen Are there Park. any apples in this? <laughs> no, it's all pears. It's all pears. It's all pears. Pears. The other one. So this one has, like I said, has the dry wine yeast. Um, I don't have any in the fridge. I should throw one in the fridge. I got a, sp- a spontaneously fermented version of this. It actually is cleaner than this one. I thought it was going to be more bready and funky and yeah. take some more time. It fermented out better than this one. Um, so we must have some good yeast on the pears here in Helen Court. Hmm. 
On the estate here at Helen Court. Yes. So. The estate, yes. The palatial estate of Jennifer. <laughs> but it, it's kind of cool having a, a beverage that's, you know, when you say locally produced, it's less than 200 feet yeah. from where we sit, you know, so. <laughs> I'll locally produce a beverage for you right now. But boom, boom. It's pretty good. I've had, I had a lot of stuff. <laughs> A lot of ciders this summer coming through, mm-hmm. like um, Tennessee, North Carolina, Smokies, Pear, okay. Apple. And oh, yeah. Had... You did a hell of a vacation when you got back from... Uh... Yeah, we did about 3,500 miles uh, this summer. So uh, that was right after you got back from deployment, right? Uh, about Yeah, about a month and a half, two months after. So, I, so I came back from Kuwait, so... Dave's in the Army, and uh, I guess he's been in the... We, for the people that joined early on, he's yeah. been in the Army. Well, over... for the... My DOD uh, disclaimer, everything I say tonight is my own views, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I've been in the Army uh, almost 16 years now. I grew up with Jeff, uh, went to college, graduated ROTC, and basically been doing the Army thing ever since. So, um, but you did, like, so you're an officer. I am. Um, I'm a major currently in the United States Army, uh, air defense officer, so Patriot missiles, anti, you know, ballistic missile type stuff, so. He's doing boring policy stuff right oh, now. Oh, really? Right? Anti-ballistic missiles. That's yeah. That's an interesting subject because how does that – how do you – well, okay. Um, how, yeah. how can I do this without, without you know <laughs> – uh, So I, I, I came up as a – for those of you that are kind of military geeks like I was growing up and yeah. Jeff knows, um, I came up with Stinger missiles uh, for the majority of my career. So frontline type, uh, counter UAV, counter cruise missile, counter yeah. – Helicopter. Does anyone else have UAVs other than us? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just. I'm just Who is this guy? Buy them on Amazon now. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. They're they're delivering Amazon shit. Now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just recently transitioned into Patriot missiles, so I'm sure most of you guys are kind of familiar with those. So um, actual anti-ballistic, short-range, medium-range uh, ballistic missiles. Now, do you ever have to deal with the final, the, the weird thing between having actual? ABMs and the ABM treaty? No. Because um, being short, we're terminal. Um, it's all open source stuff. There's two yeah. types. You you have um, basically terminal phase, which is what Patriot Missile intercepts within a, a few seconds of detonation. And then you have uh, exo-atmospheric, uh, exo excuse me, right. uh, which detonates uh, outside of the atmosphere. Um both of which the U.S. Uh, has the capability of, uh, but we do not fall into uh, ABM-type stuff. So that's where the GMD, the, gl- the ground-based missile defense, kind of continental United States thing, we're more of a mobile, right. deployable system. So, What about the laser systems? I don't know too much about them because I haven't been involved with them, but I, I think they're pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> uh, um, just, just based on... Uh, you know, from a, a uh, budgetary perspective, just from the cost uh, alone. Yeah. So um, I think roughly uh, our pa- our PAC-3 interceptor, which is our, our latest one, uh, runs about $3 million a shot, give or take, uh, versus what you can produce for a laser, which is significantly less. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the real problems with, with a anti-ballistic missile system is, is dealing with, I would imagine, dealing with um, decoys and things like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, so... so the nice thing about about a directed energy system is that you could boop, 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 yeah. boop, 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 and just you know uh, hit them all, mm-hmm. um, but you have to deal with all the problems that are yeah, current yeah, with absolutely. a directed energy so, system, which is yeah. really hard. A lot of them. So. Yeah. But yeah, back to the original thing. So I took I took a trip. Um, started. I was stationed in Central Texas, uh, the godforsaken area that is Central Texas, um, 
en route to Kansas. Instead of going straight, we went uh, to Vicksburg, Mississippi, Pensacola, Florida, northern uh, Georgia, uh, western North Carolina, uh, Smoky Mountains, uh, Gatlinburg, and then to Kansas. So. <laughs> About 28 days in a travel trailer with my family of three kids and a wow. wife. So, yeah, it was interesting. So, after having been gone for eight months, so. <laughs> Would you trade them for anything, though? I mean, I saw a lot of your updates. I mean, it seemed like it's a kind of a vacation of memories. I mean, it, it was. We, we refer to it as the epic adventure. So, uh, well, my kids are pretty open minded. I'm a big history yeah. buff. So, yeah, my original plan had a stopping at about seven or eight. Ba- Civil War battlefields are historic sites, and I pared that down to about three. So, one of the best stories, and I wasn't there to appreciate it, but he knows exactly where I'm going. It was Antietam, right? No, uh, no, Vicksburg. Vicksburg. Yeah. Okay. So he went with his family. This is when you were probably about 12, 14 Oh, years no, old. that one oh. is that one is Antietam. Antietam, yeah. 12, 14 years old. And he's there with his family, and um, they get on the battlefield, and his brother, probably Mike, said, can't we do something fun? And Dave's reply was, this is more than fun. This is history. While he's hugging a cannon. Yeah, right? he, he won't let me forgive that one, and uh, <laughs> he's still basically that same way out. You know, for those of you, I'm, I'm a big history buff. I, I, I find history amazing. Uh, so anytime I can impart that on my, now on my kids, because I have full reign over them, I, yeah. I tend to do that. Yeah. So. Now, hold on a second. They picked the home. Be careful what you do. <laughs> you don't know it yet, but eventually you'll find out. Yeah, I, I plan to go out in some sort of blaze of glory. <laughs> uh, I, I, I continue to tell my wife. So um, a, a friend of mine who was, I was lieutenant with and we live together, he lives in Colorado. He keeps trying to get me to move out there. And I, I tell him we're going to go out living like that movie Secondhand Lion. So I, I basically plan to build my own plane and try to fly it upside down through the barn. So. <laughs> Well, let me ask you about traveling with your kids because it's one thing I, I notice. What you know, I, I don't have much exposure to kids. To me, it's like, oh, thank God, no much exposure to kids. You know, I come over. You know, well, you saw what they were like tonight, yeah, right? I know. That's the thing. Is like, I know you love your kids, and you know, you do anything for them. But at the same time, they, were, they annoy the crap out of you. Sometimes. Absolutely. We're playing that game. We're playing Ticket to Ride. Um, and Greg came over and he was helping Max. And how many times did I have to tell them mm-hmm. to don't touch your sibling? Mm-hmm. Keep your hands <laughs> off your sibling. Yeah. And it wouldn't last more than 45 seconds before they're poking your. Well, Greg, in three days, I'm getting ready to drive back to Kansas City, which is 13 hours Ugh. from Pittsburgh. So uh, I find that DVDs, iPads, and a healthy dose of yeah. if you touch each other, we're going to stop this vehicle, and I'm going to throw your stuffed animals out. It goes a long way. So start early in the morning, let <laughs> her sleep. Absolutely. <laughs> DVDs are like little little uh, crack for kids. I, know. I used so. to I used to drive up to uh, to to New York. It was six hours with my sister and my sister and I, and you know, we were like in, four years apart, and so we were very very combative with each other and we didn't have dvds yes. or or game boys or things like that so it was just mom greg's over the line it, it, and and that's where i i got my hatred for lots so, for, for all this all these musicals that i now know by heart because my parents would play that and old beatles shit and i'd be like oh so it's interesting you say that so uh, when we drove to pittsburgh um we left the day after christmas my parents flew out to kansas city we had christmas at the house then we all got in the vehicle together. Now, the disclaimer is I drive an expedition extended length, so there's more than enough room yeah. for everyone, for three kids, two, two old people, and my wife and myself. 
Um, but my parents said the same thing. They're like, your kids were amazing. How did you m- make it? So it was about 16 hours total, 13 hours driving. And I said, well, didn't you see we kept putting DVDs in? And, you know, I, yeah. I brought two old people to amuse them while we drove. <laughs> so um, they're kind of the same thing. They remembered us as three. I, I, I'm from a family of uh, three sons. Mm-hmm. Grammed in the back of a Jeep Cherokee driving every summer to the Outer Banks for 13 some hours. And yeah, they they thought the same thing. So I remember one time, uh, you know, it was later on when, when when both G and I were older, and I managed to set up. I had a Game Gear with a with a TV <laughs> adapter, mm-hmm. and I hooked up a video ca- our video camera to it, and I which I had recorded the Batman movie, oh, the nineteen eighty nine. So I was able to play Bat. We were able to watch Batman on my little Game Gear, you know, which is this little tiny screen. It was, you know, like two mm-hmm. and a half inches by something. And but but that actually yeah. settled us down for two hours and it was like the beginnings of that <laughs> it was it was me sort of hacking together <laughs> the, the same kind of system right. that we would eventually have for everybody. How about you guys? Do you guys uh, have any kids or or, or stories like that? Long road trips. Is that still going? Oh, yeah. Tom, you were so still. I thought you were frozen for a second. I'm like, did we lose the whole thing? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Okay. No one has any. No one has any. No sibling stories? I got nothing. I've got nothing. All right. So that was the Perry. What do you say we do a Christmas beer? All right. What the heck? I gotta use the toilet, so uh, you. Well, get ready for some ginger, cinnamon, allspice, nutmeg, and cloves. I'm always ready for Which ginger, one you cinnamon, have? allspice, this nutmeg, and cloves. This uh, is Sly Fox 2014. Yeah. So, this beer, I, I was very fortunate. Um, one of the sales guys at work um, wanted to get the support staff a nice Christmas present. So he called me up and asked, could we do this beer club exchange, which you listen to the show, you probably know a little bit about that. He asked if I was doing a beer club before the end of the year, and uh, you know, I said, yeah. And then he mentioned how he wanted to get these guys beer. He wanted to spend about 75 bucks a head on beer. Well, that's a, that's a fair amount of beer, right? Wow. You know, so he sent me a check for like $900. And wanted me to go buy beer. And uh, he, you know, included me in the head count. So I was able to take, you know, my share back. So I went to one of the local beer distributors and have a lot of big bottles. And uh, this is one of those. But, you know, I was pretty happy with the um, the selection. So hopefully the support guys all appreciate it. Tight cork. There we go. We haven't got into the strong, dark, and multi ones yet, but I got a bottle of barrel-aged narwhal as part of that Christmas gift. Um, that one was like $220 for the case. I'm sorry, guys, but doesn't this look like a really happy, like, four-eyed <laughs> cartoon character? Like, yay! You should ask, why is no. there a toothbrush holder in the bathroom downstairs? <laughs> <laughs> That's the better question. I don't know why there's a toothbrush holder in the bathroom hey, down here. Because regardless if you use it for that, you're required to put all those items into it. So. <laughs> As a man that's lived in seven houses in the last ten years. So. I don't know Looks why. like a paw print to me. Ah, I guess. Yeah. It's for Greg when he passes out in your basement so he has a place <laughs> yeah. to put his toothbrush. So. <laughs> 
right, so this is the what is this? Sly Fox Christmas. Sly Fox. Spice with everything you'd expect in a um, GCMC. Sugar Plum. Wow. Okay. All right. Jeff what a- Greg, the next time you get over to Ohio, Hoppin' Frog, Akron, Canton area, yeah. there is a local ice cream place <laughs> that does all the. No, hold on a second. Does all the specialty beers, but uses the ingredients, not the beer, okay. into the ice cream. It was darn good. The oh, Christmas okay. beer. The, the ice cream that they made from it was darn good. Well, so, that, that's good. I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out by Hoppin' Frog because yeah. last time I was out there, I bought a whole bunch of expensive one-offs like Doris the Destroyer, and so many of them were spoiled. And yeah, I like I got a bottle of Boris in the fridge that I just can't bring myself to drink because I know it's fucked up. <laughs> the we like I said a couple weeks ago, we were drinking with one of the the lab geeks for Rivertown Brewing. And it was the the conversation of a lot of beer breweries in Ohio, and the the lab geek is always the last person they bring on board, is because they can buy can openers and mm. koozies and bar signs and neon, but then the lab geek is always the last person that they buck that they bring on because they don't see the return on the investment. So I'm hoping Hop and Frog has opened up a, a tap room I don't yeah. know if it's restaurant or if it's just food trucks but they are more than just the industrial park brewery that they used to be mm. oh, okay yeah when I went there it was probably about two years ago kind of just showed up they were wrapping up like a bottling day and they had that little you know fridge like inside the bottling area there where you could buy beers you know, takeout type yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, and so I, you know, they had some really cool stuff on. Hello. Are you there, Greg? This hangout's <laughs> been going on for so long. Yes. All right. No, no. We had a we had a wrong Greg. Not you, Greg. Greg Weiss, the yeah. Google Hangouts, was asking if we were still here on Greg's computer. I'm sorry for that. So I, I did have a question in regards yeah, to keep Greg. Yeah, in regards to Ohio. So they made a big deal in Kansas City when Boulevard. Uh, recently said they were expanding into Ohio. And I was curious what products you may have seen from them out that way. I've not seen anything yet. And it's shocking because uh, a lot of breweries have actually skipped Ohio and went to every state around us because that's the one of the larger beer-consuming cons- states in the Union. <laughs> so that if you can't distribute in Cincinnati and Toledo yeah. and Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, and up towards Youngstown and don't do it. So that's why three Floyds in Indiana actually retracted out is because they couldn't produce enough to cover the entire state. Okay. Hmm. So I've not seen anything yeah. yet. Trust me, I, it, like I guess they go seemed... there a couple times a year. I would be looking yeah, for Yeah, absolutely. Them. It seems like Ohio has the, the was it thirteen percent alcohol cap you guys have? Yeah, we lost Stone for that. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Stone was it's looking. Actually... At, Stone was looking at Columbus oh, as well okay. as Richmond oh, wow. for their East Coast brewery, and um, they were one of the finalists. But um, I think they were trying to use their selection. I think they were trying to help you guys out, right? They were trying to say, "Hey, fix this, and we'll come there." And they couldn't get it fixed. So. I think it's going to get fixed. 
just for that reason is because there's more breweries out there and stone stone planted that idea in someone else's head mm -hmm. that if they get it fixed that, that someone else will come and stone actually did and this is part of the marketing speak i don't know if 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 jason can speak on it or not that you have to be careful when you use the initials and, ac and acronyms that they released a gratitude just for the markets that were in the running it was an mm -hmm. ipa india imperial pale ale not india pale ale so a lot of people were a little upset when they started getting their beer in columbus this isn't an ipa but no it's a damn fine imperial pale ale okay <laughs> that's an interesting distinction uh tom what's that uh what's that bottle opener you got there it seemed like it was a bit of a squeezy trigger thing or something uh, it's a gropener <laughs> okay. Grab opener. Show us how that works. <laughs> it's supposed to be a one-handed oh, deal. I see. Where you just oh, kind of hang it on yeah. there, and it's a magnet to hold onto the cap. You uh, uh -huh. grab it, and it pops it off, ah, and it yeah. stays on there. Show them the new Belgian one that you got. Uh, they said New Holland. Thing. New Holland. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just your normal church key, but it's embedded in a barrel stave. Oh. It's actually the head of the barrel. You can see the head part right there. And I asked New Holland about this. They have a kind of a spinoff of, um, I forget what they call it. It's, it's barrel something, but they're making all kinds of products out of their old wood. So they make like a fold-up beach chair that's oak staves uh -huh. um, and other things as well. And, you know, when they send us the beers... Um, they threw in. So in. could you just like, you know, if, if you sanitize this, could you just drop this in? <laughs> Any beer you're it's, making? It's only a little bit of oak there. Yeah. Uh, and it's well used. But, you know, it's really cool because you get to see the char on the inside. Yeah. You get to see some of the pitch around the seal of the barrel. You know, like I, there was some like stuff you could pick off some of the pitch before. It's, it's a neat little bottle opener. But it's no they, should, they don't listen to the podcast. Obviously, they're sent to the beach here because they should have known you go to Kelly's Island every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably don't. But uh, yeah, actually, this year we're my mom is getting a place down in Sandbridge, Virginia, near the Outer Banks, and uh, we're trying to figure out like how we can also do Kelly's Island because the kids are asking about it because the kids love <laughs> camping out there. So you know, it's only been two three years but it, you know it's a full-blown tradition for a six-year-old and a four-year-old right right oh they'll get over it if you go someplace else they'll they find might. something else to do. they might but i mean fourth of july weekend fourth of july is on so you get you get friday the third off so yeah we're thinking dash over i forget when heather said we were. i think we're going to go the second week of august this year or i i got enough vacation i can do it right yeah. and uh so I think we're going to go the second week of August this year. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been up there, Steve, but I love that place. It's, you know, it's just a, it's a short drive from Pittsburgh. It's, I don't know if you've listened, Dave, but the campsite is less than 40 feet from the beach. Oh, wow. And it's this little protective cove with a jetty, sandy mm -hmm. beach. You don't see so very many sandy beaches on Lake Erie. No. And, At least uh, not clean ones, so. It's it's just awesome. If you Can you light the lake on fire? 
No. <laughs> the one, the, the river, come on. <laughs> it's Cleveland. The one day last year there was a moderate warning for the um the toxic yeah. from the blue from the yeah. LG, right? Yeah, the LG. The LG toxins, but not like that was also when it was really bad in Toledo last year. Mm. So it wasn't as bad, as, nearly as bad as out by Toledo. Yeah, it's so. not like the Cuyahoga. Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think of Sly Fox Christmas? It, I mean, compared to the rest of the beers, it's really kind of. I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> it, it it's. It, I mean, it's okay, but it's yeah. like the other beers were so much more special and interesting, and this is just like. Meh. Yeah, Actually, even compared to a lot of the other Christmas yeah. beers I've had this year, it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay, but. It has some spices. It, it's. It's high, it, You know, it's in this Belgian bottle, really thick glass. It has a higher carbonation level, so it tastes a little bit fizzy, but Belgiany. Not really Belgian, but not Belgian. But because of the high carbonation level, it has that character. Right? Yeah. But the other beers were were so much more interesting and and had other dimensions to it. This is just, oh, we're gonna throw some spices at you. Blah. So I'm not huge into it. We had to pick a better beer for uh, 15 minutes from now. It may, it may be the Kansas City coming out of me, but I don't find it as good as the Nutcracker. So okay. I just wanted to give a shout out for my favorite beer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Gauden Corollas okay. uh, QV Van de Kaiser. I guess it's Blau. It pretty much just means blue. <laughs> it's the one with the blue stripe. I hate the one with the red stripe. <laughs> uh, but it's pretty much a dark Belgian ale. Best one. It's about two years old and is about. This is a. 2012 bottle, so it's kind of hitting its mark right now. Is that the Spiegel beer tulip you're using there? No, this no? was the. Uh, uh, the yeah, it looks a little. They're connected with Spiegel, but it's the uh, one they gave out at uh, Saver 2012. Right, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because it had a similar shape, but I wasn't sure if that was the one. So I mean, here's the. Uh... Look up near the... Yeah, I, I recognize the marking because it has that marking on it. All the all the saver ones had those markings. Okay. Yeah, yeah this is a little smaller. Yeah. But, I think yeah, this it's is got uh... the uh, saver logo on there. Okay. Yeah, I got a I few of those around. Uh, Riedel or Riedel. I'm not sure how to yeah. pronounce that. <laughs> I don't think Rito made those. Uh, I, I don't know. It was, I'm not it's sure weird who because we're we're not sure who makes the the saver glass. The saver glasses. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting. I, the, I, I believe the our company owns Spiegelau. Oh really? From what I've seen, yeah. If you if you do a, I, I don't remember how, remember how remember how to pronounce it, Riedel or Rydell or whatever. Right. Yeah. Look them up. Uh, I think you can find the Spiegelau glasses on there. Yeah, no, they are. The Rito owns Spiegelau. I'm not sure who makes I the I asked you for more, but we have so many. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've basically, it, it, it is kind of funny. When we go to Saver, people leave these glasses all around. And we they, just... Yeah, so, like, they, well, people leave those regular Saver glasses all around. So we yeah. had a ton of those. And then we started finding people would leave the, they'd give these Spiegel glasses out at the salons. And people leave those laying around. So we would start snapping those up. And uh, 
I don't think next year we really need to no, take any. No, we don't need to take any because we have so many. We have we have like three cabinets full of these Spielberg glasses. Unless we want to take them and sell them for half price, like five bucks a glass, right? <laughs> Hello, Amazon store, come on. <laughs> I was, you money. know, at, at la- Saver last year, and if any of you guys go to Saver this year, I'll do the same for, for you. I was, you know, just grabbing glasses that we had and just giving them to people who came up to me. Like, yeah, I like your show. Hey, here's a glass for you. So, <laughs> hold on a second. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> we had so many. It's, it's 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 great. Yeah. They're, otherwise, they were no one else was going to take them. Yeah. The, the Brewers Association is not going to take used glasses back to Denver. So, might as well take them with us. People would leave their glasses around all the time. It was so weird. But hey. Don't look, look a gift horse in the mouth, right? We, in New what do you York, think about we, these glasses, Dave? Do they seem... Like, did you notice anything about them, or are they just a beer glass to you? Um, I'm just curious if you... Well, basically, I haven't unpacked all my glassware since... We've only been in our new house since for about five months, so... Um, everything I've been drinking has been out of a Pilsner or out of this other glass I have mm-hmm. that I like. But um, I do like the shape of it. It's convenient to hold. And yeah. I've, I haven't specifically noticed any taste difference, but yeah, so you haven't tasted one of these beers. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's hard for me to judge it because I haven't had them before. So <laughs> right, no, I mean, you know, this is the one we talk about on the show all yeah. the time. You know, and Spiegelau makes other glasses. They make a stout glass. They make an IPA yeah. glass. And if you're comparing those beers in that glass versus a straight sided sh- shaker pint, you know, yes, they're better. Um, We've tried them compared to this, and we generally prefer the beers out of this class, especially in the heavy evaluation mode yeah. that we do to the show, right? Yeah. Now, I've had IPAs in the IPA glass in a more casual experience, and, and I enjoy them. I mean, I think but I wonder how much of that is psychology. I really do. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's easy to say that they're better than a straight-sided shaker pint. Sure. But lots of glassware is better than a straight side of shaker pine. Right. Who knows? <laughs> I, I definitely think the uh, IPA glass is better than the stout glass, though. Just with... I, I would normally have a, an IPA and a tulip glass, and the IPA glass kind of elevated that, especially with halfway through where that little waterfall action was happening that would right, right. shoot shoot the uh, aroma back up to your nose. I, I don't really notice that uh, with stouts in the stout glass versus a snifter. So I, I don't know. The, right. I mean, it's not a negative thing with the stout glass. I just don't know how much the stout glass improved anything where I think the IPA glass did improve a little bit upon at least non-Spiegelau. Um, right. No, I hear you. That that whole waterfall thing you described, right, where they refresh the beer, you know, um, as you're pouring the IPA, it, it definitely seems to refresh the hop aroma on that thing. And and you're right. You know, a stout doesn't improve in the exact same way when it falls over that waterfall. Um, it's, a, it's a very good point. And uh, I think I'm going to go grab that bottle of Lagunita Sucks in some IPA glasses. Do it. And we're gonna we're, okay. We're actually gonna. Do you have three IPA glasses? Yeah, I got not much. 
Uh, see, yeah, I leave all the all the glassware is here, Jess. All the good stuff. I, I have like one or two saver glasses at home because I just <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't really need to have you know the cool spiel glass stuff at, at home. I don't drink that much uh, when I'm not here. So, uh, actually, one of my saver glasses broke, so I may just steal one from from here because it's not like anybody's gonna be. It's not like Jeff's gonna care. Uh. Have you guys uh, tried other, you know, glassware besides um, Spiegelau or Saber glasses or whatever? Any of you? I've I've been sticking with the uh, the tulip glass from your recommendation. I did uh, I did branch out and buy the the stout and the IPA. Oh, we just lost everybody. Is everybody still there? Hello? Anybody hear us? It's like an ISIS attack or something. Let's see here. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh. Okay. The Mac has just... <laughs> Voodoo One, what's my... We've been possibly... Crapped. Crapped out on me. Hold on a second. It's a pretty sweet picture you have frozen on your screen. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> oh, what happened? We lose it? Yeah, we just, we, st- we just lost everybody. You sure? Because he sits really still. No, no, it was... <laughs> it was what's his name? Jeff was talking... Or Greg yeah. was talking, and he just dropped, so... And then he was frozen on the middle of the screen. on the CBR New Year's Eve show. <laughs> Damn North Korea. Of course they would hate us. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong-un, that son of a bitch. What is going on here? Oh, now it's giving me weird... Click allow for both Google Talk plugins. Oh man, right at midnight. <laughs> no. It's we'll the enemy. Got six minutes to get back in. Alright. Plugins... Google Talk, always, Google Talk, always, all right. When did you just text and ask if you guys actually let me in on this thing, so. Okay, is everybody here? Are you back? Yes, we're back. Sorry <laughs> about that. Had a little bit of a uh, issue, but is everybody here? Yeah, yes. we're still all here. All right, so... Yeah, talked about glasses while you're gone. Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun to, uh, you know, to have a little technical issue right before New Year's. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put some FaceTime in with the wife, so... I'll be back after, but... All right. 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Should, should I just leave the uh, bottles up or should I lock it? <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you. You can leave it up. There's yeah, leave good. it up. Right. Yeah, it's cool. I'll leave it up and be back shortly. Great. Right. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, so we are drinking the 32-ounce one-quart bottle. Of Look at that sauce. thing. Jeez, that is oh. huge. Which is now empty because we have uh, in our... Spiegelow IPA glasses. IPA glasses. The the ribbed for your pleasure glasses. (laughs) These are the dogfish version. So it has a dogfish etching on the outside and the little dogfish nucleation etching on the bottom. Which is always cool because it does look really nice. I mean, it has that uh, that beautiful bubbles coming from the bottom. Now, what's the story behind Lagunitas Sucks? I mean... Obviously, you know, um, they it's, weren't it's tongue in cheek, ab- but it's they weren't able to make brown sugar one year, right? That's so right. they brewed a superiorly hoppy IPA, right? Less aging time or something, right? And uh, it was supposed to be just that one time thing, as far as I know. And then you know, people like it, so now they're putting it in ridiculously large bottles. <laughs> you know, I saw some. Uh, I think it was Stone. It might have been Arrogant Bastard, but the the bottle was like three feet tall. I. It was humongous. Yeah. I don't know who was going to buy that thing. Yeah, I've seen I've seen beers uh, in magnums or, or or bigger, right? Three liters. I've seen some of those at like Sharp Edge, where they have the yeah. huge like Bornum I've... or something like that. That's that's two feet tall. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, the, it's like this like big. Like the tequila rifle. So yeah, yeah. I, I've seen this. I've seen the stone ones. I, I've never cold. I've never drank a beer from out of you know not not from the bottle, but you know a beer that was brought to me in right. such a large bottle. Uh there's a there's a pretty hefty surcharge just on the experience, right? You know, for I mean, how much do you think one of those bottles costs? A bottle probably costs like forty or fifty bucks. You know? Sure, sure. And there there's a novelty aspect to it, right? I mean, you know, you have if you have like twenty people then, then I guess it kind of makes sense to be like, hey, let's do the novelty thing, and you know, it's twenty bucks a person. That's really I know the stone ones put that little like luggage padlock on it, right? You know, yeah. so you have to unlock it to get the, the swing top <laughs> open or whatnot. But... Those are luggage padlocks. Don't really work that well. <laughs> it's not going to keep people out of your magnum of stone. Right. <laughs> it won't deter the TSA. So yeah. Although I, I recently uh, I was I was purchasing a bag for uh, for traveling. Uh, because my old one was getting kind of ratty, and uh, they one had locks on it, but it had a special like key for TSA, like right. TSA yeah, has a yeah, special yeah, key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a master That's key in, for TSA, yeah. so they don't have to cut your lock. What did you right? end up getting? Because I'm curious. Because with me starting to travel now, actually on commercial air, I was looking for a new suitcase. Uh, it was just a, um, I don't know, a little red, uh, okay. little red number. Yeah. I just had my wife buy something at Sam's Club. So. Yeah, it was just, I guess I'm gonna target. It was, yeah, it was, I actually I went to a place. Uh, I went down to Robinson where there was there used to be a luggage place and the place is gone. So I was like, oh. After looking on the internet, I was more confused than yeah. when I started. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. so then I just went to Target and I was like, uh, all right, I'll get this one. End up, yeah, yeah. I think I got like something. Samsung. How nice is it having Wi-Fi on airplanes though? Did you get Wi-Fi on your flight? This yeah, there was Wi-Fi. On flight. Or, I didn't pay for it because yeah, yeah. All, because I had stuff to listen to, stuff to do, stuff to you know, stuff I could do, and at the same time, the 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 little Wi-Fi I got 
what I did like was it told me like how far along in the trip I was okay. and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So that was cool. My experience has been I haven't I, I purchased it once and it wasn't fast enough to make it worthwhile. Right. And it was the flight was less than two hours, so it wasn't worth my while. Yeah, I mean, to, so I've only it, I've so. only traveled for work once in the last four years, and it was just a couple months ago. I went out to San Francisco, and uh, yeah, I purchased the Wi-Fi for. Um, no, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's 11:59. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're like 10, 9, 8, 7, 10, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! May old acquaintance be forgot. <laughs> blah, 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 the grand old flag. Welcome to 2015, everybody. It's a whole new year! With the same oh. old problems. Okay, anyway, where were you? Uh, oh, I just, <laughs> I, I thought, so the Wi-Fi wasn't super fast. It got pretty late. So I was, like, using it to keep up on email, but also I was trying to SSH to servers at work over the VPN, and yeah. and the latency can get pretty yeah. like yeah. like you're talking about like forget about VPN yeah you're talking about like three second latency it's all satellite based so I mean but, it's gonna but, take forever still there's a I think it's a Louis C K bit about people bitching about how bad the Wi-Fi is on an airplane <laughs> it's Wi-Fi on an airplane you know you know. <laughs> Well, it's pretty. It's you know, pretty magic, you know. I don't know. The Louis C.K. bit was like from four years ago. At this point, I kind of expect Wi-Fi on airplanes. Yeah. I'm it, I'm yeah. But that it still works. I mean, so like, I did notice, like, if you're on your second leg and you have your your account already set up, once you get in, if you're the first guy in, yeah. the Wi-Fi is really quick. And then over the next ten minutes, as people fiddle with their credit cards and shit. It really slows down. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm less concerned with Wi-Fi. I'm more concerned about them letting people talk on their phones on the airplane than anything else. So, because I don't yeah. want I don't want to hear them talk to their significant other or best friend about how shitty their day is. So. <laughs> well, you just make them feel self conscious about it. Right? You start carrying <laughs> yeah. on a conversation yeah. about what they're saying with them, and you should the hear fuck. what this guy next to me is <laughs> well, talking. Well, about. they'll shut oh. the fuck up right quick if you start embarrassing them, right? So, yeah, but that's embarrassing to you too. So it's it's a it's a double-edged sword, I guess. Sober no hilt, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, but did you guys hear, was it Marriott, that his yes. petition to the FCC to block personal hotspots in the hotel? What, really? Yeah. In fact, uh-huh. they were they were caught actually blocking personal hotspots, which I find oh, I think to, I be, re- to be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Because they because they sell their yeah. their Wi Fi uh-huh. yeah yeah it, it's that same old adage where the mid level business hotels offer great free Wi Fi the mm-hmm. higher end hotels uh, typically charge you for crappy. charge you or make you log on like a thousand times a day in order to access right. the Wi Fi so well, can you imagine how much revenue they're losing in the porn channels. <laughs> That's true. It's very 1980s. Yeah, I mean, no, but but it's true because that was a huge (laughs) avenue of revenue. It was was like, it was just, it was easy pickings. It was was so so easy. So was Hotel and Long Distance. Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you picked up a hotel phone and called somebody? Yeah. The only time I pick them up is when I'm trying to... Lock them away in the uh, in the drawer so my kids can't pick them up and dial anything. Uh, the only time I use it when I'm what done, is this thing? Give me a wake up <laughs> yeah. call. 
I do like wake up calls. I, 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 I like that, even though I, I always use my phone to wake up. Yeah. But I still like the idea. Of, I mean, there's something cool about a wake up call to me. You know, I never have wake up. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, I almost never. I feel sophisticated. I think the last time I set up a wake up call was when you like, dude, set up a wake up call. Just do it. Like, you know, you're you gonna know. be drunk the next morning. Just set up the wake up. Well, call if I'm gonna be drunk the next morning, it's the kind of thing where I sleep in my clothes. Like, <laughs> if I gotta catch an early flight, like when we were in Saber, in New uh, York, right? Yeah, we went out and got all that food, right? And I had to get to the airport at like four in the morning. Um, I slept in my shoes. I slept wow, on top wow. of the sheets in my shoes because when my alarm went off, I just sat up, grabbed my suitcase, and got a taxi. That sounds like a rookie, man. I'll be honest with you. Really? Yeah. I did not want to have to deal with anything <laughs> at 3.21 in the morning. That is pretty early. I will be honest with you. Did you sleep on the plane? I don't remember that part. But I do remember thinking, do I take my shoes off? <laughs> no, nah, I'm gonna sleep in my shoes. I don't know if I can. I, I don't think I've ever slept in my shoes. It's really. I mean, I've I've done it. I'm sure yeah. I've done it. Not on purpose, though. but yeah, and it's not like it, it not was to, kind of nice. Just I mean, no, it wasn't nice. I mean, because I smelled like shawarma. <laughs> like I was like oozing Indian shawarma. Like I do smell. dig shawarma. So, um, by the way, we've crushed into twelve o'clock, so we've lost any coherence. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Good thing there's no one from Pacific Time Zone that we have to wait yeah. for. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. We have uh, Jason still in. Um, yeah, we got Central. No Mountain. Yeah, still in Central. So you're still still in 2014. Still stuck in 2014. Ooh, stuck in the past. So last year. Yeah. Catch up, damn it. <laughs> I'm so 2008. You're so 2008. I will say, after having watched football on Sunday night in the Eastern Time Zone, I did miss the Central Time Zone, so I could be done at a reasonable time oh. and still get a decent night's sleep. So. It was really weird when I was in Tucson because I, I was, uh, you know, I was waiting for uh, like at midnight to be on, and I, I you know, turn on at, at midnight, and uh, it was not on yeah. because it was on at ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> because it was because uh, they were technically in. They're in Mountain Time. They're in Mountain Time, yeah. but it's Arizona, so they were actually in like Central Time. Yeah, they, actually, don't, that's true. Yeah, yeah. they don't do yeah. daylight savings time, so yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really weird. Yeah, because I go to El Paso in two weeks, and they follow that same yeah. dilemma. So. But yeah, it, it, it was weird realizing that I was uh, three hours or two hours ahead of everybody else that I was talking to. It's... It, Acclimating to that when you're only there for a couple of days is very strangely very difficult. Even though when I was like in Japan, it was easy because it was yeah it was 15 difference. hours or something or 12 hours ahead. That was different than two hours. It was it was so it was easier mm-hmm. to acclimate myself to the time than it was just being two hours ahead. Right. Yeah, I was, I was either eight or nine hours ahead in Kuwait, when, uh, depending yeah. on uh, daily savings time. My kids have some recovered from that, so they still think like, oh, daddy, it should be like, you. it's nighttime, or it's daytime yeah. here and nighttime there. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm with you now, so <laughs> you know, it's not the same, so. I mean, I mean, for Davey, right, I mean, he really didn't know you before you, you went over there too, too much, right? I mean, it was, how old was he when you left for um, Kuwait? Let's see. That was what? Shoot. About a year. I left in September 
of last year. So he was uh, just under two. So I was I thought he yeah. was even younger than that. No, he was he was. So he kind of knew me, but he definitely knew. Um, obviously, instant messaging, Skype, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Makes it hey, we were talking earlier about like his, Dave's been deployed several times since two thousand two, yeah. and um, how much technology has advanced in each yeah. of his deployments. And like this, like I mean, two thousand nine was it the first time where he was in Iraq and Facebooking regularly? You know, like I can't believe that I can keep up with what Dave is doing. That's because my wife forced me onto Facebook at the time. So, right. Just because it was easier to share, uh, significantly easier to share pictures that way versus try to upload them to an yeah. email. So, yeah. and uh, you know, and you then, could Skype too, right? I mean, you could do that. Yeah, our, our internet at the time wasn't quite quick enough to make Skype completely usable. But um, by the time I was in Kuwait last year, if I didn't log on to Skype at a certain time, my wife thought I was dead. So, <laughs> well, he's in Kuwait. <laughs> and I was in dinner. You were mentioning you like you know, he's in Kuwait. He's he's. Serving overseas, you know, uh, probably not a battle zone, right? Or whatever, no, but, no, my God, yeah, no. Right. But, you know, 4G hotspot, Bluetooth on his car. And... Yeah, I was driving around the, uh, with a 4G Wi-Fi hotspot in my pocket, listen, awesome. streaming serious to my uh, Bluetooth uh, SUV, SUV <laughs> as I'm driving around going to dinner in Kuwait City. So, Do you have a Thank roller? You. I do. Why are we pulling out our dicks now? No, already, no, I, oh I my gosh. To, I want to point out something very interesting. And, and don't worry, Microsoft bought Skype, so it sucks now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, we did use a lot of Viber, actually, at, at the time, just to, just for communication. So, so the ruler is uh, 12 inches long, <laughs> yes. as, all, as all of us know. Uh, a nanosecond light travels 11.8 <laughs> inches. Okay. So, uh, so this is almost the same. This is a nanosecond of light. The the, the, the fastest that something can travel. Uh, and so you think about. Um, I, I was I was watching a video <laughs> from from Grace Hopper. She was a, a right. vice admiral mm-hmm. uh, in in the navy, and she was having she was talking about how uh, there were. People, all the admirals were saying, "How come I can't get my data quicker? How come I can't get my, my data quicker?" And she was saying, <laughs> so she passed out length of wires that were roughly this, like eleven point eight inches long. She said, "Well, you have all these nanoseconds to get to the satellite and then to come back down, and that's why I can't go quick because this is the fastest you can go. This, this, this is a lot of nanoseconds up to the satellite and a lot down." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really cool sort of way to right. illustrate. Consumption versus bandwidth is a, yeah. is a significant issue. So as we continue to um, add programs that consume large amounts of bandwidth, our ability to transmit it is doesn't uh, increases as dramatically as as our consumption does. So that's one of the. In two thousand nine, I was on the end of a very narrow straw. At one point, I was buying internet off of a Kuwaiti guy off of satellite <laughs> bandwidth uh-huh. for seventy dollars a month for basically dial up speeds. So um, yeah, we, we, we get very used to uh, broadband here in the States, but you don't realize a lot of times you get overseas, although their cellular technology is significantly greater than U.S., the rest of it kind of lags behind. So It's interesting. Yeah, all of Kuwait was covered with 4G with no issues. So Wow. Yeah, although the country is very small. so Wendy was in South Korea a long time ago, huh? Yeah, they like, probably, they probably, like an eternity ago. Well, they so. probably didn't have their amazing... No, that was well before the cell phone technology was that great, so. Which they basically live by by now, so. Dave's wife was in the Army as well. So 4G is is local, but not 
internet. Well, like you couldn't use 4G for Skype or something like that? Well, uh, I mean, over there, 4G covers the whole country, but you're talking about a very flat area of land right. that's, yeah. that's very easy to cover, you know. Um, I haven't. I don't have a 4G phone, so I, don't, I couldn't tell you what the coverage here is here in the states. I know it's. I don't know if it's as great as they say on the commercials, um, but you know that would be up to someone else. To it's spotty. So, I yeah. mean, well, the U.S. is big, right? I mean, the U.S. is a very large land area, uh, and. There's a lot of spaces where there's like nobody. There's yeah. like the amount of people per space is just there's you know three people. per Just go west of mile. Kansas City. And... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even just west of the Alleghenies. <laughs> well, maybe like the yeah. 1700s. So. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty rough. Uh, that, that was a line from Thirty Rock um, uh, when uh, when Jenna told 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 Liz all of everybody's model west of the Allegheny <laughs> I thought the line from 30 Rock was all you need is an old dick for a lemon party that's another line from, from the actual line is it, it, it's not a lemon party without old dick that's it <laughs> which go ahead look up lemon party on your on on your Google and, uh, and enjoy. Don't don't look up Lemon Party. It's just it's... Yeah, right after you guys look up Goatsy, right? Yeah. Oh, Goatsy. I don't know. What's worse? No, Goatsy's worse. Yeah. Because Lemon Party is just some people enjoying themselves, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Well, I Go- think the Goatsy guy's enjoying himself as well. Well, but... yeah, but the Goatsy is more like uh, it, it's more. I don't know. Icky. <laughs> They're both icky, um, but one is icky for for social reasons, and the other is icky for Dist- bodily bodily distension. Yeah, bodily distension reasons, and that's more icky, I think. I guess. How does he do that? What, well, what? on that note, I'm, I'm actually going to be heading out for the night. So. You oh, leave it on the we scared you off. We scared you off. Huh? <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, no, Greg. Thanks. thanks for joining us. Anybody else have any gross things to share on the internet? Oh, Jason just flipped up his hood, apparently. Oh, we got a hoodie. Trayvon Martin. <laughs> no one's holding... Minnesota tonight. Oh, the phone's ringing in Tom's <laughs> beer cellar. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's kind of a it's kind of a Fargo look. I finished Fargo, by the way. Yeah, what yeah. you think? Oh, it was great. It was great. That was pretty good. I loved it. I loved Fargo. You know, you're from a Fargo that's called Woodchipper. Woodchipper. <laughs> of course. Ah, why of shouldn't course. there be? Why shouldn't there be? Oh man. That, I man, Martin Freeman turns into like just, especially the last episode, like the very end of the second last episode, like, oh okay, I really hate this guy, <laughs> which helps. What are they going to do for season two? They're going back. They they had some talk in uh, Fargo. I don't you know spoilers, but they had, there there was some discussion of a 1979 case. Okay, they're going back to that. It's going to it, it's going to go back in time and cover that 1979 case that they were that they talked about like the last two episodes of the season that they they alluded to rather they didn't okay. really talk about much they said like, it was a bloodbath or whatever so it's cool yeah 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's more of an anthology, right? Where it yeah. kind of gets rebooted each time. I was curious how they were going to do that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I liked the idea, and it was so well made. I mean, oh, and Billy Bob Thornton, you're right. Billy Bob Thornton plays a great character. Oh, yeah. Like, the kind of just, just the, the, the devil incarnate, in a sense, right? I mean, both evil and charming mm-hmm. in, in equal measure. Yeah. Oh, I have to watch that again. That was... <laughs> the Fargo series on FX. Is yeah, I remember you guys talking about it. I haven't watched it. I'm still stuck on stupid reality TV shows uh, and a little TV that I watch. So. Have any of you guys watched Review from Andy Daly? No. Oh, too bad you're missing out. <laughs> so I, I got a question for you, Greg. Yeah. Uh, I just listened to the Doug Loves movies um, where the eight crazy guests of Christmas... Oh, that that was funny, but the twelve guests of Christmas was even better. Yeah, it was so. I, I listened to twelve, but the eight, eight. So I realized something. Okay. That um, there are only three people doing the eight. Well, guests. well, I didn't realize. Well, here's a couple things. This, right, okay. this is like a rabbit hole. It's the whole way down. Okay. I um, when Andrew Lloyd Webber was introduced, that's when I realized. Oh. So yeah, Paul Tompkins is playing Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Werner Herzog, right, and somebody else. And then someone else was playing Jesse Ventura. Yeah, and that's uh, James Adomian is playing is is playing Jesse Ventura and um, uh, Gary Busey, and Dan Van Kirk was playing Steven Seagal and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, and <laughs> so there was another character there that I'm missing. There's Vic or whoever, right? Oh, that's Vic. That that that's also um, James Adomian. Right. Right. So when they got, so I was just listening casually, right? right. Like not critically analyzing it. And when they got and they introduced Andrew Lloyd Webber, I'm like, oh, that's Paul Tompkins, right? And I started listening more. I'm like, oh, because there was also um, Gary Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall, right? Right. And I'm like, and then I'm like, wait a second. Because previously, and this is where you're going to laugh at me, I thought the previous appearances of Werner Herzog <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg <laughs> were real. So now I'm listening more skeptically, right? And the Werner Herzog is, is not solid. Like like he's he's not sure where he wants to go. And what he says, he sounds like a he sounds like a parody of himself. You where, seriously thought that Werner Herzog and and the Mark and the Mark Wahlberg were the real? previous appearances? Mark Wahlberg from uh, Antiques Roadshow or the actual Mark Wahlberg? The Marky Mark. Marky Mark. From <laughs> um, well, I never had thought. Doing lines with Mark. I, mean, <laughs> I thought he had a good sense of humor. <laughs> and then I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, I've been played for like years now. I'm just, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's, it's always been. And I noticed well the, I noticed the quotation marks, yeah, right? Yeah. So now I'm like, shit. Yeah, no. Mark and Greg's Walbert gonna is, have a ball when Mark I tell Walbert him this. Mark has never been on, on Douglas movies. Neither has Werner Herzog. It's always been Paul Tompkins <laughs> or Dan Van Kirk. <laughs> I never but, thought I was being played. Well, hey, I mean, that just goes to show how great an impression is But there, But right? now, <laughs> now I'm listening to Werner Herzog more skeptically, and it wasn't as good, right? It seemed more... Like, 
previously it sounded like it was a real guy. Now it sounded like a character all of a sudden. It's a character. It but is it a didn't character. Sound, but I never noticed this character like it's a character who hates all nature. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just I'm. I, I'm not afraid to let you laugh at me. I just I wanted to share the like Werner Herzog sounded more real person until I realized whoa, it's it's just comedy bang bang. You know that's that's all the all like I can't believe all of these Doug Loves movies were just impersonations. Shit. <laughs> Any of you guys listen to Doug Loves movies or? Any or comedy bang bang? I think we lost everyone. <laughs> Is everyone yeah. still there? Uh, here's somebody. Oh. Jason, Jason, give me a thumbs down. He's muted. Uh, Steve, are you there? Steve's Steve's back to his avatar for some reason. Yeah. Turned, off, turned off his camera. He's probably away from his camera. Away from okay. the computer. Well, I mean, no, I. <laughs> That's very funny. I, I do need I need um, laugh. Because once I realized that, I'm like, oh my god, that was probably never... No, and and no. I don't know who Werner Holtzog is. I, I, I actually kind of liked when he was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't seem over the top until today. Mm-hmm. And today it was an over the top character caricature. Yeah. But in the past, I never noticed because I wasn't looking for a caricature. <laughs> That's it never seemed over the top. That's that is that is unbelievable. And the same hilarious. with Mark Wahlberg. You know, I thought he was just playing up Mark Wahlbergish, not a caricature of him. <laughs> He's talking about Donnie and like Donnie's driving him around. And no, that was that. once. That was after I realized. <laughs> Because usually it was just doing lines with Mark, and then he was like, gone, right? I'm like, that's weird that Mark Wahlberg would come into Douglas Movies for a 30-second bit, but maybe they're buds. I don't know. <laughs> come laugh at me. I'm being honest here. I'm, I'm no. sharing my heart with you. you. He's opening up to you, Chris. There's nothing wrong with, 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 with laughing at the fact that you did that, but I, I'm, not, like, I'm not judging you because of it. It's still funny. I know it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's judging you. No, I'm not judging you. I don't. I don't think any less of Jeff because he did that. But I still think it's funny. It's funny that Jeff was like fooled by it. It's like when you read the comment section on like the Onion. Yeah, yeah. Or, or for the military, there's a. Oh. I don't know if you've seen the site. There's called the site. It's called the Duffel Blog. It's like the Onion for military stuff. And it's ridiculous to read the comments section on there. It's much like the Indian. Yeah. Some will go off completely. I've seen, yeah, I've seen that. Like they were going to like assign ranks to spouses and right. people are on there like, this is bull, you know, Have I, you ever seen I'm not site? saluting them type thing. And All right. Like, so hey, Dave, hey. I got a question for you. Yeah. I saw on Facebook the other day, you shared the five things that people in the military know that the average American doesn't know, right? Yes. And number one was the metric system. Yes. So it is 19 degrees Fahrenheit outside right now. What is it in Celsius? I don't know. I only deal with distances. Distances, so. okay. What? It's it's although, degrees Fahrenheit. Although I used to, I used to set my air, yeah, I used to set my air conditioner rack to about thirty-two, so that was good enough for me. So, nineteen degrees Fahrenheit. What is in Celsius? Happy New Year! I'm back. Hey, hey. It's you miss Jeff being embarrassed. But that was <laughs> oh, it was pretty funny. It you can listen funny. to the podcast. <laughs> Uh, Tune in at about uh, three hours. 
and uh, you'll you'll get the you'll get the good stuff. What would that be like? Negative uh, negative nine Celsius. Negative seven. Yeah, it's close enough for yeah. the gut feel of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as you didn't do the whole five minus no, minus no, every two math in your head. <laughs> I just was like thinking about how the ratio. No, I deal with that a lot. Like talking with my dad and his buddies, obviously about like I talk I talk in terms of metric when it comes to distances. They're mm-hmm. used to talking, especially especially when we're walking. They're they're used to talk, you know dealing with metric or uh, imperial. So well, I mean, I like to think well, about it, like. It all depends on what you're used to, right? Yes. So I've been, you listen to the show, you probably know this, I've been working on getting a gut feel for what temperature conversion is. Yes. And, and I have varying degrees of success. Greg showed me this app called Celsius Height. Where is it? I thought I had it installed. Yeah, the, the app shows both Celsius and Fahrenheit yeah. at the same time for at least two now, different Now, I've bitched that the local TV news should show this on the TV screen. If yeah. they did this every night for the five-day forecast... Show it to our listeners. If they did this every night for the five-day forecast, people would get used to what... You know, that 67F is the same as 20C yeah. or something like that. And that's apparently the temperature in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm not sure why my Celsius height <laughs> is set to Honolulu and Copenhagen, but that's what it's set to. I mustn't have set it after I... I must say, you, you telling me it was 19, degree, 19 degrees was easier for me to figure out than if you were to say it was 67 degrees. Because you say it was 19 degrees Fahrenheit, I meant, okay, it was below freezing. Right, so you got a negative, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, okay, but not too far below freezing. Yeah. So it was easier. If you would have said 67, I would not have said 20. That's just mu- like muscle memory. Though, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. But uh, I mean, I mean, metric system is great for. But this for is the same thing, right? I mean, you start running a three k, five k, or you know, something's a couple clicks away. You you have a gut feel for how far that is, absolutely. Right? And your dad has no idea how far a click is. I mean, even I know that that's about. One point six, six miles in, yeah. in a. It's about yeah. It's about club. six but, tenths of a mile. But if you if you read that thing, yeah, then you saw we talk we talk kilometers, kilometers we talk meters, but we measure our PT test in miles. Yeah, so, right. you know what I mean. So we train to talk metric system, but we measure well, our test yeah. in miles. Well, so. so they talked about how you know three point whatever yeah. kilometers doesn't sound as good as well. But that's kind of why we don't have a decimal clock right now, right? Because if you use the 10 base clock a second is too long or a second is too short an hour is too long well, it's you know, all arbitrary thing. i mean i've made this point plenty of it's, times it's all arbitrary but there's yeah. also there's also this like so if you had 100 seconds is an hour 100 hour or 10 hours is a day an hour is too long to what we're used to you know that kind of thing but oh, we get used to it yeah. you would Dude, get, you wouldn't this, get used to it it's like it's it's much like that article said it the people that came up with the system we currently use no longer use it, so maybe we should learn from them. So right, you know. So I mean, the the, the decimal clock, the ten hour clock for a day. Why are like, we using a sexagesimal system? Why are we still stuck with that? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I have the proper reason, but switching <laughs> switching an entire population of people from from the twenty four hour clock to a ten hour clock. You know, it wouldn't be thinks, that hard. I mean, it would take some time initially, and, but it was like I have. The, it would be that. Hard. There, there are some pictures of, um, 
I forget what it switching was. Switching to metric for distance and volume would be easier than switching to a decimal clock. There are some pictures of... I'm some, not sure Greg has some, ever talked to anyone over the age of 50. Some area where, where they changed the the way that the that they were driving to the... Because you know, actually, you know, the American salad of driving on, on the right and left is is the normal one. It is, is the one yes. that's in, in most areas. And it's the English one that, that, that is... Uh, that is strange. Um, they change it for in one area. I, f- I forget where I saw the picture, but like the day they changed it, it was it was chaos. But over time, people adapted. People will adapt. I mean, even most places that were colonized you, by the British actually drive on the right hand yeah, side of the road. So. Yeah. No, what I'm saying is about the decimal clock. I, I really don't want to. I don't know for any of our <laughs> listeners. I don't know if Steve or Jason or Tom really care, care about our Pocha type shit, but. Uh, this was Sweden on the driving. It was Sweden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Someone actually paid attention. Yeah. It must be getting cold in Minnesota. First, <laughs> he put more clothes on. So. First, he puts the hood up. Now he's got a tassel on. After midnight, it gets fucking cold in Minnesota. <laughs> Bemidji, in Bemidji, Don't Minnesota. You know? Don't you know? Yeah. I think one of the reasons the decimal clock hasn't caught on is that the, the, the 24-hour clock, there's so many, and Greg, you'll hate it, is there's so many ways that you, eight hours and six hours, increment into it easier than if you had a 10-hour clock. No, I that, don't hate it. I think, that, I think that's actually a, a, a great point. I think that, you know, I, I've mentioned before that base 12 is really the best system because it's so divisible. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Be, I mean, if we were to go with what would be, you know, objectively the the best system in terms of its divisibility, in terms of the way we can measure, it would be base twelve. Okay. But we go yeah. with base I mean, ten. Let's look at the decimal clock right now, because a day, every you know, if there's ten hours in a day, then every hour would be two point four of our current hours. Right. And then if there was a hundred minutes in an hour, that is. Um, Too many beers. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out the math to figure out how many minutes a too minute. Too many is. beers. Too many beers. Sorry, Chef. Too many beers. Yeah, I, well, when I started this conversation, I'm like, can I do the math on the fly at this point at night? But, okay, so if I want to take 2.4 hours, oh, just divide it by 100, right? So, <laughs> so then each minute would be... Yeah, point to Greg on this. <laughs> 24, 24 seconds? Is that right? No, multiply by 6 and then divide by 100. Mm-hmm. Multiply by 6? Yeah. Because there's 60, because <laughs> we're used to 60 oh, minutes. At least I think that's the way it's supposed to work. Okay, so a minute would be. I've been too. So a minute would be 14 minutes. Right, so that, that I mean that's better. that's a huge jump in what we're used to, right? right? right. Saying, oh, I'll be there in a minute. But we no, sub- you'll be there in a football we, minute. But we subdivide <laughs> that. But we subdivide that by ten. So we, you know, well then that's a or so we have second. one point. So 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 uh, so whatever, and we wouldn't necessarily call it a second. We call it whatever we'd call it, but it would be one point four minutes. Would and that was not that big of a deal, right? I mean, well, I mean, at that point, you might want a deciminute, right? Um, or because a sentiment, yeah. a sentiment would be a second, but you might have an actual thing that's a deciminate right. at that point, right? One tenth of a minute, and you'd probably call it something else because I mean, but you don't use decimeters, right? 
I mean, it's a you thing. Could. You know, it's a thing, but you, no one uses it. People use centimeters and meters. Right. So you really wouldn't use a deciminute, even though a deciminute would be kind of close-ish to a second, I think. Dave's just shaking I mean, we use meters, we use I think this only appeals to guys like We use meters, we use kilometers. What's that? We use meters, we use kilometers. We don't use kilometers. No one in America uses Because... I forget. That's something to do with distance versus speed. No, no. It's it's, it's because meter is a term for length. Okay. And ometer is a term for a measuring device. Okay. So So a kilometer would be a tape measure. Basically, yeah. Like a speedometer or a pedometer. So a kilometer is... That's why we call them clicks. Yeah. See, I think... Yes. Yeah. Maybe everyone here is too young, but I still remember <laughs> growing up as a kid that the speed limit signs used to be posted. Major interstates would be both kilometers and miles per hour. Was it in the seventies? Where I, it's eighty-eight <laughs> kilometers is fifty-five miles an hour, and that's yeah. the only thing I can do. Yeah. Don't get me anything else I can do. <laughs> I can't that. drive eighty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you were to buy a, a car in Canada, yeah, the Queen's they Highway, have both in, miles in Canada. and uh, one twenty right? and yeah. kilometers, so they have that or kilometers, well, most, I should say. Your electronic dashes you can set to yeah. the other, so yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, and I was trying to think if if my car has that, but no, it probably doesn't. After driving one twenty overseas, it, it's kind of a downer to come home to American driving miles per hour. So. <laughs> but it's just yeah. but it <laughs> it's a mental, a it's, a me- thing. it's a mental thing. Yeah, so. it, it, it's it's weird that that has that yeah. plays a part. The the, the higher number. Even though it's, it, it, it's, it's not much of a difference. It plays yeah. a part. Yeah, yeah. no, it's definitely it, it, it's it, it's also a downer to drive in Pennsylvania after driving yeah. the rest of America. So, <laughs> yeah, being in Pennsylvania is just a downer. To the border, it's seventy miles an hour. You're telling me, man, I drove twelve hours. I get to Washington, <laughs> Pennsylvania, and I thought I was crawling for the last hour of my drive. What'd you pull out there, Jeff? Barrel aged narwhal. Oh wow, Sierra Nevada Narwhal. Okay, cool. Narwhal, narwhal, swimming in the ocean, causing a commotion because they are so awesome. Okay, that transporter thing from the Acura commercial, Alexis, can you get that to me, please? So the inter- the most interesting thing I saw in my drive here was a enclosed Lexus trailer of cars. Okay. And then I passed a uh, open car carrier of Teslas <laughs> on the way here. Okay. So, which I thought was interesting. So, and the Teslas weren't on fire, right? They were not on fire, and they were, were also completely exposed to the environment. So, <laughs> what you expect from a two hundred thousand dollars electric car? So, they're only making the uh, the S series right now. They're not making the Roadster anymore. I don't think. I think it's just the S. Yeah, they were all four doors. So, from what I saw. I was just honestly just trying to pass, so. Fucking Teslas. So, how often do you get to Kansas City? Um, depends. A couple times a month, more than likely, depending on what's going on. Is okay, that- uh, a friend of mine, a barbecue friend of mine, opened a restaurant up earlier this year in Westport, Q39. Okay. 
highly, highly recommend it. Q39, I'll, I will be there. Give me a sister. Yeah. I w- um, we've we've been there. We've only been there a few months. Um, when I came up in June, I took my wife down to Oklahoma Joe's, now known as obviously Kansas City Joe's, uh, based it's on the Kansas na- City Joe's now. Yes, it is based on the name change. Um, took her down to Shawnee, or I went to Shawnee. So uh, I t- I promised her when we got back I'd take her down there uh, to show her the difference. You know, we've lived in Carolina, we've lived in Texas, uh, we've had Memphis barbecue, but I, I'm still a firm believer that uh, now Kansas City Joe's is some of the best uh, barbecue I've ever had. So uh, Q39 will not disappoint. Okay, I, I look forward to it. And so. it's heresy, but do the sausage, the jalapeno sausage. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, I'm a big fan of sausages, and the one thing that, that kind of disappoints me about some of the barbecue places in Kansas City is that they don't do sausage, so... What was the place we went to in Brooklyn? Oh, uh, Sal. <laughs> Holy shit. It's next level, next level bunker. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is incredible. I mean, well, it's New York. Yeah, Jeff asked me if I had barbecue today when I was out on Route 228. I said no. I passed based on... The fact that I don't well, live in, yeah. I don't live in they, Kansas City. They want the double and, uh, wide lunch, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. Double wide is some of the best slow cooked meats. I don't know if I was saying barbecue, but slow cooked meats. Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, but yeah, then I realized as soon as it came out of my mouth, like, oh wait, you spent time in Texas yeah. and you live in Kansas City. Might not be up to your standards. <laughs> but but Finisau was like gourmet barbecue. Was, yeah, it was it was. Unbelievable! It was gourmet downscale, though, right? Because you like it's it's all like deli counter service. You walk yeah. up and you order what you want. And they slice it off and you buy it. And then you sit down at the yeah. picnic table. See what I found though is I think that adds to the the ambiance of the place. And oh, I think, absolutely! I, and I think yeah. you get more out of that than if they had served it to you on a plate. You know, yes. like you would expect from a high class restaurant. Arthur Bryant's um, in Kansas City is very much the same way, and I think their their barbecue is okay. But I think you know. It, their method of delivering the product adds to what you expect. So. I absolutely agree with you. There, there, there's something I don't know, sort of, not quite primal, but there's there's yes. a there, there's a contextual thing about mm-hmm. getting it in that sense, in, in just sort of the the family style sense yes, that absolutely. that gives it a a, a better. Um, I don't know, just a kick that you don't get if you were just get oh a little, you know a couple strips on a plate and and, and a knife and fork and something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. If Jeff makes it out to Kansas City, I will make sure he gets I'm, down. I'm there. sure that there is stuff as good as Fedasau out there mm-hmm. in other places, but... Maybe him and Greg should drive to Denver the next is time. Is there stuff of, better? Instead of flying, <laughs> drive so. through to Denver. Oh, my God. Is that like a hell worse? It's only another 10 hours to Denver from Kansas City. So. Oh. <laughs> I'm headed to Denver in a couple weeks for... Actually, for barbecue, for the Barbecue Society... And it's the first time in Colorado. I've been to the airport, but I don't count airports as being in a state. Do you, do you come down for the American Royals barbecue in Kansas City? I go out and work it every year. Okay, I will be there next year. I'll make sure I try to look you up. So, it's awesome. I'll be locked away in a room king in scores. <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be weed smoked barbecue in Denver. Weed I mean, why shouldn't barbecue. there be, right? I guess you're right. It, it, it's unless, it, unless it tastes like ass. I had that discussion with my dad this week. So yeah. you, you've got the CNBC or whatever special on pot in America. Right. Uh, this guy says he's making $9 million a year off based off of his pot dispensary. You know, they're taxing, I think, at 25% for the state. 
I, I think it's only a matter of time before. Oh, it, everyone... it, it, it's going to be national. I'm surprised it took so long. I, I just saw. Uh, uh, I, 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 DC, I, I mean, DC tried, but but Congress said no. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, just, I just read an article this morning about the uh, former senator from Alaska is now a CEO for kind yeah. or something. Like I meant that. it. I'm surprised they're it took do, so short. Yeah, that's well, they're going to do yeah. weed uh, in, infused product type stuff, mm-hmm. right? So. So, yeah, because because now Alaska's allowing it, right? Alaska's is is it is it legal? Totally, it's legal in in Washington as it's legal in I Colorado. The, I forget the senator's name, but this is the dude that read the Pentagon Papers. Yeah, yeah. you know, filibustered the Pentagon Papers to get them, you know, put into the public record type thing. So, and he's always been against the um, yeah the war on drugs. And, well, there's no, I and, mean, and and, and what, what the thing Nixon look did, at this so. stuff that we're drinking. I mean, come on. <laughs> To, to to say that marijuana is 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 worse than this is uh, an obvious fallacy. The only way you can say that is that you know in, in you're smoking it as opposed to drinking it. Yeah. That that's the only way in which it it possibly could could it, it impact differently. But it's clearly not as toxic nor as uh, as as harsh and as and really it's it, it's not as. Um, uh, Activity changing as alcohol because yeah. I mean people really do change when they're under severe. Alcohol. Now, I wonder what history is going to look back at prohibition versus marijuana being a Schedule One yeah. drug on the Controlled Substances Act. Right, uh, probably gonna be very similar. You know, in another twenty thirty years. So the the interesting part from my perspective is the DoD put out a huge policy on the fact that although the state of Colorado has made marijuana a it, okay um, based on the fact that all army and DOD posts are federal property um, they made sure that to try to understand that although soldiers regardless cannot partake in uh, marijuana their family members also cannot bring that onto the federal installation because of the fact that although it's in the, resides in the state of right. of Colorado it's that it's so still federal, federal yeah, property right, right. and I read uh, there was a few articles in the Wall Street Journal in the last couple months talking about the fact that uh, the marijuana dispensaries are having issues because federal uh, banks will not take the money they make because yeah. it's drug money, for lack of a better term. Um, federally, they have to report that t- to to the government, uh, so they don't want to get into the gray yeah. area of that. So they so these guys are having to guard it with personal security details right. and things like that because they can't put their money in a bank. So. Well, the latest omnibus made it easier because yeah. the latest omnibus that was pre- passed by Congress uh, allowed for. Or, or told the DEA not to oh, interesting. go yeah. after um, marijuana, uh, legal marijuana. Or, you know, Which is interesting because it's still yeah. federal law yeah. that says they can't, but well, now the, we're telling the, government the, agencies don't enforce federal law. The real law, problem, so. and, and this is something that I only recently learned like a, a, like uh, six months ago or so, is that there's a there's a treaty that we signed on to an international kind of like narcotics treaty that treats marijuana as a schedule as a narcotic and uh and that's part of the problem that's that's you know that that is an issue that is because we'd have to either change the way we react to treaty or or do something Mm -hmm. because we we are signed onto a treaty that says that marijuana is one of those drugs we are that we are you know not going to uh, allow and here we have various areas actually what is I, th- I think it's close to half the states have some sort of medical marijuana yeah. law and soon Pennsylvania will too 
I want to say it's 20 states. Yeah. This morning has 20 states. So, yeah. Ohio, Ohio does. Is not one of them. Oh, really? I thought Ohio had something. No, not yet. It'll happen. As I... far as I know, Delaware has it, but you can't get it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> when we were in Denver, I desperately wanted Jeff to, <laughs> to get Jeff stuff. But, uh, well, but last year or two years ago, two years ago, you had to have a citizenship yeah, type yeah. card, right? You couldn't get it as a tourist. Yeah. But th- this year, uh, now tourist, it's a quarter of a gram or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, the, uh, yeah, quarter of an ounce, I think. This year, we're going to, we're probably going to Great American Grandparents yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm I, definitely. I, I told Greg earlier, I got to get final approval, but I'm pretty sure yeah. we're going this year. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to get Jeff, you know, Jeff doesn't want to smoke it. More in response, folks. Get Jeff some edibles. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I have such a thing against oh, smoking. Hold on. Be careful. Yeah, edibles, to, edibles are stronger than 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 the. Colorado's smoke. getting ready to, to 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 outlaw or whatever ban the edibles. Oh really? really? Uh huh. Oh. Because of exactly what you're saying, yeah. the concentrations can't be controlled. Higher, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I could be talked into smoking, but you're, this is. If we do that... a vaporizer, is a lot less Je- damaging. For than... as long as I've known Jeff, he's been very anti-smoking. No, so. I, under- I understand. Anti-smoking it, it, anything. It's not smoking. I've I mean, it's never... not. It's not tobacco. I've <laughs> never had a puff on a cigarette or a cigar or anything. I smoke tons of cigars, so. It's not going to hurt nice you. cigar. I just don't like smoke. I know. I understand. No, I understand. Now, but... I thought the the most interesting thing I saw was the DA backtracked uh, marijuana they had seized, and they said that they had seized marijuana in forty eight local uh, of the of the forty eight yeah. uh, lo- uh, Conus states. They had seized Colorado grown marijuana in all of them. <laughs> so I think it's only a matter of time because. Yeah, obviously, once you yeah. sell it, there's no way to control its trafficking. So I remember walking back from from one of the day from one, yeah, I think yeah. the second day, and and I was I was like talking about it, and somebody's like, "Hey, you have a smoke?" I just you know, did a little couple of puffs on it. I think I think we smelled it first, and then you yeah. said something kind of loud, broadcasting <laughs> your desire for a, a, a smoke of. Yeah, that's how I remember it. Is we yeah. smelled pot, and you broadcasted your desire to get a toke. And Jeff yeah. was a narc and said no. So yeah, well, I mean, well, no, Jeff, Jeff wasn't a narc I mean, it, it wasn't Jeff just didn't want to smoke and I wasn't going to force him to smoke but um, you know a couple puffs on a joint is not going to hurt you but it's actually probably a better way to, to, to get weed than than, than than eating it just because the, of the concentration when you eat it is so str- much stronger that it, it it's it, it it's hard to explain the effects when you haven't experienced it it's like trying to explain how, how drunk how what drunk feels like somebody who's never been drunk, right? It's the same same sort of situation, but it's a lot stronger. Imagine being so drunk after a couple, you know, after some things, as opposed to just being able to really mediate your drunkenness. And that's that's the difference. You also don't know what they obviously what they put in it, so. right? Yeah. So barrel aged narwhal, barrel aged narwhal. I taste the barrel. I taste a um, what an um, imperial stout, essentially. Um, a little um, chocolatey, a little bit toffee notes. Uh, some you know vanilla, oakiness, stuff like that. Certainly, I'd, uh, it's okay. 
Things been out for. Somebody else thinks it's just okay. <laughs> uh, I I think it's good. I it's been out for fifteen minutes now, and it, for me, it's still too cold. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna wrap my hands around here and put some more heat. Well, in I, it. I mean, it's it, it's not it's not jumping out at me with like, oh my god, the flavors and this are so amazing. I mean, they're really good flavors. It's a it's a very drinkable, very uh, well made. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I've had some imperial stouts imperial recently stout. that are more. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, more fulfilling, right? Yeah. You know, you know this this definitely for definitely for the. Now I didn't pay for it, but I bought the case. Right, it was a part of that Christmas beer buy at work, <laughs> and um, yeah, for the price. It's it's an oak aged imperial imperial stout. It's it's decent, but it's not exceptional. I I've I've had that, better imperial stouts. That's where I'm kind of at with the uh, price point being a little bit off right. from the quality. Yeah, I mean this one on was like eighteen dollars and thirty three cents a bottle. Um, distributor yeah, price. Distributor price in price. Pennsylvania. So I bought a case of this for for work. Right, it was like two hundred twenty dollars for the twelve bottle wow. case. That's a lot to pay for this. So so distributor price. This was eighteen thirty three. So like Pennsylvania retail price, you're looking at twenty five twenty eight yeah. dollars for this yeah. bottle. It's not worth. It. It's not that. I mean, it, that is as much as the. Uh, um. Oh, tart or what is it? The um, we've never paid for a brewery beer. I have. Oh, I paid. Okay. I bought two. <laughs> oh, of them. yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> uh, the ones we've done on the show, yeah, never paid for. I bought two of them, and and that's way better than this. Yeah, yeah. I thought that I've had nor- narwhal, and I saw barrel aged, and I saw the price. I'm like, mm. well, if they're charging that price, it must be fantastic. It's not a bad beer. There's nothing. No, it's a very good beer. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. There's nothing. Um, is the issue part of it is regardless of how it turns out they have to charge the the same price for it anyways based on the what goes into it to make sure they meet their margins so yeah I mean that's part and of you don't it. know it's, until it's... it goes out what it's going to taste like so yeah. Yeah. I mean it is what it is you're going to pay for it regardless of what it is yeah. it, it, it's it's just it, it's not look I mean 10 years ago it's we, great it's just a little overpriced yeah I mean, ten years ago when we started the podcast, this would have been amazing. We would have been like gushing over it. We would have called it a wow beer. Now it just seems like, eh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's 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 a good beer. It's a good beer. Yeah, That's a good beer. Is. You know, comparing it to like Founders Imperial Stout, yeah, which is not a craft beer, right? <laughs> right, yeah, not a craft beer anymore. <laughs> Did we lose Jason, or has he changed his? He changed his picture. I think okay. we still have Jason. Yeah, I had the uh, Sierra Nevada. Oh, there the he is. Wild. Uh, you put more clothes on. IPA, the <laughs> Harvest one with the Neo Mexicanas. Hmm. I, I I was about to bring this up earlier, and the topic changed when we were talking about new hops. But the uh, Sierra Nevada Neo Mexicanas was kind of interesting, and I think it was Nathan that said something about cucumber, and I think that was. The uh, 
flavor or aroma. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Ah. And I, I think it was the cucumber where it was melony and sort of tropical, but there was something there. But they put that out and it was kind of crazy and different. And it was maybe under $5. I could be wrong, but five, five bucks for a uh, 22 ounce. And then looking at, at the narwhal bottle aged and being like, wait, that other thing was way more interesting. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. $5 bomber. Pennsylvania has never seen no, such a thing. No. I want to. I want to point out. Thank you, Steve, for 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 pointing out uh, for Jason that uh, ten minutes for Central New Year. So um, your arbitrary point is coming up quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a bad beer at all. In fact, it's a very good beer. And in fact, I'd say you know, yeah. I mean, if if, if someone were to give you a glass of it, absolutely take it. But I wouldn't say, what twenty dollars, twenty five dollars a. I mean, I paid eighteen, you know, as a portion of the case, right? right. And and th- yeah. so that means like twenty five dollars for a yeah. bomber. That that seems a little much. Yeah, it's good beer, not 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 noteworthy enough for that price point. So uh, one thing I've been wanting to to talk about. Let's see. So Tom, you're you're in Delaware, right? Yes. So tell me a little bit about some local breweries, you know, not dogfish. Tell but, us all about. But you know, what do you what do you have to say about local breweries in your area? Well, the one, <laughs> the, the one in uh, that's really making the most waves is probably Mispillion River, I believe. Steve you mentioned, mentioned them earlier, earlier, right? Yeah. And uh, they're putting out some really good stuff. Uh, I guess the. They're one of the few breweries I've visited where I did the 10 sampler and all 10 beers were incredible. Wow. That's impressive. Because usually at least one or two are going to be like, yeah. Yeah, they they had uh, uh, a Berliner Weiss that was like orange flavored. It was called Orange Drank. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Like purple good. drank, orange but orange drank. Orange flavor, but uh, Berliner Weiss. There was <laughs> That's uh, awesome. This year, I've tried Chip Tooth, their Imperial IPA. Uh, excuse me, Imperial. Uh, excuse me, few drinks in. I, I, I'm also <laughs> drinking Westy right now. So. How dare you be drunk? <laughs> <laughs> so the, I'm uh, fucking New Year's. What the fuck, man? Come on. Stout. Um, was very nice. You drinking uh, a West Valeteran? Yes, yes. West D12. Very oh, nice. Is that wow. the, that's the one they produced for the American market, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Very this nice. Is, uh, How is it? I mean, tell me. One into the six pack. So, so, so just tonight. describe <laughs> it for me. I mean, is it, is it awesome? Mediocre? Is it oxidized? Because we've had it twice. And we had three times. Three times. Yeah, that's right. First time, we thought it was awesome. Second two times? Yeah. Well, no. The first two times we we both ranked it for number one. Okay. The, the third time it was oxidized. And then we, well, we yeah. did the interview with Shelton, right? Yeah. And and he mentioned about how that yeah, was that was really I think before the second time. We 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 had it the first time. We interviewed with Shelton. and we We're like, you can't have an oxidized 
uh, Westy, that's no problem. The second time we had it was great, and the third time we had it, it was like, yeah, it's really oxidized. It's pretty. It's not great. Uh, so what is it like? Well, I I bought the uh, six pack when they had the big U.S. release. That's one of the few beers I've stood in line for, and yeah, it's getting a little bit oxidized. Yeah. Uh, it really cleaned up from the first few sips because the first few sips, I was, I was kind of thinking, I can't dump this beer, but I sort of want to, and uh-huh. that sort of dropped <laughs> off, but it's still in the background. A little bit of, not wet paper, but maybe wet cardboard. Right. Yes. So, yeah. so, so, so are you going to drink the rest of those before the end of April? You better. Well, I, I'm thinking of moving the rest of them into the... Uh, 48 degree yeah cooler that uh i think that's 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 your best option keep keep yeah. it keep it at, at its current pace because it's not going to get better probably. so even when we had westy right and and dave just so you're familiar and steve and and jason if you're not familiar i'm pretty sure you guys are west veteran 12 it's a, it's a it's one of the trappist dales west veteran is a very small trappist monastery in belgium <laughs> and for the longest time the beer he's drinking was rated the best beer in yeah. the world. And we had it on the show. The first time we had it, uh, a friend... It was relatively early. It was like episode 12 or 13. A friend of yeah. a friend of mine was over in Belgium and happened to bring a bottle back. Yeah. Kind, kind of by accident. I mean, they knew it was a good beer. They didn't know it was the best beer in the world, right? right? And we drank it, and it was a good beer. It was an overwhelmingly good beer. But it wasn't like obviously the best beer we've ever had and so i came to the conclusion my you know i don't know i'm almost i don't want to speak for greg but i came to the conclusion that you know the way beer advocate works is that the cream rises to the top right, right? And, and i think so my point because, was that it had no flaws it, because it was, it was nobody pretty, is trashing yeah. this beer it floats to the top even though the beer all by itself isn't the best thing you've ever had mm-hmm yeah, and and that's you know, and 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 that that makes sense, and it, it's generally true. I mean, you drink that beer, you think this is a great beer, this is yeah. a fantastic beer, this is really well done. I don't see a flaw with it. I mean, it's better, it's better than a narwhal. I mean, it, it 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 had flavors to it, it had complexity, it had the things that you like, but it, it wasn't amazing like the stuff that we found later, and. It just you know it, it kind of grew in, in in its legendary status. Yeah. Do you think the scarcity adds ten to twelve percent uh, onto its popularity? Yes. That beer is notoriously because hard because to few find. Pe- very few people are, have the right, ability yeah. to get it, so yeah. it then adds to well, the greatness a, of it because of the fact that you can't get it. I talk about tasting yes. the rare. You can yeah. do you have the rare. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> do, do you have the gene that lets you taste rare? So it's hard it's hard to get a full gamut of reviews on it because so few people have it. Right. So if you do have and it, they work you so don't want to be as, you almost yeah. don't want to say that it was it wasn't yeah. what you thought because your mind tells you that it's better than it was. At the time it was sold at the monastery and at a, a place right outside the monastery. Yeah. That was the only place that you was could get it. it. And they tried to make sure that people didn't export it. I mean, they, they worked hard to make sure people didn't export yeah. it. So they were... So it was like actively making it rare. And so now they've released it for the American... I didn't even realize they released it for the American Well, market, they, needed, they, they needed a new roof. 
yeah, even harder so than apples. One time so. release in the U.S. market, and that's what Tom's drinking there. Um, it didn't really make it out this way. We didn't get the opportunity yeah. to try to grab some. I'm not sure. Yeah, I they were uh, trying to repair some things at the building, so uh, they released it in the U.S. in certain markets, and uh, Delaware was lucky enough to be one that's of them. Cool. I would have bought it. I would have, you know, got at least a six pack because I mean, it was eighty-five dollars a six pack. <laughs> I would have done it. I would have done it because of. In, in in a sense, sort of what it had meant to to the craft, and sort of as a as a nostalgic thing in a sense, it, it, yeah. what it has meant to to craft beer and what it has meant to you know Belgian beer and stuff like that. I would have done it just you know as a one time thing. It would not have done it like a yearly thing. Oh, every year I'm going to buy an eighty five dollar you know six pack of beer. But I would have done it once. I, right. I, I can see myself doing that. Um, yeah, I felt I was doing my part to build the. Uh, give back to the brewery yeah. that was yeah was doing this because they were taking the money to rebuild uh, buildings at the uh, monastery. Yeah, and and they're making. I mean, one of what is, still is a fantastic beer, and still yeah. and was for a time clearly one of the best beers in the world. And you know, just to sort of like. As an appreciation for that, I, I, I would have done that and, and and gotten some beer out of it. That, that, that's a good enough reason, I think. It, it's it's it, it's a it's a once it's a one time thing. It's not a yearly thing, right, right. a one time thing. But I would have done it. But then we've had oh, uh, Jason left us. Oh, Happy New oh, Year, Jason. Yeah. I was going to make a big deal. He disappeared from the frame, but yeah. Happy oh, yes. Jason. Oh, there he is. I see his fingers. Hey, hey, happy, New happy, New happy New Year. May all acquaintance uh, be forgot. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. No one, no one cares about the central time zone. I've been there. <laughs> Nothing drops. Nothing, no one cares. Well, the worst is the mountain. Isn't mountain worse like, than central? Yeah. Mountain is worse than central Cent- because... Central's caught in the middle between... Yeah, because at least, at least they say... say there's eight. fireworks in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, at least it's say eight thirty, seven thirty Central. They don't talk about mountain because well, <laughs> Central and Mountain. Mountain has to like because they're, they're is, like eating dinner and yeah, watching yeah, prime yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. You know? yeah. Monday football starts like when they're still at yeah, work. So. Exactly. Except when it comes to buying your saver tickets or something. <laughs> 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 oh man. I'm so glad we don't have to buy saver. Do you guys tickets. want any more beer? Are you guys good? I'm the one that doesn't have to go anywhere tonight. I- I'm good, so I'm a little bit more. I think I can do it. I got a Berliner Weiss, something lower in alcohol. Yeah, Start. bring it on. All right. In fact, my wife texted me and said, make sure you're responsible on the way home tonight. <laughs> I may stay an hour or two. We'll <laughs> see. I have my, I brought uh, with me from work the Oculus oh, Rift yes. uh, headset so I can try to get it to work on my... Uh, a laptop. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but it, it's worth a shot. <laughs> it, it works on my home computer. Drunk great. and motion sick. Yeah, that, that's awesome. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, hey, why not? I, it, um, I, I was coming from work anyway. So I came from work to one party and then we came to here. So I was like, and, and I borrowed it for, because I, I, I have a game now called Elite. It's a, um, oh. Elite is, is an old it's called actually Elite Dangerous. It's based on an older game called Elite, which was a space uh, game, mm-hmm. space trading sort of game. Um, but it's, I've played it with the Oculus, and it's amazing. 
because in 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 the game like you have in in just a monitor you have you know you're, you're viewing the space view whatever and you can and they're actually like you can you look to there are options where you move to the side to look at your one screen on one side and move to one screen on another side with your oculus on you just look in that direction <laughs> And the screen pops up for for what you want to do, and then you're like you're moving around in space, and you can look <laughs> up, and and you have the windows, and you can see the thing that you're traveling by. It's absolutely amazing, the the immersiveness of it. So, and and I haven't felt that with any other game. I mean, they're like Half Life you can play with and stuff like that, but the immersiveness has never been as as clean and as clear as that. So it was really cool to have that game. What do you have now? I picked up a bottle of this at House of Thousand or no Caliente, as the silver sharpie says. It's the eighteen oh nine Blitter Vice. Okay, so we've had this before. Yeah, it's a, but it's a good Blitter Vice. It's another sour. It's more lactic beer. It's not very strong in alcohol. And uh, oh, we'll open it in a minute here. Keep Where's that from? It's a. Is it fine, Stefan? I think so. That sounds familiar. Okay. Uh, looking for a brewery name. <laughs> I just saw Brewed by Dr. Fritz Bream, Munich, Germany. Imported by B United. Sorry, Tom, uh, what were you saying? I saw the white on the label. I thought it might have been Maine. No. Mm. No. We've only had one beer from Maine. I got the Porter a couple weeks ago, right? I picked that up at uh, House of a Thousand Beers. That was really good. I had the uh, Berliner Weiss, and it was a little bit old. Oh, okay. <laughs> Caliente. Living with a luchador, huh? <laughs> Oh, wow, Dave does listen. I do listen. See, <laughs> did you watch any of that shit? Mm. Oh man, you did. Okay, good. I'm no, glad you didn't. I simply heard the uh, pre and post show while I was on. My so run. you heard the script on my long runs. So, <laughs> oh, they're they're actually going. I was able to tune them out while I've. Ran, ran to yeah. a good part, so they're actually going forward <laughs> with it without me, and it's like, all right, whatever. You guys don't know what you're doing, but whatever. We need to get the post show because I really want to see Greg and Dave <laughs> go head to head on religion and politics. <laughs> oh, really? Well, we're in the post show already. Let's do it. Do. Bring it on. What do you got? What do you got? I don't have much. <laughs> I'm more of a. I'm sure that most. I fall of, somewhere between the middle, Greg. So I probably. I'm disagree, sure he, he I probably disagree. Him. I probably disagree with most of what you think. So. I'm sure you drive him up the wall, <laughs> especially with your new extra left. I do. I do have one comment. Yeah. You guys discussed the frag term a, a few shows ago. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the term frag comes from the fact of fragmentary grenade. Right. Right. Fragmented. Okay. Right. So it it. Really came to head during Vietnam when mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the draftees didn't like their leadership, so they would frag them, which was meant rolling a fragmentary grenade into their thing. It had nothing to do with video games or anything else. Right, yeah. That did bother me while I was on my run, so. Okay. Uh, no, I, that that makes sense, because yeah. I, I I forget what, I, what, what my opinion was, yeah. but I never... 
I, I thought that frag didn't come from video games. Yeah. I think I, I think that was my. I can't I, remember. I exactly. figured it had to do with fragmentary grenade, but I had no idea. So you're saying that draftees were fragging the tents of their officers? They were. In fact, in, we had an issue with it in uh, 2003, two, uh, 2003, and they attacked yeah. into Iraq. Excuse me. While they were uh, sitting in Kuwait, ready to go. A, uh, a soldier rolled a fragmentary grenade into one of the tents down there. So, Jeez. I, I remember hearing that. I yeah. mean, because that... the, the kill radius of a fragmentary grenade is about five meters in diameter. So, I mean, I, I've you know I've seen the, the way I know about fragmentary grenades is really from MythBusters because yeah. they, they've which, ex- which is the, yeah. the know all be all of, right. of weaponry. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but no, but, but, they, but they have explored how yeah. how these things do explode and and uh, and are really dangerous yes. if you're right. In fact, you're, yeah. if you look at a, a grenade, I don't know if you can see, but it actually uh, explodes up in a V. So unlike a, a mortar or an artillery mm. shell, which goes more out 180 degrees, a, a grenade explodes up so that if you're around one, the best pl- thing you can do is lay flat, right. which is the opposite of a artillery shell or a mortar, which if it explodes in the trees, which explodes down. So, Yeah, no, that I, I, I totally makes sense. Yeah. Why would they make a grenade that explodes up? Why because it, because it's because of the people, ground actually, yeah, and, okay. and the way oh, it's and the way it sits, a, it explodes it's kind of up in yeah. a little crucible. It has, it, so. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the right. with uh, the way it's designed. It's just oh, you're saying fragmentary or uh, a mortar is it, is it, if, if, if it, it explodes ex- in the air. So. Yeah, if it explodes in the air, what we call a variable time fuse, or if it explodes on a tree, that explodes down. Sure. Which okay. causes sort of a V yeah. downwards, which like, is the best thing you can do is stand upright because right. then you're less. You, you have less surface yeah. surface exposure. Right. So. But then you're also going to get some steel on top of your head. More than likely, it's a bad. The, the worst part. It's a bad situation. Yes. No, stand, handstand. Put your feet up. Yeah, but that sounds like then some, you're going to hurt sounds your like feet. Some, I mean, come that on. Sounds, sounds like some hippie shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't care about my feet. When in doubt, <laughs> always look cool. Is the number one rule of the combat arms. So. Okay. Uh, but the feet thing is most of those people are walking in and out of those areas. Yes. So you would need feet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I, mean, I spent I, a lot of time walking. So. I was listening to... Oh, it was fucking radio. Lab, <laughs> the right? company I work for actually makes the boots that you walk in. So. Oh, Belleville oh. or which one? Uh, Rocky Susan boots. Uh, I've walked out of a few Rocky pairs, so... <laughs> <laughs> But they were talking the check about... cleared. That's all I hear. Radio Lab, they're talking about the worth of... Uh, uh, the compensation for a life of, of civilians in a battle zone. Yes. Thing. They're talking about that kind of thing. And they were talking about... Um, oh, shit. I just lost my train of thought. Grenades. Hopefully it comes back to station, so... Grenades. Oh, no, and, what was it? It was... And battle boots and... <laughs> for the boots... <laughs> and mortars. And... Oh, it was talking about um, cluster bombs in Iraq, right? Yes. And then kids were like kicking the cans, like the unexploded ordnance. Yes. And they were saying that that was part of the offensive, right? And, what? And so it was a battle injury as opposed to collateral damage type thing or the, the reimbursable type of thing. Like, I mean. We did have some issues. So. The way cluster bombless, but, but, this is probably going to bore everyone. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not trying to draw a pain, yeah. but like, you know, you know much better than I do, but I'm pretty sure that we don't do landmines. No, we, 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 we 
moved and, away from landmines. The only time, the only place I know where landmines and landmines were used, and that may be old now, was in Korea right. on the yeah. DMC. Right. Um, so there's I mean, a high dud rate with cluster bomblets based on the type of terrain that they land on. So right. softer the ground, the higher the dud rate yeah. is not it, it nothing classified because they. The, if it cushions them, then they have less of a tendency to explode. Sense, right? so soft, sand. Still... soft sand, high grass, things like that. We had an issue with that in 2004 when I was in Baghdad because a lot of the areas around the airport had large areas of high grass, soft sand. So um, a lot of the stuff we had laid onto the Iraqi infrastructure didn't explode. Mm-hmm. So we were using the right. EOD teams to detonate a lot of that stuff around the areas that we currently occupied that were causing issues for the local population. Because we didn't want them to have issues with it, yeah. But there's still the use of, of, of cluster bombs, of depleted uranium rounds, and yeah. of, uh, what am I thinking of, the, the barometric, the, the, the ones that, that expel the gas and then explode that? The, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, um, doggone, I'm think, trying daisy to Daisy cutters, whatever yeah. yeah. Well, not daisy cutters, but the fuel explosive type yeah. stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Cluster bomblets we still use, and the uh, dead rate varies on the but, terrain. But, I mean, they were talking about yeah. how... The other know, stuff is very, very rarely used based on... Depleted uranium was big in the 80s based on the, the uh, Soviet... Penetration, right? Soviet yeah. tank threat, not not highly used based on what we're currently facing. And the the other thing, fuel explosive, fuel explosive, what I was trying to think of, not highly used except maybe against uh, caves in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. things like that, mm-hmm. where you're trying to get... You're trying to overpressure, right, pr- yeah. overpressure them based on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not trying to make a, a, any kind of political statement yeah. or whatnot, but they were talking about how there's this program to reimburse casualty or yes. you know injuries of ca- of civilians, right? Because yeah. that's capitalism. We can pay for you with money. Well, basic. There's, there's basic. Winning, winning hearts and minds. I, right? I ran over your goat, well, so I'm going to pay you ten thousand well, yeah. dollars. No, they, they actually or, talk about the, yeah. the U.S. military has yeah. a term of money as a weapon system. Yeah, absolutely. Right, and that's a winning hearts and minds type. In thing. fact, I think that would, we have call, which is the Center for Army Lessons Learned. I think that may have been a booklet in it, which was you know money as a weapon system, which is meaning uh, as we as there's always going to be some sort of damage in war. Anyone Absolutely. that thinks that there's no damage in war is ridiculous. It's, yeah, it is absurd. And anybody who thinks that you can stop war is also yeah. absurd. Ask North Th- Korea about their internet. Thank you. You know, I mean, like, I anytime you're blowing stuff up, yeah, no, shit's going to happen. Yes, no, you I, know, I, I, I totally you know what I mean? get it. I mean, the idea that, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the idea that, you know, we'll, great, greater peace will break out. As long as there's one human alive, they will, yeah. or, or I should say two humans alive, they will fight over whatever's left. Type, right. Type there, there's, that, there's an old joke. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an old joke about, about, uh, <laughs> It, it, it's an old Jewish joke, but it's, it's a joke about about the, the, the these uh, this. Um, I'm gonna try the statement. It's, it's a look. Yeah, here, so. it's it's nice. Pour that out for me, would you? There's a, a a rescue party comes to an island where it turns out there was this one Jew on the <laughs> island who's who's been there for for several years, and it turns out he's built two synagogues, <laughs> and. And they ask him about it and say, you know, no, that's the thing I go to. And they say, what about the other synagogue? And the other, and he says, oh, I would never go to that. <laughs> <laughs> I can appreciate that because I've been around yeah. a lot, of, a lot of different religions yeah. over the years. So. And that's, um, you know, it, it, it's very, yeah. 
it, it more than just Jewish. It's very human. Yeah. It, it's it's so you know absolutely. Yeah, it, it helps. It helps affirm your conviction if you have something mm-hmm. to rail against, right? Absolutely, so. absolutely. Our right, storyteller just left. <laughs> <laughs> We got forty six minutes until we can get to the next New Year's. Until what but, the Mountain New Year's? What since we have who no... cares about the Mountain New Year's? <laughs> who uh, we just lost, Jason? Oh, oh sorry, uh, bye, Jason. Thanks for joining us, Jason. I'm I'm surprised Jason stayed as long as he. Yeah, did. I know. I mean, I, I'm I'm thankful to to Stephen Tombert for for joining us for as long as they did. It was great to have you guys with us, and and to continue to have you guys with us. Yeah, we're not kicking. We don't get this opportunity. I have a uh, New Year's event that I normally go to, and this year my wife wasn't feeling a hundred percent, so we decided not to go to that. And I was like, "Oh, great! I get to participate <laughs> in something I thought I never would." Well, that's <laughs> so, great. We're, we're so glad you can. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't expect anyone to cancel their plans yeah. to spend time with us. But I mean, this thing came about because I would be asleep by now, right? <laughs> and I don't know what else Greg would be doing. But like Heather and I don't do New Year's things really. Uh, she sent me a text that she was seeing if the kids wanted to stay up, and um, they made it to eleven forty. Uh, Come on, I mean, do the Netflix thing. The thing, is, the thing is that in, in like Literally three or four years, the kids are going to want to stay up so, for New so Year's. So here's my adorable kid sleeping in my bed. I'm not sure where I'm going to sleep tonight. <laughs> I also got that because it was posted on Facebook. So. <laughs> and, and Heather said... They also, yeah, obviously didn't make it, so. She said, lost your place in bed, <laughs> exclamation point. They tried hard, but fell asleep at 1140. That's going to happen. So let's fight about religion. That's a good thing to fight about. Yeah. Religion, yes. So, Greg, or uh, I have was... a full understanding of Catholicism, mm-hmm. Islam, and a rudimentary basis in Judaism. So, let's go. All right. It's all nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dave, I mean, you were raised Catholic like I, I was, was, and I uh, still you still practice. I still consider myself a yeah, practicing so let, let Catholic. Me, let, let me put it in, in this a way. Why that's, I, this is why I didn't tell my wife where the Google Hangouts was. So. <laughs> let, let, let me put it in a way in a way that that's more um, that, that that better reflects my position. I don't care what you believe. Yeah, I really don't. As, as long as you don't try the, to the impose, contrarian blowhard. As long as you don't <laughs> to try go to, back old school. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I'm. So, I I agree with that. As long as you don't <laughs> try to impose your beliefs on on, on me and and try to you know enforce your beliefs yeah. on on me. I, I don't care. I mean, believe what you want to believe because we all have 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 experiences that that we can't explain. Yeah, and uh, and. I am uh, by default a uh, materialist, naturalist. I suppose you could okay. say, but you can also say a scientist, right? I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I, I, I believe that science is our best window into the world. But I don't believe yeah. that necessarily science right now explains everything. Or do I believe that science can or will be able to explain everything? But I believe that everything can be explained through naturalistic. 
reasons. But at the same point, I dude, that doesn't mean that I can explain everything that happens yeah. or explain everything that everybody experiences. I can assume and based on what I have seen and based on what I have read and based on what I have encountered, assume that certain, you know, the, the, the mind creates certain things. But I can't say that for sure. Yeah. About everything and everybody. But I can say that most of the things that, that, that um, you know, particularly not Catholics. I mean, Catholics are actually the most reasonable of. of, of, of <laughs> we don't the, believe the Bible is yeah, yeah. like gospel, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, know, you, don't believe exactly. In, you don't believe in, in yeah. uh in literal yeah, translation yeah, yeah. And stuff. And actually, no, it's a big bang now. I mean, yeah, you know? yeah I mean, James so, might not go to hell so soon. So honestly, I'm I'm probably somewhere in the between. Yeah. In, in between. So I was raised much as Jeff said. I was raised Catholic. Had a lot of experiences through life. Uh, be it whether I was in the army, uh, interacting with uh, the Islam, you know, Muslim yeah. religion, um, don't fully believe or can't buy into completely into Catholicism mm-hmm. um, because I'm a reasonable, educated man. Absolutely okay, um, but not quite ready to give everything up based on the fa- the morals, yeah, values, no, and, 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 I totally and ethics of that. of everything that goes along with being a. a it, what we would consider in the USA family, right? You, yeah, you know what I, I mean. I mean, you know, I I can totally appreciate that because I yeah I understand where that's coming from. And so, I, is it a community thing? I mean, so, uh, so I mean, no, not, no, no, no. It's, it's I not. I don't it's mean a, that as a community. As no, a, I, I, I know what yourself, you're saying. And this is something. This is something I've morals. It's right? something I've struggled with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I come from an organization, multiple organizations, much like Jeff, Boy Scouts, right? Catholicism that considers itself morals, ethics, values-based organizations. I belong to the United States Army, which considers itself a morals and values-based organization sure. without the religious, religious affiliation. And I'm trying to raise my children in a reasonable manner, much like Jeff, that involves morals, values, ethics, and struggle, much like probably most of our uh, the people out there listening, with how do you do that in a... Or a society that may throw that stuff carelessly to the wind. Um, in, in a society where morals and ethics change... Based on the based how, on, the wind on, blows, on how the wind blows, for lack of a better yeah, term. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, while being scientifically based, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I mean... Well... I, I've, I've yeah. got a you know, master's degree in whatever, you know I mean? Raised in a scientific method... Uh, struggle with you know things that I can't feel, touch, see type mentality. So uh, I've chosen to uh, continue to raise my children in a uh, Catholic family. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, continue to open their eyes to scientific um, methods. And I don't have a problem. I mean, yeah. my opinion is is that there are amazing things in the universe that we don't understand yet. And that's yes. absolutely I, true. I guess that's kind of where I'm at. So yeah. uh, the one thing I like about Catholicism is we don't fully believe that the Bible is the exact way it happened. That's where I struggled. Uh, if you asked me a few years ago where I struggled with my um, Muslim interpreters, or my Islamic interpreters, excuse me, um, that were mostly Shia-based, um, and I don't know how many uh, of the people out there listening understand the difference between Shia and Sunni. Uh, Shia are significantly, yes, significantly um, yeah. greater. And if the Quran says it happened, Sunni, for example. that means the little birds drop stones on the on yeah, the yeah. the foreign warriors. 
Then they dropped little stones on the foreign warriors and defeated them versus Sunnis. Um, you know, getting to whole nother kit caboodle about there, there is stuff about religion. The, the, the 12th uh, Imam returning. There's yeah, stuff like that. Imam Hussein. Yeah. I, I saw a yeah. video of him marching down parades <laughs> in true Baghdad. Whether or not it was true, I yeah. beats the hell out of me. I, it could have been photoshopped. I yeah. find I find religion fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, after so, multiple years of listening yeah, to Crafty Radio, I understand that Greg finds this stuff fascinating. <laughs> I know Jeff was looking forward to this moment. Um, and would be happy, more than happy to talk to Greg about it. Um, but, I, mean, I mean, I was just curious. I mean, yeah. I think you've explained yourself very well. I mean, <laughs> that, that came out wrong. Explain yeah. yourself. Put you on the defense. I don't mean that. I think you. You, well, hold on, hold on, you answered my question. Yeah, Anybody who's One of listening, the, easy, the best arguments to throw out there. What it well is was the Irish Catholic and Protestants. Yeah, is the yeah. They, it's both very similarly based but diametrically opposed to I'm going to kill you because my god is better than your god. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which is my basically how all religions yes. eventually yeah. end up. So yeah. I, mean, I mean for me personally I could probably distill it down best <laughs> to I get the most comfort out of the scientific method. Yes. You know, and sure we don't have all the answers yet, but a, a giant smart guy in the sky is not the answer right. I'm looking and for. And for me, I can right. explore that down to, I can't explain to you what energy is. And I can explain yeah. to you that it's conserved, but I can't explain to you what the hell it is. And, uh, you know, could it be something uh, external or, or some sort of thing that, that, that is unexplainable in, in our conception? Absolutely. But is it a mind? I don't find that yes. compelling. And, and I, I guess my, my thing is I go to church every week with my family. Yeah. Maybe I'm hedge, hedging my bets. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, I've been in a lot of places. I've been lucky enough not to expose to the, yeah. what most would consider the horse war based on the positions that I've right. been in. I've known people that have been in, in those positions and have reached out to a greater power. Is it a placebo effect? Is it more... I, mean, I, I don't know. I would argue that it is uh, very much a uh, evolutionary trait yes. that we've adapted. That that uh, that that is not only that we've adapted, but that a lot of a million species yeah. have adapted. I to mean, it. as a as a yeah. as a hardcore, I wouldn't consider myself a historian, but I would consider myself an amateur historian only because I haven't academically studied history. I think that if, as you look through history. Um, Lower classes, um, people who are struggling tend to reach to to religion based on the fact that they don't have anything else. To... I mean, what you see is you see. Uh, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. You. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. You, you see a um, a compulsion for people, and not just people, but like I said, other mammalian species in particular to. Uh, to congregate in groups yes. and when they do congregate in groups uh it, it's almost as if a sort of uh it, a group or a group mind takes over yeah I mean, and yeah. you can see I, that I, in I, other species you can see that in, in birds with flocking yes. you can see that in insects with the way in which they reason and there's there's ways in which uh the patterns sort of align themselves when large amounts of people get together and so whenever you group, group a large amount of people to, together you feel this this overall presence, but is, is that guy? I don't know if you feel, if you can feel the same thing at a concert. If you can feel the same yeah. thing at 
uh, you know, at, at any you know large meeting of, of, of people, whether whether it's religious or not, can you say that that's God or or is that just sort of the the, the energy hug, of the, the hug, group, the hug yeah. of the group? Yeah, right. right. I, I think it was easier pr- prior to the proliferation of science to explain exactly what you're right. talking yeah, about. Sure. Um, and the way I I kind of think about it is, um, so you look at. So obviously I'm on, I'm on a Facebook group for West the Westview Historical Society because my family grew up in Westview, both my parents. So um, as being a history guy, I love seeing the pictures of the old churches, the old buildings. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're um, beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. amazing. So the thing now in the Catholic Church is a way to draw people and money into these old churches because they're all, let's face it, in neighborhoods where it. the money does no longer reside. So let's say it that way. Mm-hmm. As I right. watched uh, Undercover Boss for the, res- the reality TV fans <laughs> out there a few weeks ago of the Pittsburgh mayor, he said the historic Hill District, what I consider the ghetto, you know, as a guy growing <laughs> up in the suburbs, as they showed the car up on blocks covered with tarps. Sure. You know, um, hey, they had tarps over it. Yeah. They were saving it. Um, but the That's new true. thing. They were covering it from the weather. The new thing for the Catholic Church is trying to drive people to these old historic. Ethnic churches in downtown is they call it the flash, uh, the flash mass or whatever kind of the flash Buddy mom Jesus. mentality is, you know, hey, are they, are this beautiful get... church exists in a place where no yeah. money exists. So go tra- there on Sunday, give to the offering in order to allow the church to continue in its current state. The fact that it's got gold and it's got all these semi-precious jewels and beautiful yeah. statuary. I mean, that makes sense, especially if you're yes. going to St. John and Paul. Yes, right? yeah, absolutely. You know, this gymnasium church. Yeah. But well, is, is, isn't it, is it better to, to, to be realistic about it and say, you know, just, hey, support the, this beautiful art as opposed to support it because of, of this But you're uh, talking to believers first yeah. off, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah no. Most people, yeah, most I, Catholics I, are I'm not sorry. are not of the same mentality. I, I, don't, I, don't want to, so. I don't want to... Where to, I'm torn between the two. I don't want to, 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 to remove you guys from the conversation, either Steve or uh, or Tom. Do you guys have anything to say? It, <laughs> I think I heard some snoring there. <laughs> I'm getting ready to get off here because yeah. it's one thirty. Oh, I've got absolutely. A long day tomorrow. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Goodness. Thank you for joining us, yeah, Steve. No, we yeah. it. So, so we really appreciate you joining us. Wait, is Tom sleeping? All right, Tom, are you Santa? asleep? He passed out against like the bottle. Oh, there he is. Oh, no, there you are. Passed out against the bottle, so. Good night, guys. <laughs> Good, night. Good night. Have a great night, Steve. Thanks for joining us. You can stay on as long as you would like, but uh, this will be our farewell. Thank you. Yeah, Tom, do you have anything to add? Yeah, not at this moment. All right, well, <laughs> stick around as long as you yeah, want. Absolutely. Um, Greg, so, Dave, and I are going to be talking about religion for a while still as we so, sober up. Interesting. Feel free to just interrupt yeah. whenever you want to. Yes, yell really loud if you want to put something it, in. Interesting article, and I was discussing it with my mom, uh, I think from the Wall Street Journal last week. Uh, I read two papers a day. I read the Wall Street Journal uh, because I'm trying to look to my future beyond. And USA Hooray. Beyond government service, excuse uh-huh. me. And um, I read the Kansas City Star, which is the okay. local paper. Okay. Um, one of the things in the I, both the Wall Street Journal and the Kansas City Star was the fact that they had changed the title from stained glass, which most people associate with religious sites, to art glass, which oh, they associated with um, businesses, libraries, right. and the such. Huh. So well, I thought that would, I find that 
I'm a huge reader. As, See, as, I, Jeff, I, I, as Jeff probably remembers from when we were growing up, I read anything and everything. I get probably well, what, what I 10 remember, magazines a month. What uh, I remember mostly you know what I mean? is how fast the dude reads. I read pretty fast. Uh, I mean, like, I was, like, <laughs> I remember a couple times sleeping over Dave's house and I, I remember why we were reading when I was sleeping yeah. over your place instead of playing Risk or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember reading and, like, he's flipping pages, flip, 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 and I feel like a retard, like, the cat he's re- he's ran like, Hardy to Boys his... number sixty one. His, yeah. his reading is a little slower than, the, than other people. Not okay. not to belabor that, 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 the point. Doesn't mean he's, he's dumb. It just means he's, his reading is a little slower. Yeah. So, so my, it doesn't imply anything. So my oldest daughter is, is eight. She turns nine in January. Um, one of the things her teacher said: she reads extremely fast. She's reading at about the sixth to seventh grade or eighth grade level. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, her reading comprehension is relative. I wouldn't say relatively low, but lower than it should be based on her reading level. Much like me, so I read quickly based on context. But you don't. I don't necessarily absorb it unless it's something that grabs right. my interest. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you. On yeah, that. and, and I think it's probably similar to how you read many yeah. things. Yeah, I, I read fast, but I've also it, taken speed reading classes mm-hmm. in the last few years, which has helped. I've never, I've never done that. I've, yeah. I've never gone to um, speed reading. That was one course. of the things that I found interesting. I took the American speed reading class as part of my Army course in Kansas the last time I was there in 2010, and it added some. Um, more than the speed reading, I took the note-taking aspects of it uh, to heart, uh, which we could talk about another time, obviously, because yeah, it's hard to, to describe that on radio. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, my daughter reads very similar to yeah. – my oldest daughter reads really very similar to how I am and how Jeff described I mean, I, it. So. I think it, it, te- it depends on what I'm reading. I, I can read faster. I can read slow. It, it, I can sort of feel out whether this yes. is this is a a paragraph that's useless or a paragraph and that's I, useful. And I think that's the way I read. Yeah. So if it's something that interests me, I will read it in mm-hmm. explicit detail. If it's something that's, that's that, funny, that I can take as context, I will read it quickly, absorb it for what it is, context, right. and move on. So exactly. when I'm reading, I, I can identify whether this paragraph is a throwaway paragraph, right? But I can't absorb it quickly, right? Like... Do That's because it's scientific. Do, do I skip mind. it? Do I skip it outright? Do I skip it outright because it's a boring? No, it's, you don't skip it outright. Or what I, you do is yeah. you you just, you just get the gist of it yes. and then move on. See, Absolutely. I, see, that's what I haven't got is I can't just get the gist. Either I have to parse it or I have to skip it. And then, and then I. I all I can say is it's a learned trait. I, yes. I don't know any other. I don't. Uh, I, I've know. struggled also at how to describe that to others, and I, I haven't been able to. The first time I've been able to really absorb it is watching my daughter read, mm-hmm. seeing what her teacher is saying, and is saying, "Wow, she reads the same way yeah. that I read." Yeah, she received about five books on Christmas, and she has already read four of them. You know, right? To, yeah, to, because she reads. The same way that it, that her father reads, yeah, I, exactly. and I don't know any better way to describe. To, uh, describe oh, you're talking about how you actually had to punish your daughter for reading too much. Yes. So obviously, Jeff and I we don't <laughs> see each other that often. Communicate via Twitter occasionally, but it, it's one of those things. So like being away from the military, um, Jeff is probably the only one I really communicate with back mm-hmm. in this area because we were probably the the closest sure, growing sure. up. Um, so when we get back together, it's almost the way I feel. It's almost like falling back into where yeah. we were at previously. 
Um, and it, 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 I, I, I don't want uh, yeah. uh, to get in the way, but Absolutely. I, I have a, a friend of mine, uh, Dan, who I grew up with, but uh, we you know split apart when we were about I think Tom in, passed in, out. in our 20s. Uh, <laughs> 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 we split apart when we were in our 20s, and, and you know, now we're both near 40, mm-hmm. uh, but it, when we occasionally near 40, get huh? together... Uh, yeah, very, very close. Yeah. Uh, very, very, yeah, very I feel late that pain. 20s. I feel that pain. So. In our very late twenties, uh, when we get together, we pick up immediately. There, I, that's no, the way I felt yeah. over the years. So yeah, there's no, there's no like, oh, we have to figure out. Honestly, where we, are with we each have other. very little in common yeah. versus what we have in the past. If, yeah, I mean, I think but similar you, family you, values. But I mean, I think sort of sort of we have a similar interest. I mean, I yeah. find great interest in your military stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think yeah. that there's, actually that would that would be very true. So. I think there, there there's uh, there's something even more there's something deeper because you guys were you grew up together, so you have a a path to communicate with each other. Well, that, we did canoe trails together. I mean, that is like. But I mean, but we can meet we can through Canada. Bond. Just you, you and just boots fell apart. So. But, but it's you, a fucking you, bond right there. You have a shorthand that isn't even defined by language. Yeah. No, it's, I, it's, I it's think def- it's safe to say it's defined by by like looks and and, and the ways you. you I mean, you, you I literally haven't lived spaces. in this. I've, I have not lived in this area full time. Yeah. 1995. I mean, but we, I was able to come here tonight. But you can tell what Jeff yeah. is feeling just well, by looking I mean, at his face. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell by yeah. you. I mean, and, and okay, so. so what year did you graduate IUP? Uh, 99. So we haven't spent more than 12 hours together. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely yes. But how long did you spend when you were growing up? Oh my god, we dug holes in your backyard. Ass loads. <laughs> so you guys know each other's <laughs> yeah. faces. You know yeah, yeah. you know how to read each other because you've been around each other. You know what the look on somebody's face means. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's safe to say, yeah. So there it, it, so it's just you have a you have a connection there because you have been around each other for so long. Which is interesting because we I think we both raise our children very similarly, mm-hmm. even though we've had very different experiences since we yeah. graduated right. high school. Yeah. And that's based more on our family. It's your family and, and the culture you Absolutely. Yeah. One thing than, I, than I, than I, what we've experienced since then. So. One thing I've always thought curious, and this is getting way inside baseball, oh, well. but like when <laughs> I, met, I met you at Camp Conoquy in fifth grade, right? Oh, wow. He's going way back because I thought about that as I drove south from Erie, which is where my family's, <laughs> my wife is from, as we passed through so, Zillion so Noble Dave this weekend. Moved, so. moved, Dave moved in fifth grade from Ingemar to Franklin Park. Yes. So he changed elementary schools. Okay. And I met him at this camp. Ridiculous thing. camp. Ridiculous for, camp. For elementary My favorite kids. camp. Ridiculous yes, camp. Yes, yes. And I, I was, I was a crybaby, right? I mean, <laughs> you probably remember, like you, like, like, like I was like, I want to go sleep, shut up. <laughs> and and Dave was still by my side, but that's where we met. And we yeah. became fast friends at that point. Um, oh, shit, I which is followed closely by Boy Scouts. So that's where we spent the majority, mm-hmm. which I think really cemented our ties right, together. Sure, sure. And I still remember our first camping trip, and I'm sure Jeff remembers. This. Remember the song that played on the way to our first camping trip? No. I gotta get to the bathroom. I really want to get I remember the left hand smoke shifter. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy came out on the way to our first camping trip. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. At Cobble's Camp. That was was very surreal. Yeah. The the whole going to the first camp out, right? Because I knew you. I didn't know anyone else in the troop. 
And the trip was pretty Wild West back then. It was. And I, I think about that now versus what... Um, so we started... And I don't know, I, it was 88. Yeah, we started Indian Girl Scouting, which is significantly different than Boy Scouting in general. Um, My plan is to, when Allison gets old enough, start an Explorer post. Yeah, because I've not been very happy with what I've seen from the Girl Scouts. Ellie's only been in Girl Scouts for uh, five, six, seven weeks now. Yeah. And different than what Wendy describes as her experience in Girl Scouting. And then, obviously, I've seen a lot of social media posts about Girl Scouting. And it's not very encouraging. Okay. Yeah, my plan is hopefully to keep her outdoors enough. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Explorer Post, I yeah. think, is the way to go. <laughs> um but no I'm, I'm with you so um as, as you've seen through our multiple posts through the summer um through the epic adventure uh i i am working hard to keep the outdoorsiness into my the scouting well just into my two daughters right. follow so i've got a daughter that's not soon to be nine a daughter that's mm-hmm. five and a son that's uh three and a half now so Working to incorporate the outdoorsness that I grew up with, all obviously kind of amplified because we don't have the experiences that we had. The area that we grew up in, the, the Jeff originally grew up in, and I'm sure yeah. you're familiar with, is not as a guy that's coming back to visit is not the same environment as when I left well, in high school. Based absolutely, on, it never is. But I'm curious about this. Yes. What kind of fights have you guys had? What kind of fights? Yeah. Between him and I. Yeah. Fights. I can't really think of too many. Honestly, <laughs> I can't think of... We really haven't had too many... You guys f- must have had some fights. I remember... Uh, I'm sure in some... like stuff. Maybe some minor stuff, but I really don't think of anything major. What, what I'm trying to apply yeah. here is that you he's guys... Trying to, he's trying to start a fight between us. No, no, no. So. That's not all that's not, that's not <laughs> I'm trying to do. I, mean, I seem to recall there was probably some like weekend, camping weekend and scouts where we had a disagreement. Yeah. And, and whatnot, but I mean, but I think between the two of us, we we matched up more evenly than yeah. many others. So I remember us uh, being more alike than, say, like Mark Smith or mm-hmm. some of the others. That yeah, we... I mean, so I was friends with this guy named Mark Smith when I met Dave, and Mark probably got a little bit of jealousy. Well, how... Obviously, because I'm significantly well, more man and more important than we were. Yeah, uh, but Mark was, we had more in Mark common, was, I think. So. Mark was always an odd bird, right? Yeah, he was. I wanted to hang out like all the time, and like I learned, like by like three o'clock in the afternoon, he was done. Like he didn't want to hang out <laughs> anymore. And I, I well, I, I, I knew this maybe hindsight, but I didn't get this. Uh, so I kind of forced myself, and like he would get all pissy and shit. Yeah, and uh, well, what, what I kind of want to imply here is that in in a sense, I know and. Um, I don't mean this in, in, in a negative way uh, or in a positive way. I just mean this in, in sort of a way that, uh, uh, that that illuminates it. Is that you guys are in a sense married? You you guys know each other in in, in such a it, you know your your strengths, your weaknesses. Yeah, I, you I, know, I you know say we piss each other we, off. We it, does, it does. It does. We also we live in the past a bit, right? Yeah. Because yeah. like There's, we have not spent. Many hours together in the last ten years, but it doesn't, but it doesn't matter because you guys know each other's core. But uh, as you know a, each other's core to the I point. Think, where I think it's, we're past the whole reminiscing thing. Remember, yeah. like 
three or four years ago. Every time we get together, because all that is is extra stuff shit. added on to your core. That's just extra but stuff see, added on to who you some are. Of that, some you of that, you guys yeah. know who you are to some, the point where it doesn't matter. Some of that is like, so what I've noticed about military guys is so I didn't leave till after college, but I was away from college for four years. You know what I mean? And he was at home, yeah. so we still maintained contact, but it wasn't the same contact. Um, I see um, guys who enlisted uh, enlist mm-hmm. into the enlisted ranks of the military maybe struggle with it even a little more. So they leave directly from high school into a different life. So there's certain things that we grasp upon. One is yeah. we have a tendency to grasp sports teams. Sure. Why? Because sports teams associate you with your uh, hometown. Yeah. So it's easier in the Northeast for guys because... Guys in the Northeast have a lot of pro teams. Um, and what I've learned over the years is guys in the Northeast grasp pro teams. Guys, guys in, the in the South and the Midwest grasp high school teams. No, college, college, college teams. teams. So you will have a guy that has never been associated with a college ever in his life, but he loves LSU or he loves Nebraska. Yeah. So no one in his family has ever graduated from there, yeah. but he grasps onto that. But what I mean more is like, my friend Dan, I mean, I haven't talked to him in five years, but I could get in touch with him and we could get past any nonsense that we've been through for 20 years oh, yeah. and and get to the core of, of who we are because we, we knew each other at that point. We knew each other when, when our core was exposed, yeah. when there wasn't anything on top yeah, of there, it. There was a period where every time we get together, we'd reminisce about the yeah, same yeah, yeah. shit, right? Yeah. And that but was like, kind of our younger years, I think. Yeah. So. Plus, three, two, three times or so, you know, it, it, it's, a, well, I think probably since we've had kids. Oh, yeah, kids wreck everything. We've had so. new things to talk about <laughs> instead of, but if, instead I, of I, you know, reminiscing <laughs> about scouts and digging holes in North Carolina. But you could be, like you could be away from each other for 10 years, and you get back together, and you could... Talk to each other as if there was no time. Yeah, and and I think that's I I I I think that's safe to say. And and that's uh, you know, that's the kind of and, and that's that's a kind of marriage in a way. I mean, I don't mean marriage in like a, no, in a ceremonial I sense. Saying, yeah. I mean in the sense of of you know each other to that to that level where you 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 can get past anything you put up because you you know the core of each other. You know how each other works. We even have the so, same. Embarrassing adolescent yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even going beyond what you guys have experienced, you just you just know how each other react to things. You you know how. Uh, I mean, the, the kind of thing that it takes years and years and years to learn. You guys have done that. So, all the other stuff that's been put onto it is just externalities. It's just extra stuff that's been put onto the core of who you are, which you guys both recognize. And you guys both. Uh, understand, and uh, I, you know, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it it it, it shows how how people uh, react with each other, and how uh, and how great something like marriage can be to to another person when you get to that level. Yeah. When when you under when, when you are at that point with a person that. Uh, you know, you, you can see who they are in their face. You don't need to to talk to them to figure out what's going on. You just you you with them, and, and you can instantly communicate with. Them. I, I think that's one of the reasons why. Don't take this the wrong way, but I've continued to tune in, to tune into the pre and post shows because I understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've learned. I know where he's coming from after having um, associated with him for so long. I've uh, seen him change over the years. 
Um, oh yeah, and that, he's changed me for sure, right? But but then also um, you've changed me as well. But but seeing the introduction of Greg, you know, and his views, which actually being in the military has, I think, made me more open to that because the, over the years I've been exposed to things that I've, I was never exposed to in suburban Pittsburgh. So like, as a young lieutenant in the army, you've probably had a black friend. I have. You probably have. I've got many Hispanics, blacks. You know, what I mean, things that that I didn't associate with North Allegheny. I, I've still My, never, the high school that I went to, where we had like five black people. Sure. You know, in I've our never, graduating class of five hundred and fifty. I've never had a black friend. Exactly. So um, I've had a black girlfriend. I've been exposed to people that despise the person they're married to. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in a very stable middle class home where everyone I had one friend who Mark whose parents were divorced. I didn't quite understand it, but okay, everyone has their thing. But everyone else I knew was married to the same woman for however long, had kids, and lived a full life, you know what I mean? Um, and then I get in and I'm in charge of people that despise the person that they're married to and can't stand to be around them. And I'm like, You're like what I don't fuck? understand this yeah. shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, why would you be with someone you hate? Absolutely. But okay, because you got kids. Got it, you know? I don't understand it, but it's part of reality. So, I mean, um, I think some of what we were exposed to as younger has made me who I am, and then the additional experience I've had has changed and and made me into who, who, into I, uh, into who I am today. And then I've been able to see Jeff change over mm-hmm. the years based on his experiences because that obviously changed everything. I've seen the introduction of Greg into his life. I've seen Greg change and mature as the years have gone by through Craft Beer Radio and been able to adjust to that. Um, but I've been exposed to many views over the years, obviously, as an officer in the Army. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't change me. It doesn't mm-hmm. It doesn't make me mad, blah, 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 <laughs> whatever you want to yeah. say because – Every day I'm exposed to that. I, I try not to talk yeah. politics or religion at work. Um, recently, it wasn't That's my a good policy. It wasn't my thing. It yeah. came up at work. You know, I had a I had a horrible, traumatic. I wouldn't say traumatic, horrible experience, and uh, it reinforced me why I don't talk politics or religion at work because I ran into a crazy Tea Party guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, it's one of <laughs> it's one of those. I consider myself a moderate. I hate both parties. I can't identify with Mo- either, most, either one of them these days. I was people, raised in a Democratic Union family. Um, I have feelings that are somewhere between that and um, uh, Republican views. So I'm somewhere in the middle. I can't yeah. find anyone I like. We we always grow up in, in, in interesting ways. Like I, I you know you know and I hate listening. to run on you, but I got it. Take a leak. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I have a f- small bladder so based on my family. So. <laughs> I'm going to uh, disconnect Tom right now just because Tom is sleeping. I don't want to... Uh... I want to see if he wakes up before we finish. Really? Okay, I, I want to unmute him then. Here. <laughs> you don't have to unmute him. He's snoring. Well, I just want to see if, if he's... How do I... I'm trying to unmute him. But I don't I think you can control what he hears. I think he hears us talking. No, but, but, I, but I muted him so he can't hear him. Oh, that's fine. But I can't unmute him. I'm trying to, but it won't work. I don't know. <gasps> oh, Tommy, oh, what's he this? rises. Hey, hey, Thomas. We can't hear you right now because I, I accidentally muted you, or I didn't accidentally, but you were snoring a little bit. <laughs> Cheers, <laughs> no, buddy. No, it's no problem. I'm just trying to, to unmute you. So if you want to talk, you need to hit the unmute button yourself. Yeah, can you, can you hit the unmute button on yourself? Only if you want to talk. Otherwise... 
go back to yeah, your, go, your please, sleep please sleep if you want to. It's, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty boring what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to. And I don't. Look, Tom's awake. Tom's oh, awake. Shit, he woke up. We're trying to unmute you, but we can't. <laughs> He's <was> eternally <laughs> muted. He's stuck on mute. That's what I'd look like if I wasn't talking, sitting uh, here with you guys. So. Well, I guess at this point, then, since we can't unmute you, we'll just uh, we'll say thank you, Tom. Thanks for joining us so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, continue and, to listen. Don't. Yeah. Cheers. We appreciate. Cheers. It. Cheers to you very much, and, and uh, have a great night. And have a happy new year. And we can't hear you. Does, oh, oh, we can hear you. Now. Oh shit, we can hear you now. Never mind. Masalama. Join us if you want to. But if you want, if, if, if you want to leave, that's cool. <laughs> I hope that nap was refreshing. <laughs> we were just talking about religion. And yeah. all hey, the, it's all almost Mountain New stuff. Year's. It is almost Mountain New Year's. So, but it's almost uh, last call here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I, I, I and the blue block, the, the blue block stuff. I'm trying to remember what I, what I wanted to to say, so talk because I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Tom, you have anything to add? No, I, I think I think yeah, this time, really. Yeah, yeah he's like, well, I just like, so, which podcast that, am I on? <laughs> Hold on? Hardcore history, what? Bourbon County. Since oh, we were all talking about, see uh, that? Very nice. Yeah. Tom's like, which podcast am I on? Screw tops. Uh, screw tops. Wow, that's a that's a uh, that's an old reference. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm trying to think where to go next, Dave, because you really put me in a reminiscence. <laughs> um, I th- now I think most people would expect. Um, Greg and I to be at significant odds with each other. I mean, you, yeah, you're a military, but most people know, consider most people consider the military to be very conservative, right? Right. Yeah. And I think what you what you would learn over the last few years is based on the younger population coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone is as historically conservative as you would expect. But I I think you 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 get a group of people that falls probably. I was I was teaching RTC during the first Obama uh, run for the election, so I saw a significant portion of college students drawn to the Democratic campaign, right. based on the Hope campaign, things like that. Um, I f- probably fell somewhere in the middle. I was, you know, much like I'd referenced before, I was raised in a historically uh, union family, um, but my I struggled to. My issue with with parties is. You, you're expected to be either extreme right or extreme left. To, and to, I don't to, to fall. The line. Right, yeah. I don't fall into either one of those because yeah. I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm a mix of my historical democratic raising uh, with a mix of conservative values, right. guns. As as the Obama campaign, right. I said, said I my the people I I belong to cling to guns, cling religion. To, yeah, right. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I, it, it's funny because uh, what, what I remember what I wanted to say is, is you know, I grew up uh, in what was primarily my, my mother was a staunch Democrat and my sister was too. My father was a, a, a you know, a fiscal Republican and I, and I embraced that. I was yeah. super Republican fiscally. I was relatively social liberal. Now I'm essentially a socialist. Um, <laughs> Which I struggle with. Yeah. Although I have socialized 
medicine through yeah, the government, I mean, which it's... they're trying to to bring to everyone. So that my my um, medical background, being a military guy, is basically socialized medicine. Yeah. Everything I've received up to this point has basically been Medicare slash Medicaid. We pay the minimum for whatever you need. Not only that, but but I mean, and you're... we struggle to find someone that will take it. Um, Although we're a conservative organization, your your payment, you know, your, your pay is essentially a social Absolute, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, from the taxpayer. Yeah, it's, yes, it's all, absolutely. It, it's not based on profit. It's no. based on. Uh, it, know, it's a service to yeah. the government based yeah. based on what the people are willing and, to pay. So and and so it, I. I've gone from from this, you know, from from for what now I consider to be extreme, and then when my parents now, my parents are huge hardcore Fox News Republicans, which is funny because my parents are extreme Democrats yeah. based on their union views, and I think I, I find that I haven't talked to your parents yeah. much, but I find that shocking. Not that not not like, extreme Democrat based on values, but based on the union voting based on the union. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that, that seems like a, a disconnect, right? I mean, because I, like your dad, very conservative, be very how about, conservative. How about you, Tom? What do you? How do you feel? He's like, well, on, on the side of voting, or on the, well, whatever politically. I think, I think Tom just wants to observe. <laughs> I don't think he's in the mood for. I, 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 just, I, I want to. I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, you, you don't feel like Tom. you're ostracizing. Yeah, him I, I, I don't want to feel. You know, I don't want to make Tom feel like he's just observing. I want. Yeah. I want Tom to feel like he's you know participating because he is. Well, I I am on uh, the Democrat side, but um, I do work for. Um, the basically the Catholic Church. Man. Um, yeah. I, I'm a graphic designer who mm. works for a publication that comes out to promote the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Did you? Were you the guy you, behind Body Christ? <laughs> you kind of were put in that yeah. position yourself, right? I, I'm a hardcore atheist who yeah. works for for, 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 for church Christian church. religion. Oh, 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 Christian oh, oh, guys, guys, Tom talking. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry. I, sorry. No, no, I, I'm one of those ones that falls very far. Far in the in the in between, so occasionally when you guys are talking about religion and um, I hear you talking about like oh and like they believe in this, where I'm like no 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 this is evangelical <laughs> this is not what we believe okay uh, oh, this is good this, this is, is good, good. That, yeah. that's what I want yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. I, I want to hear because because Jeff and I. There's been times I've been yelling. Yeah. Tom, there's times I've been yelling at my yeah. my iPod as I'm cutting the grass at these two. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah we're we're yeah. talking to each other with, with yeah. a very shared perspective. <laughs> there's nothing. I'm sure Jeff feels the same way. There's nothing I want to hear more than the other perspective. I want to hear the other perspective. That's the bad part of let's say a podcast because yeah. you get no feedback. Right. Yeah. I mean, Until I, I want to hear holes like you and Tom on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, if you were a KDKA pop, you know, live show, you would get some radical right wing guy yeah. in to call you, tell you you're idiots. Well, but. yeah. I mean, but I, I want that when somebody yeah. disagrees, man, I want to hear that. And I want to, to be able to parse that and see whether, you know, whether I can make sense of my position or whether his position yeah, makes, makes, sense. Ma- makes more sense to me. Nah. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I mean, I'm obviously going to be biased towards my position, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily that I'm not going to change my position if. Well, you should obviously change if there's think over- whatever I think. So, yeah, well, I'm obviously right. So. If there's an overwhelming preponderance of evidence in one direction or another, <laughs> I will change my position. I have before, and I and, and I will. Yeah. Um. So I'd like to hear what it is. Yeah, I, mean, I think when we say what they believe is is kind of what the media it, it, yeah. it's what or we believe what, what they they're believe. either the yeah. media or their PR it's yes. it's like it's what we believe they believe it's not what they believe but yeah. from it's, the evidence that we have received our understanding of what they believe which is obviously wrong right I mean you can say it Tom right I mean, it's obviously not correct it's obviously not full yeah the, I mean there's there's a lot of in between on on every side of things and a lot of times when you guys are talking you're basing your statements on what I'm going to say is evangelical yes. beliefs and I, 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 I'm always I, I, going like they're talking about these Catholics and I hope you don't feel like that very often because I want something I want to say please right. let me say because I've been right. holding off for a while now I shouldn't be able to get there the I respect the Catholic faith more than any fucking evangelical faith um I feel there's a bit more of stick a little yeah. bit more conviction. You know, I mean, yes, you're not doing your masses in Latin anymore, but, <laughs> you know, you're... It is Latin, too, so... But, you know, like, oh, so here's a great story. I'm not sure if you know the story, Dave. You might have heard it on the show, but I don't think I told you firsthand. Well, years ago, you know, after marriage, before kids... My mom was very concerned about my religious standing in, you know, things. And she suggested that maybe the Catholic Church wasn't the right one for me. Maybe I should try another faith. Maybe some evangelical piece of bullshit. Um... (laughs) uh, You know, it really really shocked me. um, Because... The, Don't hold back. Tell me how you really. I, no, I, no, no, I'm not holding back. It shocked me because I mean, for me, yeah, that's a big step for her. So for 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 me, I respect the conviction of the Catholics. Yeah, and if I was inclined to believe in a God and the doctrine of religion, it would be Catholic. It wouldn't be some evangelical bullshit. Well, Catholic is a lot more thought put into it. That just makes it up as they go along. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Catholics have you know centuries and centuries of actual thought put into it. But my personal whatever it is, my chemistry makes me comfort by the scientific method and not by divine being. If you were to ask me, what of the you know Christian religionists do do I most sort of? Respect is not quite the right word, but do I much sort of understand the Calvinists in a sense because it's they have answers to all the ridiculous to, to all the ridiculous religious questions. You know, you know who is saved, who is not saved. Well, only people who God does. I mean, they 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 have answers. The answers are ridiculous, but they have answers uh, to 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 a lot of these questions. So, in in a sense, it's defined. It's rigorously defined. So, in a sense, like okay, I understand where the Calvinists are coming from. I think it's absurd, but I understand where they're coming from. Um, and and you know, is this, like, is this the contrarian blowhard coming out? 
finally, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's 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 actually nah, being very. Nah, actually. Uh, He's he's being fairly conciliatory. No, in yeah, this I mean, line of it's, statements. It's, it's it's that and 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 look, you know, and, and also I I will say and I will admit wholeheartedly that science has a lot of bullshit to it. I mean, string theory. <laughs> String theory. Look, look at <laughs> look, look at look at the stuff we look, look at the stuff we we accept. Yeah. Look at Big Bang theory and inflationary theory. There's not. I mean, there there's there's evidence, but there's not a preponderance of amazing evidence like there is for evolution. Yeah. There's um, look at quantum physics, which I you know I, I'm studying wholeheartedly. There's an amazing amount of understanding of quantum field theory, but when we talk about electrons or protons, we're not actually talking about things. We're talking yeah. about associations. Yeah. We're, 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 we're talking about things that we now understand to be very, uh, very loosely defined uh, when, as opposed to what we thought about originally. I think back to Feynman, who in his Nobel Peace Prize, in his Nobel, uh, not Peace Prize, Nobel uh, uh, Laureate uh, Lecture, he talked about... Um, the possibility of there being one electron that just travels through time because because that's why all electrons are the same. Now we understand that no electrons are just a, a particular correlation of fields that that are stable and that's why they all look the same because that because that's the stable configuration of fields. But even that is is kind of Ptolemic, right? It's 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 kind of like a Ptolemic uh, model of the solar system. It, it's this weird thing that we don't fully understand yet. I I. I I want to impress that, uh, you know, dogmatic assertion is not the way to figure out how to understand the world. But science has been the way in which we have understand the world to, yeah. to the to the greatest extent that we ever had before. I think that's where where I struggle as an educated yeah. man who practices Catholic ideals. Mm-hmm. So I. I struggle because I don't agree with everything the Catholic Church says. Um, but I think I, I find the medium ground somewhere where I can, it meets what I think, what the church thinks, um, and what, my, what I want my family to think. If right. that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? No. So I kind of meet, meet the middle ground. So the first time I was really put on a, a experience to explain what I think, and it was kind of... Um, Eye-opening was when I was advising Iraqi forces in 2009. So here I am advising the Iraqis who are devout Muslims in a religion that I had never mm-hmm. dealt with prior. Right. Um, and who were to, as convinced about their religion oh my, as anybody else. Way beyond yeah. anything that I had ever experienced in my entire life. Sure. So like I said, if it says little birds in the Quran dropped rocks on the enemy warriors yeah. to defeat them, like – my Shia interpreter thought that it dropped li- that the birds dropped little rocks on the warriors to defeat them, which is different than what's raised in the Catholic, which is the Bible is a, is a way to tell stories, not right. yeah. what actually what yeah. would actually happen. Um, so I struggle with that, and he he's showing me cell phone footage of what he says is a march in Baghdad where the Imam Hussein who died in <laughs> 400 BC, you know. In defense of the Islamic religion, march through the parade, and I'm like, well, shit, you know, you show me this picture, you show me the, the video, it sure looks like the Haman Hussein, you know, who am I to say it's not? Or it's really good special effects. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Or, like, you know, it could be a guy dressed up like him, but shit, I, you show me, and it looked like him, he marched through the parade. So, um, a question for you, yes. Dave. Um, 
So, as a, you know, your dad always went to the early Sunday Mass. What, what time was that? Six o'clock? Six a.m. every a. Sunday. Mass. But, so they'd get up the, uh, there's a couple of nights I slept over. Would he wear his Sunday best? Ass crack of dawn. A couple of nights I slept Sunday. over. Would he wear his Sunday best too? Would he? No, it was no. like jeans and yeah, like a yeah, golf yeah. shirt. So. Yeah, so I mean, that was, well, there's two things. You didn't have to dress up and the Mass was short. It was short. Like less, than an, less than an hour because there was well, less people was, there for communion. So. But but also, I think, I mean, I only, I only did it a couple. <laughs> I that one. <laughs> I, I only did it a couple times, but it seemed like they shortened the homily. The homily was very, the priest very is quick. Break. I got to tell you that one of the you know I grew up Jewish and, and yeah. so I grew up going to you know Jewish services and and the first time I I went to like a Christian service uh, and I hear them singing and they're not singing Hebrew they're singing English <laughs> it was so weird for me they're singing English songs with, you know with English lyrics like what because I'm used to them you know <laughs> Baruch Atah yeah. and, and I was like what what it just it, it, it just struck yeah. me as, as strange and so just... do you go to the super short early mass or do you go to a more sane mass we go to a 9.30 Sunday mass the early mass is well that's the only Sunday mass where I go to so um, the they, um, army provides Catholic chaplains um, but they're in very limited supplies mm-hmm. so um I grew up going to St. Alphonsus in Wexford, which had a 6 a.m. mass. The only reason it had 6 a.m. mass is because there was enough old people to justify they wanted to go to the 6 a.m. mass. My dad insisted we go to the 6 a.m. mass because it gave us the rest of the day to be productive. True, sure, You know what I mean? Sure. So we would come home and be productive the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So as Jeff said, like I think your family traditionally went to the 6.30 Saturday mass, right? Yeah, we usually do Saturday mass. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine. But we were, working our, we were working on Saturdays or doing something, so we traditionally, my dad, the only mass he would go to was the 6 a.m. Sunday mass. Are, are you aware of what the, the Hasidim go through on Saturdays? Cause no. They, they, uh, the, 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 the really hardcore Orthodox Oh, Jews, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, because it, it's Saturday as yeah. opposed yeah. to Sunday. But they... Um, they don't even open doors. Yes. They, uh, yes. The the elevators in, in their in their buildings open on every level yes. because they can't press a yeah, button. Yeah. They, because the, the idea of actually completing a circuit is is considered work. Yeah, it's considered work on the Sabbath. Yeah. Yes, I've read I've read uh, probably just a little bit about yeah. the Orthodox religion. It's yeah. it's um, I mean it's absurd the lengths people go to to. Do these to, to do what are essentially just pieces? Well, of, but if of you're the if you're a Jewish not, elevator not programmer <laughs> and you program it on a Wednesday, a Jewish but elevator your work, program, but your work carries through to Saturday. <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, the, the point is that like it's it's a piece of the, uh, is a, is a piece of the scriptures, a piece of the law. They don't seem to have a problem wearing uh, different fabrics. Yes, right. They don't seem to have a problem. You know, they, they, they don't shave themselves, but they don't seem to. And, and they do, you know, do the dietary restrictions. But there are other things that they don't necessarily, uh, you know, totally do. And and the, you know, the same thing applies. You know, as, as you get into into you know Christian stuff that you know. That... See, with my dad, it was less about religion though. So he's gotten more religious as he's gotten older. Mm-hmm. Like traditionally, like most parents, Western yeah. people have become. Um, with him was my dad carried mail as a mail carrier for thirty five years. He only had Sundays off every other one of his days rotated through the month. So every six weeks he had a Saturday off. So Sunday was his only day to Mm -hmm. get things done. And I personally think – so 
he liked to go to six o'clock mass because we were done by seven. Right. We were home by seven thirty, and he had the rest of the day to get things done. Yeah, which was his only guaranteed off day each week. Yeah. Although I still wonder about that. Um... But it was also a very short mass. I mean, it was, it was a very it was short at mass. Least Ten minutes was, shorter. But than, he, he than... was very big on and on his family being productive for the rest of the day. So he wanted yeah. things done early. Yeah. You look today. I'm. St- I still get up between six thirty and seven o'clock every single day. So like, um, I would start when I was in, back in a unit. I would get up uh, at five and be out my door by five thirty every morning to head to the unit to get stuff done. Now that I'm at home and I don't go to work till eight fifteen, I'm still up between no later than six thirty sure, sure. and seven o'clock every single morning. Everything I've done my whole life, hunting, fishing, has always been an early morning thing. My yeah, I mean, bro- I, I my bro- at- I have two brothers. Who are not raised the same way? Yeah. Who 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 like to sleep in? Who like who who weren't um, as exposed to the outdoors as Jeff mm-hmm. and I were? So have a significantly different. I wouldn't say work ethic, but timetable every day than I was raised. with. Let the record show. I don't get up at six thirty. That's because <laughs> no, but I, he's lazy. But I, uh, you know, you know, I, I get up for work at around uh, seven thirty or so, eight o'clock, and, and it was, it's hard for me to not get up at that time. Yeah, because you get used to it. Yeah, you get yeah. Your, your body my whole just, life, I was yeah. raised that way. So even when Jeff was working nights at King's mm-hmm. Restaurant, I was working the six a.m. to two a. To 2 p.m. shift at the BP across the street. Your body gets used you to You had these such things. an easier high school job than I did. Let, let the record show, Your Honor, that I chose to work <laughs> the gas station because I refused to work in the food industry. Uh, <laughs> you know what he would do? You know what they would do at BP? They would turn the air conditioning up so the girls would get nipped. When they'd walk in, so you could look at. I cannot confirm nor deny that, but the old <laughs> they, they'd run the like old, fifty degrees the in old, the BP gas station. So the girls would go, ping, walk in. The old guy I worked turkey's with, done. Ping. The old guy I worked with may have done that because he was an old sketchy guy. But yes, Wait, you can do that at a gas station. You can just turn up the. Absolutely, it's, it's outdoors. How can you? No, like, no. In the, when in, they come in, in the, the convenience, oh, in the okay, convenience okay. store aspect of okay. it, okay. So. They come in the pay. I see. I mean, I see. shit. I, they had such a hard time finding reasonable people. I was sixteen <laughs> and leading the shift. Mm. You know what I mean? Much like, uh, much like you, America today. Yeah, you know what I mean? Why didn't you tell me what a shitty job I had and tell me to get a better job? He well, seemed he, to enjoy what he was doing. It was getting him late. So I mean, because you were you were sixteen yeah. working. At I wasn't getting late. I was eighteen. Yeah. What the fuck? That was true. That was after I went to college. This is not my like that my graduation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, I think I'm heading to bed. But <laughs> totally understandable, Tom. Greg asked way earlier what my favorite bottle was, and I think I have to oh, show yes. it. Oh, yes. It's Ooh. Lucky Beer from, I think, Australia, but it's a Buddha bottle. That's awesome. And uh, it's really awful. <laughs> I've ever tried in my life, but it's one of the greatest bottles. Got a happy face on it. It's great. Oh, ah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's uh, lucky. It is a uh, Buddha who's quite fat and <laughs> interesting, but awful. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best kinds. Well, so, thank Tom, you for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yes, yes, you're quite welcome. And I will uh, tune in to you throughout the year. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Good night. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 
That's my arm right there. <laughs> That's Jeff's arm. It's not his penis. <laughs> hey, you want to see my penis? All right. <laughs> well, Tom's not hanging up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, where were we? Uh... Stuff. Oh, uh, it's been five hours. Yeah. I think we should just turn off the recording, and if we need to hang out, you know, so you guys can drive one, let's do that. But let's a little bit of 